Welcome to Savvy Sab's podcast on Colin. This is episode 70, Breaking Points Denies GOP Concessions. Breaking Points has recently denied GOP concessions and has referred to them as a fake rebellion. Do you agree? Why or why not? Let's go ahead and get started. I see we already have people in the queue. Let's go ahead and bring in Robert. Robert, you are on the mic. Hey, Savvy. How are you what? doing this evening? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm okay. I just turned 40 today. Oh, the big 4-0. What's up? Yeah. Um, so, again, you know, I'm just listening to the show over on YouTube and jumping over. Um, I'm actually surprised that everybody else is surprised that uh, Crystal talks this way because I, I usually have breaking points on while I'm doing my house husband nonsense, the folding, <laughs> the drying, the washing, the cleaning, uh, and it's on. Everything I heard her say there, I didn't roll my eyes. I didn't uh, rewind anything from shock or surprise. Uh, just kind of like, yeah, not surprising that this is the route she would take. It's like a sour grapes approach almost. Uh, you know, like, oh, well, even if we could have forced the vote, we didn't want to do it like that anyway. And it wouldn't have mattered anyway. Just uh, very, like, disingenuous. So you don't feel there was really ever that intention to actually challenge power? I think I think she has a threshold and her being seen as some sort of uh, cheerleader to any position on the right, like for her to even go, you know what? Good on them. Good on these rebel Republicans. They, this is what they believe in. I don't. But hey, they're doing the thing. She can't do that. That's past the threshold. Do you think it has something to do with access? And I ask this question because obviously, uh, for those of you who are not aware, uh, Ryan Grimm is a part of the Breaking Points Network, and he is or seems to be the only one that's a part of uh, independent media, so to speak, that has access to not just the squad, but other politicians in D.C. And when I say access, I don't even mean that he can have a Zoom call with them. Ryan Graham was actually at the Capitol with them, talking to them in person. That was recent, like when they were trying to, to see what the deciding factor was going to be in reference to McCarthy forced the vote uh, event that was happening there. And I know that because I saw him on interviews with other shows and he said that's where he was. So do you think it has something to do with that? Because I'm wondering if they're trying to get back to that point where they can have access to members of the squad like they did before uh, force the vote happened in at the end of uh, or was suggested at the end of 2020. Do you think it has something to do with that? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to have to say you're asking me, do I think it? And it's like, I'm, I'm thinking it, but it, it's hard. Like when they said, oh, we're going to have some more stuff coming up. I'm like, oh, that's good. They're going to be doing more on-the-field content. And then this counterpoints thing, I knew the girl Emily would fill in for Sauger, um on the Hill, as Ryan would for Crystal. And I was like, oh, okay, she's coming over. They're going to do like a fill-in show. And when, when I found out it was going to just be basically Crystal and Sauger's off days on the Hill was Ryan and Emily, I was just like, oh, so this seems like it's going to change a lot. I don't think he would come into a situation where it's like, hey, Ryan, um, you're going to talk out of one side of your mouth on the intercept and, and every other piece of media. Like when you go on with Savvy, 
Um, but here you're going to have to really take the left to task and give them what's for and speak a little more honestly about it. I just don't see that being the case. Like, how could it? Um, so I, I don't really listen to the counterpoints as much as I do uh, breaking points. It's if I have an off day or something, I'll hear what they have to say. But that's that's one person who I know what he's going to say. As much as I said before, I know what Crystal's going to say. I don't bat an eye or roll an eye. It just might be like, eh, typical. Ryan's one, I know what he's going to say. I still roll my eyes and I still shudder when I'm like, oh, my God. Like, it's just so obvious and see-through. It's like you could just tell me what the, the, little, the little bar on the bottom of the counterpoints thing that says what the topic is. It's like I already know what he's going to say. You could just have a little skip button over his part and just go to what Emily's going to say. So there has to be some sort of, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe this is like an overarching strategies of there to expand the uh, points uh, uh, network. It'll be like, oh, well, we'll topple the mainstream, so to speak, make them look like they're not an attractive platform to talk to. They'll come to us. So now we need to work on phase two, expanding access. So mm. I don't want I don't want to be so, uh, you know negative or uh thinking like that but it's it's a weird choice right for people who are not aware there are certain politicians that uh will only give access to certain people and so if you are one of those journalists or reporters that has heavily criticized them or been heavily critical of them they will actually refuse to grant you an interview And so in a sense, what you just said there, Robert, that kind of reminds me of TYT in a way. It's almost like they're trying to be like TYT because TYT did have access uh, to a lot of those politicians and and to some of those squad members. I I haven't seen them have access to them uh, recently, but they they did. They had politicians. um, Bernie Sanders has come on to TYT. Uh, I think Elizabeth Warren came on there at one point when she was running. So they're known to have that access. And for people who don't understand how this works, it's it's very true that like you can lose access to politicians and not just politicians, just anyone that's a public figure uh, in general. You can lose access to them if you talk about them in a way that they don't find to be favorable. And so that has happened to journalists and reporters before in the past that I know of. And, you know, there's no uh, uh, there's no further proof of that. It's not even like, oh, there's some back channel emails that get lost or, oh, it's a scheduling conflict. You look at the people who went down to D.C. like Max Blumenthal and you're asking he was I think he was talking to Cory Bush. Uh, I don't know if this was during the um, the rent moratorium or it was Medicare for all. But one of her staffers actually get in between him and her. And he's just, you know, he's not being threatening or anything like that because they love the they love the fall back on that, that um, these questions are violence or something. But uh yeah, you know, uh, I think it was the people that were asking about the moratorium in another event. They just turned up this music. They had like a PA system. And when people were going, what about the other 10% of people? What about these people? What about this? They just cranked up the music. They start dancing. I was like, you got to be kidding me. So it's, it's uh, you know, not only is it just like your access, like, hey, come on my show. Let's do an interview. It's your voice will literally be drowned out or someone will get in your way so you can't even address this person do you feel that their talking points were different on rising because i i did watch rising heavily when crystal and saga were a part of it and i 
Mm-hmm. Based on what they're saying now and breaking points, I actually felt like they were actually a little bit more uh, free with their opinion when the, when they were on Rising. Now, Rising was still corporate back then. Right. By different people. Like, I think it's owned by Nexstar now and they apparently have uh, more strict rules. Uh, but do you think that it's changed from when they were on Rising? Because I, I feel like Crystal has become more of uh, a Biden, like apologizer now and more of an apologizer for the Democratic Party in general, as compared to when she was on Rising and Bernie was running for 2020. Well, I, I, I kind of feel like and I mean, you know, subsequent callers can add to that as well. I feel like there were things just like, you know going through the YouTube uh, political rabbit hole and watching like Jimmy's videos here or seeing these guys over here, there were things that they didn't mention on rising. And I'd be like, Oh, well they write the show ahead of time. Maybe they'll catch it tomorrow or tomorrow or tomorrow. And I'm sorry, I don't have a specific example, but there were just some things they didn't cover. So when they started breaking points, and I think that was something they addressed early on was there was a lot of stuff we said, we want to get this person, we want to talk about this subject. And they were basically told, you know, no, you can't do that. So the question is, uh, this shift to being this, as you said, an apologist for the progressives and for Biden administration at large, what changed? Uh, Is it, oh, the influence of whoever Ryan Grimm has access to? Or I don't know, could it be that whatever progressive fantasy she had in her hand, like the squad's going to do the thing. They're going to get out there and, you know, make stuff happen. She sees that's not the media that she's consuming is giving all the excuses of why it can't a Senate parliamentarian there a, you know, Oh, we can't because of some sort of principled thing here. And before you know it now, she's got these excuses as well. So I don't know if she's just become uh, disillusioned um, to the point where it's like, I don't believe the agenda can happen, um, but I still want to protect the people who are in the guise that maybe it could. That's interesting. That's interesting. Well, Robert, thank you so much for your time and happy 40th birthday. Thank you, Sabby. All righty. Let's go ahead and bring in uh, Zach. Zach, you are on the mic. What's your take on all of this? And do you feel the concessions that the Freedom Caucus fought for? Do you feel like they were fake or do you feel like some of them were actually significant? You just have to unmute there, Zach. Oh, am I here? <laughs> yep, you're here. Yeah, I. sorry, I write down my stuff that I want to talk to you about and I have hung up the call on accident before, so I had to make sure that didn't happen. <laughs> uh, so I just wanted to piggyback on your and Robert's conversation, um, you said, uh, asked if their talking points have changed. Uh, The first thing that shouted in my head was um, their corporate. uh, That is, I think, for, you know, any of these TYT types, that is how they explain the world. That is how they see and explain... um, society and politics uh in a corporate lens um so for that question they they say they're independent yeah it's it's hard to explain but like operating in a neoliberal society kind of gives you these biases 
I have noticed at least maybe I'm wrong, but um, just the beats like so. If you've worked, let's use a broadcast for example. Um, I have seen people who were in broadcast television create um, YouTube shows. They still speak in a similar way. Um, unfortunately, I, I don't have an example, but yeah, the, they have spoke in a similar way to how they did when they were on quote-unquote legacy media. So in my opinion, that it it would say that their how their brain operates um is the same let me get your opinion on that that's a good point so basically for those who don't know like crystal did come from msnbc at one point but i guess i just feel like if i'm making the comparison to when they were on rising and now breaking points i felt like the view the viewpoint was a little bit more uh anti-establishment very much more i felt like at least for on crystal's part i felt like it was further to the left the talking points were now granted trump was in office at that time and sometimes i wonder did it change because now the president is a democrat versus when the president was a, a republican but i felt like her views were more she she pushed back on the democratic party a lot more when she was on rising versus to them on breaking points now that's that's a good point and i think we have to ask ourselves the question why did they get that leeway when um the, their side is in power to be more um you know quote unquote progressive or left is it because that's how they really feel or is it because um you know i i like to explain it as um it's professional wrestling the the fixes in from the beginning scripts are written and um th they know their role and what they're getting paid for I think that's that's more the case. What you were saying there, Zach. Yeah, it, it's um, more the case when correct. you have certain like investors and things like that. This is still the reason why, till this day, I will not accept sponsorships. This is the reason why I don't care how nice they are in the beginning, and they say we love your content. They all say the same thing: we love your content. We'd love to be a sponsor on your show, and I give the same message to all of them. This happens every day, by the way, you guys. I give them the same message: I'm independent. I don't accept sponsorships but I appreciate you asking, you know, because like they say that, and then all it takes is for you to say something that you don't, they don't like. Like, for example, a perfect example is Katie Halper when she was removed from the Hill and she wasn't even one of the main hosts. She was a guest host. They removed the guest host because of the story that she had about Israel and Palestine. And so to me, it's, and I, like I said, like the Hill was owned by a different company now than it was when Crystal and Sager were on it. So I think they had a lot more leeway. But to that point, it's like they're fine with you until you say something that they feel goes a little bit too far in reference to the mainstream narrative. And then all of a sudden, they don't want you there anymore. Mm, yes, that is. It's really interesting because like. It, it kind of in my head goes like, who can you trust? And like, I, maybe that's not even the word. Cause like I say, I trust you and RBN because you serve up receipts. 
so I know what is like a verifiable story or um, fact. And they, from what I see uh, on legacy media or even these TYT sphere shows, they, it, it feels all propaganda. They, they want to play on your emotions. Well, like, TYT, to that point, they were better, too, before they took that money from Jeffrey Katzenberg. Yeah, like, I true. felt like their narrative changed a little bit, too. And then once they took the, this is the thing about the big money. Like, once they took that big money, they started to change. And we still see that today with TYT. And this is why, like, for those of us that don't have, like, these these investors or, I mean, I don't have, I don't do, like, this whole subscription service. Like, I, like most people, I have Patreon and then I offer, like, my PayPal or Cash App for people who don't want to do Patreon. But other than that, I don't have like this subscription service that Breaking Points does have that where people can sign up and become like lifetime, like subscription, like that kind of thing. Like, you know, you, you can't tell me that's just strictly from people who are working class. Like some of those 100%. people are some big time. Yeah. Like big time investors. So it's like, especially if you got to have the money for the studio. This is also why I don't have a studio, you guys. Like, <laughs> I stream right from my house. It's expensive. You got to pay, like, rent for the studio per month. And if you you have to have the mics, like, if you notice, they don't have a microphone in front of them. So that studio is probably wired in such a way that they wouldn't need to. All of those things are expensive. If you ever worked in audio or production, any of this stuff, I used to do uh, backstage theater work when I was in college. So I know how expensive all of this stuff can be. So it's just that money came from somewhere. That's the point. And I think that if you have those type of investors and Indie left, actually, they did a really good uh, article about this, about where the money came from. When you have those types of investors, like you can go all out. Right. But then also at the same time, what do you owe them in return? Well, like, that you're... and um, I, I like kind of to my, what I was first talking about, it puts you in a mindset of wanting to have that lifestyle or even wanting to have that amount of money. So you're not going to risk your life talking about what really needs to be talked about. Right. Like, are your investors going to be okay with you telling people we need to disrupt this capitalist system we need a worker movement. We need to get out there and we need to dismantle. Like, is is your investor going to be okay with you calling out central banks? You know, like the way that I do, like things like that. But to the point that I was trying to stress here in reference to the concessions that the GOP received, I don't agree with all the concessions that they got. But what I do agree with is the fact that they actually used that force the vote strategy and got something that they want. Very easily. They, they they politicked like you're supposed to politic. Like they're not supposed to be your friends. You're supposed even we we can say their their masters, that their constituents are the billionaires, but they are serving their constituents to the to the letter. Um so right. we couldn't even get I I think I've said this on your show before. They shouldn't even have been voted for Nancy Pelosi anyway, but to, to not have that strategy is just laughable. Exactly. And I felt like those talking points 
it basically takes pressure off of the squad so that the next time around when the Democrats gain control of the House again, they're not going to feel pressured like last time to force the vote on anything. They're not going to feel that pressure because they just told their audience, which is hundreds and thousands of subscribers, that like, yeah, this was just fake and what they asked for didn't really mean anything and yada yada. And I didn't even go through half the comments, but if you guys go back to that video and you look at the comments, it's hard to find one good comment. Mm. That's really interesting because, you know, how YouTube works, it, it they'll uh, mess with the metrics to make the corporate out, you know, the corporate algorithm will uh, favor you if you are uh, beating to their drum. Right. But that just goes to show you how far few good comments there were on that video. And a lot of the comments were similar in the sense that like, this is not what I expected to get from breaking points. I thought you guys are going to be different or something to the point of that's not the point, whether or not you like the concessions. The point is that they fought for what they wanted and the squad did not. Yes. And some people put in the comments unsubscribed. Yeah. Because, I mean, no one no one has time for even just entertaining any of that anymore. Like, even if you're watching them or anyone else for entertainment, I don't know, maybe that creates an echo chamber, but I, I wouldn't. I would, oh, that that's not right. I'm, I'm not going to watch this anymore I, or support you. Right, and, and people will go there. I mean, I think... I don't know. I, I don't know what, what really has happened there, but I will say this one thing. One of those concessions, reducing the defense budget, I 100% can get behind. And I feel like that message with the squad members, some of them coming from DSA, that actually should have been one of the things that they pushed for. Because according to DSA's platform, that's what they're, that's one of the things that they're supposed to support, reducing the, the defense budget. Uh, getting rid of these, these, you know, ever, these um, never ending wars, like yeah. getting rid of those types of things, like that's a part of the DSA platform. So I felt like that should have actually came from the left. Now I'm happy that it came up regardless. But the fact is, is that I don't understand if you're reporting on the segment, how you can just gloss over something that is very significant is that, but then I go back to some of the talking points on their show in reference to war and some of the fear mongering around China, to me, it's, I think that's the connection is to like, obviously you don't expect Sagar to have the same viewpoints as, as Crystal. But when I'm hearing this neocon rhetoric on the show and I'm hearing like the bad foreign policy takes, and I notice every time they seem to talk about Russia, Ukraine, or actually any type of uh, foreign policy. They had a guest speaker come on one time to talk about China and he was like fear mongering people about China. Every time that happens, they lose subscribers every time. Yeah. Well, and so I, I don't know Sagar, he might be the greatest person in the world, but why, I don't know, my mentality, why would you entertain that paradigm? I, I guess, um, Every everybody's viewpoint should be heard uh, in a democracy, but Crystal having that kind of, um, you know, fake, you know, 
there was that show back in the day. Um, it might have been Talking Points. It was on CNN where uh, liberal and conservative were talking. If if I were on the you know on the left and had my own um, program, I to at least at the very least not combat their like you said their talking points on these issues like China and stuff in the war that Sagar has and don't even push back on them why even have a show unless you are there to cater to the narrative of the you know defense contractors mm-hmm. and capital right and Sagar comes from the Hudson Institute so that's why I'm like is that what this is really about? Because the thing is, is this, like, if you have a show called Breaking Points, I'm going to ask, what are the points that you're breaking? Yes. And if I hear that your points sound like mainstream media, then you ain't breaking no points. Exactly. Uh, and and you kind of, in my opinion, don't deserve anyone's support because you're not breaking the mold or anything. You're just, it's, the the mainstream media has captured another um way to disseminate their information exactly Um, exactly the last thing uh before i let you go and let everybody else speak um i wanted to you talked on your show about public banks and um i know we you've talked about it several times before but i would love if um you could do a segment on them uh, and how they would be structured um because uh i am uh you know i have an mmt background and the first thing we we learn uh learning mmt is the federal government uh is the only one that can make the money um and if if we want to do this i i you kind of talked about it in your show which i really appreciate it but um it kind of rings in the back of my head. The government has monopoly power on issuing the currency. Um, I I don't understand, and maybe I need to. Uh, I know. I think Colin has um, given me some resources, and I will uh, look that up more. But how that would be structured, who would operate them, and how the money would go out, I would. I think that would be really cool if I. Uh, you uh, could do that on your show one of these days. I can do that. Yes. Uh, thank you for that reminder. I'm actually going to be contacting a gentleman um, in Philadelphia about public banks. So yes, I definitely want to bring someone on to have that discussion as well. Uh, but thank you so much, Zach. I'm going to move along to Mr. Scotty. All right, Savvy. Thanks for giving me your time. All righty. All right, uh, Eric, go ahead. I think you unmuted. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things I, I've heard it said is that um, the, the, some of the big banks are also allowed to create money through the lending. So I, I think there are some, you know, I, I'm no expert on it, but but I, ha, I have heard that put out there. So there is also that that avenue where if you have a, a state-run public bank, it would seem like a pretty a doable thing. For um for them to be giving <laughs> giving literally a license to print money, <laughs> so you say that's what they have. And the other thing I want to throw out there is that uh that regards to breaking points is the other thing is always to remember is uh they are big time PMCers. You know they are 
that top 20% or, or higher, and they are, they're doing all right. I mean, the whole top 20%, especially the top 10 percenters, they're, you know, they're, they're riding just fine. I mean, if anything, their salaries have gone up through all this, through COVID. And so they, they're not looking to rock the boat in a big way, the way we are. And so like, they're not going to have Jimmy Dore on because, you know, he's, he's scary and loud. And uh, so don't forget that part of it. <laughs> that didn't used to be the case though, back in the day. Actually, that wasn't the case uh, a year and a half ago, to be honest. Well, I don't think Jimmy Doe has ever been on Breaking Points. Well, Breaking Points... But they might have had him on Rising. Yeah, because Breaking Points is still fairly new. Mm. Um, But But wouldn't you have thought, right? They do the big breakaway from from the hill and, well, bring Jimmy on. But Mm. I think think Breaking Points started right around that time of uh, that fallout, if I remember correctly. Mm. Yeah, I, I think so. I have to go back and check. But Scotty, what's up? How you doing? Good evening, Savvy. Good evening. Uh, yeah, so the question was, uh, do you think that the uh, differences between Republican voters and Democratic voters, because uh, the Democrats uh, think they got in a bag with Democratic voters, that was that the question? Yeah, so basically Breaking Points did a segment about the concessions that members of the Freedom Caucus got from Kevin McCarthy. And in their segment, Crystal basically said that it was fake, that it wasn't, that these weren't significant concessions. And although I don't agree with most of the concessions that they asked for, two things I do agree with was uh, defunding the defense budget, or excuse me, reducing the defense budget. And the other one was changing the rule to oust uh, a speaker of the house. So now just one member can actually push that forward. And I agreed with both of those. I thought those were huge things, but in the segment, it was like she glossed over those two things and focused on the ones that obviously most of us who are lefties are not going to support, but she was focusing on what they fought for instead of focusing on the fact that unlike the squad, they actually did this. Okay. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know that part. But like at the end, you said that, and I'll I'll break it down two ways. One, I think that um, Crystal Ball is still wedded to the Democratic Party, whether you know whether or not she says she's been away from uh, corporate media, which she was let go from corporate media mainly uh, in the waning years of the Obama administration. So, like. Yvette Cornell had a uh, had a theory that uh, you know with a lot of the black journalists that would show up in the media that they were the quote unquote um, Obama uh, the Negro whispers like they were um, they were put up there to explain blackness to a mostly white audience under the Obama administration and Crystal Ball uh, kind of served as like the uh, center left whisperer, like under the Obama administration, like you have people like uh, Ed Schultz um, before they uh, let him go, Keith Overman, um, and for uh, like a cup of coffee, Jane Huger. So you had these people under the Obama administration that could sell to a specific audience, and she was let go. 
And so fast forward a few years later, like they had to reinvent themselves somehow to stay in that media space. So what do you do? You you say you're anti-establishment, but you kind of rebrand it with like sort of like establishment sensibilities, right? So like you're for forced to vote, but you're not going to go too far with um <laughs> with how uh you know people like you, me, Jimmy, a lot of people who are angry at the Democratic Party because one, they're in the same class as these these people. They have sort of like the same relationships. They probably went to school with each other, and so they see their they see their ascent to getting in the halls of power. And so they kind of like, they're invested in their success. And so them saying all these things, uh, them, uh, they have to know like, okay, the squad screwed up with the force to vote uh, non-strategy, right? So what ways do we sort of muddy this waters? We say, well, they adopted this strategy, but it was for things that we didn't necessarily want. Well, that didn't matter because the left isn't in power and it hasn't been in power. But the whole point was it was an effective strategy to use for things that you wanted. And so you, a way for her to sort of dismiss it is to say, well, these people want to cut uh food stamps they want to cut social security problem with that is the democrats also want to do those things right and so (laughs) (laughs) she didn't she doesn't mention that to the she doesn't mention that to the audience and so her way of doing that of you know praising the strategy but sort of like muttering the waters and i think that's what pissed off jimmy about that whole thing because like you're you're saying, well, they did uh, they did the strategy, and well, the the squad the squad just they just uh, made the wrong decision. They just made the wrong bet. No, they chose not to do it. Mm-hmm. They actively chose not to challenge Nancy Pelosi. Um, they chose uh, the, uh, their careers over the constituents that sent them there. Right, and another reason they are able to do this was quite frankly, and this is why I have more of an issue with normie Democrats more than I do with Republicans is because normie Democrats take a lot of take the bullshit that serves to them by the Democratic Party because all the Democratic Party does is just tell them, uh, well, you can vote for us or you'll have the Republicans in. And no punk out and actually allow it to happen. Case in point, the 2020 uh, the primary. I'm not going to say anything the 2016 primary because it was clear what happened. Like they, it was more clear that they stole it from Bernie. Like every, at least, even if you didn't like Bernie, you kind of had a feeling like okay, they just outright stole it. Now, mm-hmm. like the second time around, by the time the batting hit. You kind of had the feeling like, okay, Bernie's on his way to win the uh, the primary. But what happened? 
the week of the South Carolina primary happens. I've said this to you before. The South Carolina winning the South Carolina primary in uh, the, the Democratic Party doesn't mean a damn thing. They haven't voted for a Democrat since 1976. Um, so it's one of the most conservative states in the country, and that includes the Democrats that vote in that state. It so also why, has. Uh... I was just going to say really quick, Scotty, um, my, I, I went to college in South Carolina and then I was there for a few years after, unfortunately. But it's also, um, South Carolina also has the oldest electorate, too. Yeah, it has the oldest electorate. And all it took was for Joe Biden to win by double digits in that state. which It, it didn't, it really did not matter uh, that he won that state, but they... They did it as a way of one using the black uh, community as a wedge against progressives in the uh, the primary, which they did the same thing with Bernie Sanders mm-hmm. uh, in 2016. So they're successful, and then what happens? Like all the Demo- all the other Democrats jump out because they're able to use South Carolina as like see. Like black voters, uh, they can't win black voters, right? Yep. And then, and then Super Tuesday happens, which nobody's going to convince me anything that that this election wasn't stolen on Super Tuesday. They're not going to convince me otherwise. Like I think that they that uh, they outright stole it, and the media helped them do it. Um, yes, I go back to. Like, I want to add, Scotty. I go back to Iowa. When mainstream media covered the fact that Pete Buttigieg had announced that he had already won and they weren't even, they were nowhere near finished counting the votes. Yeah. Not only that, in Super Tuesday, you had polling places in Texas that uh, were in Bernie Sanders areas that were closed down. And Texas, Bernie Sanders was actually leading in Texas that week. He was going to win heavily in California. So, like, not only that, he was also leading in Massachusetts. You mean to tell me that Biden, who's a distant third, all of a sudden jumps in Massachusetts in the New England area when he had gotten destroyed in New Hampshire? That makes no sense. But the so Democrats I'll tell you, I can tell you what happened with Bernie Sanders in Massachusetts for 2020. Because remember, Hillary won Massachusetts for 2016. Uh, the problem with Massachusetts is like a lot of people look at us as like, oh, this progressive haven. That's only like a portion of the state. The progressive areas here tend to be uh, parts of Boston. And I say parts because there's some parts of Boston that are uh, still very much um, hardcore Democrat blue dog, right? So parts of Boston, mainly Cambridge and Somerville which has, there's a lot of younger uh, adult population. I lived in both of those places. So mainly those areas. And then you have the Western part of Massachusetts where you have like the Berkshires. Like, so Bernie, I knew Bernie was going to do really well in places like Springfield and like the Berkshires because they're a little bit more chill out there, right? The problem that you have with Massachusetts though is that a lot of these suburban towns that border Boston are those blue dog Democrats. They don't want a revolution. They don't want anything to like disrupt the system. They want reforms, 
but they don't really want to change the system. And a lot of those towns that surround Boston, and I see Betsy's lined up next, so Betsy can tell you about this as well. A lot of those uh, towns that surround Boston are wealthy towns, Concord, Lexington, uh, Acton, uh, Dover, Shelburne, Wellesley, like these places are wealthy. Like put it this way, you have Red Sox players that live in Wellesley. So these are not people, like you said, like they're the PMCs. These are not people that are looking to shake up the system. They just want a couple of reforms here and there, and they definitely don't want their wealth to be affected. So when someone like Bernie Sanders says we need to give Medicare to everybody in this country, they may agree with the principle that everyone should have health care. But then the question comes about, is this going to affect my taxes? Is this going to affect my wealth? When he starts talking about we should have universal pre-K, we should have public universities uh, should be free, they may agree with that on principle. But if they see that in any way, shape, or form, their wealth is going to be affected, then they'll vote against it. The other thing, too, is the status symbol. A lot of those people, they won't tell you this to their fa- to your face, but you can tell by the way that they behave. They don't want to disrupt their status either. They don't want to be on the same level as someone who is middle class. They want to still have that opportunity for their kids and only their kids to attend the best schools. And they're the same ones that will oppose the kids coming from Roxbury and Dorchester coming into their neighborhoods to go to their public schools through the Mecca program. Again, they won't say this out loud to your face. They'll talk about it amongst each other, but they are willing to bend for a few and by a few, I mean like maybe two people, but once it gets to the point where it's supposed to affect everybody, then they see that as too much and they don't want it to disrupt their environment. That's the problem that you have with Massachusetts It's one of the wealthiest states in the country. And we have huge wealth inequality here. And some people want to keep it that way. They don't want the poor kids moving to their neighborhood. They don't want middle class people moving to their neighborhood. Uh-huh. Yeah, nah, that part I agree. The only thing I would ask about uh, that though is, um, in twenty sixteen, uh, Massachusetts primary, he only lost by single uh, single digits, if I'm not mistaken, against Hillary. As a matter of fact, uh, mm-hmm. Bill Clinton went there, uh, went to Massachusetts. I forgot what town it was, and he held up the line at a a, a voting a voting uh, location, which was basically electioneering. So I want to know what was the difference between well, not I know that uh, you know there were more candidates, but like he he lost by single digits in Massachusetts in 2016. So what happened there? The difference is the fact that he ran against Hillary Clinton, who is not likable. A lot of people don't like Matt, uh, Hillary Clinton, even here in Massachusetts. They see her as like, <laughs> excuse my language. They see her as a prudish, a prudish bitch. Like, <laughs> I'm just sorry, but <laughs> a lot of people don't don't like her. Uh, whereas Biden, for some people, was definitely more likable. The other issue that you ran into is the fact that Trump had already served. So we had already lived under Trump. And some people were like, they really felt that if Bernie won, he wouldn't beat Donald Trump and they didn't want Trump again. So they voted for Biden. 
And you could tell it was, you could tell it was more so that, especially after South Carolina, because I got to tell you the entire time during that whole election cycle, I didn't see one Joe Biden sign. I saw Bernie Sanders signs, a lot of them, by the way. I saw even some poot, uh, poot, sorry, even some Pete uh, Buttigieg signs. I saw some of those. I saw Elizabeth Warren, of course. She's here. She's from here. But I never saw a Joe Biden sign. So South Carolina was a turning point for some people. They were like, oh, shoot, Joe Biden came back. He won South Carolina. I guess we better vote for him. Yeah, I think Sabrina. What? What? Yeah. I think Sabrina. What you were saying about the the richer mass towns being afraid that Bernie was going to take away from their standard of living was spot on. By the way, and Bernie yeah, really needed they, to to make clear that he was going to take wealth away from the from the uh, from the billionaires, not from the PMCers. Right. Like we have over three hundred thousand millionaires that live in this state. And like, you'd never know it. Like if you, you got to go out to those towns, like leave Boston and go to the suburban towns that kind of surround Boston and you'll see it. Yeah. But yeah. Um, uh, why did the, those people uh, believe that just by Joe Biden went to South Carolina, that that was a turning point. And like, I, what the point I was getting to is because unfortunately democratic voters tend to believe the media more which republican voters have been primed to see the media as liberal elitist which for the most part they are but not in the way that they think and you know they're primed to distrust government and the democratic voters are primed to trust government a lot more and so my problem is like they're you know a lot of the Democratic voters aren't skeptical enough of institutions. And so this is what uh, happens when you repeatedly, your your issues are repeatedly taken for granted, repeatedly mistreated uh, when it comes to uh, your issues like that. That uh, infamous Zoom call that he had was uh, by now with civil rights leaders. Like anybody that's seen that, and he's still still voting, uh, comfortable voting for Biden. Like I question, I question your intelligence. I question your judgment. Uh, you know, and, and the problem like is, making- uh, Scotty. Though the problem is, most people haven't seen that. Most people that I've mm-hmm. spoken to have not seen that video. Oh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. mm-hmm. Bernie had a lot of strong support here, especially among the college community. There's a lot of colleges here, just in Boston alone. He had a lot of support from like the college students, um, some of the professors, honestly, too. But again, like I said, that whole wealth factor, that was where some people were like, they just didn't want their wealth to be impacted. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, uh, I'll uh, let you guys go. Uh, have a good night, Savvy. Thanks, Scotty. All right, I'm going to bring in Betsy and then uh, Noel. I'm going to ask you to chime in as well. Betsy, what's up, my fellow Massachusetts? Hey, how are you doing, Savvy? Um, doing my... well, how are you? Okay, my dog might, might have something to say about all this. Um, we'll see. 
she was just <laughs> moaning and groaning before. She's like, Mom, enough of this, like, politics stuff. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I can't blame her. So, yeah, I um, I mainly called in because Eric's been bugging me about it the last few times, and I've mostly just been li- just listening and on the chat, but I didn't really, like, you know, sometimes you're not in the mood to, like, be a caller. So, anyway. Um, so, I'm one of those people who, you know, I watched Rising um, pretty religiously um, for a couple years. And then, you know, when Crystal and Sagar announced, you know, they were leaving and, like, a lot of other people, I followed them over breaking points and um, it it sounded really good. I, I thought their reasons for leaving, you know, I, I thought they were, they were legit and, and, you know, so I, I became a premium subscriber. Um, and unfortunately I, I kind of like forgot about it and it, it auto renewed. (laughs) So I was so mad. I was just like, Oh, I did not mean for that to happen. Um, but um, yeah, I I still like went ahead and canceled my membership, although it doesn't cancel until the you know the year's been up or whatever. So, um, but it wanted my reason for canceling. So oh, I I oh yeah, I mean there were like options you could choose from. I don't know if anybody else has done this. Um, so I clicked the appropriate option, which had to do with. I think it was like the like the content itself of breaking points and and I I you know I was tactful I didn't use profanity but I pretty much let them ha- you know let them have it especially crystal um you know and I yeah I kind of said earlier in in the YouTube chat I I was saying that I felt you know like I'd been fooled And I, you know, I, I don't, I'm kind of rethinking that. I don't know if I was fooled per se. I think I just didn't know enough about, I only knew them from rising. Um, and I know that crystal had been fired from, from MS DNC. That's what I call it. Um, and I kind of thought that was cool. Cause I'm like, oh, well, she, she got fired by mainstream media and, they didn't want her speaking out about X, Y, and Z. So like, that's cool, you know? Um, but yeah, I just, it became apparent after a few months um, what was going on with them. And I forget who said, a few people said that they kind of like became like TYT. And I was never actually, I was not one of those TYT people. I didn't even know about it until, um, I kind of kind of came across more, you know, true lefty, uh, you know, podcasts and then heard people bashing it. So I never went down that, you know, that path of, of being into TYT. Kudos to you, Um, Betsy, for that one. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think a lot of us listening started out at TYT. (laughs) Yeah. It's really like, I really didn't even get into podcasts until the pandemic. Like that was for me, one good thing that came out of the pandemic was just, you know, with spending more time at like at home and not going out. Um, and there were, yeah, just more, more, more people were podcasting. And so it just kind of like 
you know, I got into it. And um, by then I think I had moved too far to the, too, when I say too far to the left, I mean, far, not too far for me, but too far for, for being, you know, being able to tolerate them. And I've just keep, keep, I've kept moving farther to the left. And as I've done that, I think breaking points has moved farther to the right. Not that they were ever truly left. And I kind of see that. And um, yeah, I just, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's a bummer. Um, and it is frustrating that they reach so many people. And I, and I think so many people are probably just snowed over and they don't, because they're not exposed to, to smaller, uh, you know, smaller uh, podcasts or networks like, like you and RBN and, you know, they're not really getting the truth. And I guess I feel like maybe this was an eye opener because I think a lot of, you know, from watching, um, I watched Nick and CJ's clip today um, where they went through like the comment section on Breaking Points uh, page. And um, yeah, I think they probably went a little bit farther than I did. <laughs> I was like, I'm just yeah, it was like really funny though, because bad. right. But these were people who subscribed who were just like mm -hmm. calling out Crystal and, you know, like, so maybe, maybe people are starting to wake up a bit, you know, I, I don't, it's a bummer. Um, so yeah, I, there may be me, there may be a time if they have a certain person on that I might be interested in watching that clip, but beyond that, you know, I feel like it's not worth my, it's not worth my time. It just, it just, there are only so many hours in the day and I already feel very stretched thin. Um, you know, where I work full time, I've got, you know, got my dog, I've got other things going on in my life. It's like, I am already having to pick and choose like which podcasts and I'm going to follow. And then I'm, and then, like if I miss an episode and then trying to catch up, it's, it's hard. It's like, it's, you know, so that's just, I just don't have time for it. So I applaud anybody who, you know, has the time and they're listening to kind of see what sort of what the other side is saying, so to speak, you know, right. um, the way some people watch, you know, like liberals will watch Fox news just to see what, what's being said about liberal, you know, it's, lurking <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't do that yeah i don't i don't hate watch or anything but yeah so um do you do you know savvy they did a um so they were doing like shows like like live shows um like they're rock stars or something so back when i was a um well i guess technically i'm still a member because of the thing that i just told you about you know even though i canceled it's still good but so at so after that point, um, when I un, you know, unsubscribed or whatever, um, they're doing shows and like they did one in Boston and it's like, I was curious just to see like the ticket price. I mean, it was like insane. The amount of money, if you wanted, if, especially if you wanted to do like a meet and greet, it was like, I think it was like hundreds of dollars. For what, was, Betsy? It was For what? yeah. I could I could pull I could probably find it. I could find it. It's probably in my email somewhere, and I can like 
tell you for sure, but um, it it just was gross, especially given that Listen. how much like they're multi. I just bought VIP tickets to see Jimmy Dore in Northampton, and the highest price on there was fifty eight bucks. Right, because oh. that's Jimmy. Right, that's Jimmy Dore, and <laughs> mm-hmm. he's that kind of person that he, you know, you know even though about- I've got some issues with him. Um, you know, I, I feel like it's, you know, I, it's, uh, it's you don't com- have to, I was just gonna oh. say really quick, uh, Betsy, yeah. you don't have to pay for some musicians. You don't have to pay yeah. hundreds of dollars to see, oh, yeah. to do meet and greets with the musicians. I'm like, what are people paying hundreds of dollars for what? To meet, to get a photo with Crystal and Sager and to fawn all over them basically. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, but if you're wait, savvy, if you're a lifetime member, you get free tickets. I'm sorry, but, but I don't how think is this how is that helping the working class? Like that's it doesn't. It doesn't. And it's it's like I have a feeling, I could be wrong, I don't think I'm wrong. That if if I were to go to one of these shows, which I'm not, because I would never pay for that. Um, I think even if someone gave me a free ticket, I don't think I would go. But um I have a feeling that it's like almost it's like a sea of white people. Mm-hmm. I pretty much have that sense, but you know, that's that's just me. But uh, <sighs> yeah, I think that um, I mean, I know I think there were some a couple people in the chat early, maybe on YouTube, and they they like breaking points, and so I I realize you know not not everybody it's it's nothing is black or white like it's, it there's always nuance and so i'm really curious if anyone who's called in who's in the queue um likes breaking points and i'm just curious i'm not like gonna sit and bash that person for liking them i'm just i'm curious as to why like with the reasons and if anything that's come out you know that sabby talked about in the show tonight um, or anything, you know, you've seen prior to that has opened your eyes to what's really going on and who Crystal really is. And, you know, it's like she had a tweet today. I think it was today, right? I saw, at least I saw it today about rep Katie Porter is supposedly, uh, well, she announced she's running for Senate. She's fri- quote unquote primarying, um, um, what's her face? I'm blanking on uh, Senator Feinstein. Um, and I say that in quotes because I Feinstein is probably just not going to run again. So it probably will be an open seat. But but Feinstein hasn't said she's not running. So for all intents and purposes, she's primarying her. And Crystal was like fawning all over Katie Porter, giving her endorsement and like, oh, she's, you know, really going to like, you know, She's fight fighting the corporatists and whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. I I'm just paraphrasing. I don't and even so consider I had to Katie Porter to really be like when you look at no. the other uh progressive, so to speak, Katie Porter is like at the weakest of that list. Right. She's and the thing and the yet. thing is, it's just she's a dem in the end, and this is what I what I responded in my tweet. Uh in the end, she's she's still a Democrat. And that means she's a corporatist. And Katie Porter didn't force the vote. Katie Porter fell in line to to support Jeffries. So it's like somebody else had had re- replied to Crystal's tweet and basically said it was like rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. 
And it is. Yeah. So Feinstein Porter is better than Feinstein, but that's mm-hmm. like the oh, let's vote for the lesser of two evils. It's the same thing. Yeah, it's, Feinstein. I don't see is, any difference. She is running yeah. again, by the way. She announced that oh, she announced Feinstein? it last year. Yeah. She announced it that's last year. Interesting. That, she was that is really interesting. I know. I was like, no, this, was woman's like, like, this woman's like, you know, why don't you just retire? But it's she ridiculous. Announce, she did announce. It's that not she's even just that game. she's old savvy. It's like, like Bernie. You know, I know, I know how you feel. Like you think Bernie probably shouldn't be be in the Senate anymore. And I don't. I don't even. It doesn't bother me either way. Like his age, it's it's not an issue for me because he's still clearly sharp as attack, right? And like, but some people who are like. 20 years younger than Bernie are already losing their marbles. But Diane Feinstein is like, she definitely has some kind of dementia or, you know, co- obvious cognitive decline. Um, yeah, but she, she shouldn't be there. So let me mention something here about uh, this race with Katie Porter and Diane Feinstein. Katie Porter should, uh, she should take notes from Shahid Buttar. <laughs> she's gonna run into the same problem that Shahid Buttar ran into like and you know he's very last time he came on like Shahid was very open and honest about this he was just like yeah don't do it <laughs> he he did it three times he was like yeah just don't do it because he's like you're not gonna beat them like wow. I, I mean like people like her like California's tricky because that is again another blue dog like democrat um state for the most part. So yeah, like progressives there, they have a hard time. And there were a number of progressives that ran in California uh, for 2022 for congressional seats. So there they do have a, a, a pretty hard time, but I think that she should talk to Shahid Batar because she's going to run yeah. into the same problems that he ran into running against Nancy Pelosi three times yeah. in a row. But the thing I is, agree. Just like- and I think, I think it's interesting that she basically, I think she has to, Right. She has to give up her own seat like she can't be on the ballot for both. But uh, but she only won narrowly. So maybe she's seeing the writing on the wall that she thinks, well, I'm probably not going to get reelected next time because it was so close. And so I might as well, you know, but it's the same constituency. Betsy. I mean, uh, well, I mean, she's had but it's the entire state versus just her district in Orange County. I think she's in Orange County. That's true. It it just, I, this, it's, it's just, but I just, I don't see, see, Crystal always does this though, right? She'll, she'll complain about, you know, various Dems. Not, not that she's complained about Katie Porter because she loves her. But then in the end, she always votes for the Dem. She always does. Like, she admitted that she voted for, uh, because she lives in Virginia. She voted for, uh, is it Northam, whatever, for, for governor. Whoever she voted it was, for ran. blackface, dude. No, actually, no. I think they're term. Li- maybe they're term limited. She voted. All I know is she voted for the Democrat. But it was like, wasn't there somebody in Virginia McAuliffe. running like Green Party or Indy? McAuliffe. Yeah, McAuliffe. Right. Thank you, Terry McAuliffe. Um. Yeah, it's just like, why? Like what? It's what like is- the whole thing of shepherding shepherding people into the Democratic Party. Right. That's the whole thing. There's like all these pieces that are coming together. And I think the thing is, is like, it's, I think it's disappointing for, for me and those of us that have watched these shows for a long time, because I remember hearing 
talking points such as if they cheat Bernie again, we need to go protest. I remember Kyle Kalinske saying that if they cheat Bernie again, we need to be in Milwaukee and we need to be outside the DNC and we need to be protesting at that Democratic convention. I remember them saying that. And then it was just like, what happened? How do you go from that to Joe Biden's just doing a great job? Yeah, let's just and not even mention like things that Joe Biden said he was doing that actually wasn't true. Like not even mentioning those things. It's like people have to come to RBN to hear that shit. Or you have to go to Jimmy Dore to hear like, oh, by the way, God, Biden said he was doing this. But guess what's really happening? Like, what the fuck happened to all these people? I, I think like- part of it was the money, the fame. I think the fame and the money, It's it could be as simple as that, that it went to their heads. And they don't like they don't want to lose their access. It's, it's not like they, you know, on breaking points, they had AOC on. Obviously not. You know, they get Rokana, who is basically, the you know, he put Rokana's on your show. He's on Bad Faith. He's on, you know, all of those shows because he, he seems to like to take a beating. It's like, it's so pathetic. And he'll um, go, he's gone <laughs> on shows that have less subscribers than I do, too. I know. <laughs> if yeah. I had a show, he'd go on just because he's like, you know. Um, so I don't I don't know. But they I, it's just something about the, the, the glitz and the glamour. And like, I I. I think there is, yeah. There's there's some dark money going on there, or maybe it's not that dark. I don't I don't know. I'm not sure who's totally. Let me tell you something. RBN, like our goal is to eventually get on the road, and I'm just going to tell you this: we will not be charging you guys hundreds of dollars to meet and greet with us. Fuck that. Some of you guys (laughs) have already met us, like at the Medicare for All marches. Like some of you have met us anyway, just out in public. Like you don't need to pay hundreds of dollars to meet me and take a picture with me. What the fuck is that? Are you Prince? Madonna? Yeah, it's, rid- it's ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. Anyway, yeah, I'm going to, I know the queue is long, so I'll go. Um, check your email, Sabby. I wasn't sure which account to do, so it's the one that's your, like, SabbySabs.com. Okay, so great. Yeah. I, had two, I had two show ideas, and then I thought of more after I sent it, but it's okay. So. Thank you. Awesome. So yeah. much. Thanks so much, Betsy. Good, good chatting. Yep. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. All right, Noel. I know you've been waiting a bit. I want you to go ahead and unmute. I want to get your take on all this. And then um, I'll bring in Delthea. Okay, good evening, um, Sabrina. And good evening to everyone in the chat. Um, I think, you know, when your perspective on these um, independent media outlets is kind of formed, then you basically see everything through the lens and within the context of where you see them. If you notice at the end of the breaking points, there is this type of solicitation promo where um, their crystal is basically saying, oh, major media or corporate media is dividing and being so divisive, help us build this and that. So they're establishing who they see their competition as. Um, And to that perspective, it lets me know that Breaking Points is trying to position itself within the independent media um, sphere as more of a reporting um, podcast than an advocacy type of thing. So they're trying to demonstrate balance and this and that within the context of a bipolar 
you know, Republican versus Democrat with, you know, Crystal being on the Democrat side, liberal Democrat, not left, and um, Sager being more of the Republican voice. And the same thing plays out on um, the counterpoints thing. But the reality is when, when I considered what was happening in the um, run up to the selection of the Speaker of the House, what I heard Crystal doing in her commentary was basically trying to frame that effort as a fake rebellion, this and that and blah, blah, blah. And again, she is framing it within the context of a forced to vote push from the left of the democratic sphere. So she's really working to characterize that as a fake rebellion, instead of characterizing it as what it was, which was a leveraging of power, which is the way it is done in politics. And, you know, we have to consider that running up to the midterms, everybody thought there would be this red wave, in which case, if there had been a red wave, we would have not seen the example of a leveraging of power in the um, grain of a force to vote as we did, because there would have been enough Republicans to overwhelm that um, power play that the far right um, Republicans were able to do with McCarthy. So when they only won by a very narrow mar margin, it created the reality for them to demonstrate what force the vote really looks like and how it works as a tactic and a strategy. So the let the um, liberals in the Democrat side who were so um, vocal against force the vote at some time, they're trying to reframe that what we saw with the Republicans as chaos and a fake rebellion and all that as a tactic so that going forward, there is less pressure on the so-called progressives to utilize and, you know, activate the power that they do have. And so, you know, I think you made, a, you questioned earlier in your program do we feel it has anything to do with the base of the Republicans versus the Democrat base? And I believe that it really does. And I think it's because, you know, when you think of MAGA and Make America Great Again, which is a look backwards into American history, that was kind of a unifying theme across the Republicans. The whole Republican spectrum were pretty much okay with this MAGA thing. And so the divide that you find within the Republican tent is the ones who are okay with MAGA as long as it leaves their positioning intact versus those who want to push far right. And so what we saw with the machinations with McCarthy was that contingent that would love to see this thing pushed further right than um, McCarthy and the other Republicans are likely ready to go leveraging their power and saying, okay, Nancy um, Pelosi may have had her iron fist in a velvet glove, but you will have no velvet glove over here. 
we're going to lobby and we're going to use our votes in our to leverage power and we're going to get some concessions out of you to remove what would even appear to be a velvet glove. You won't get that. And that terrorizes the Democrats because they're saying, ooh, don't get no ideas. Because, you know, if um, Jeffries ever ascends to the speakership, he's going to have a velvet glove. And so I think it relates to the base of the parties because the Republican base in terms of the core of it is basically white and it leans working class and poor white for the masses of the votes. And so there is a more uniform appearance to it. So they can afford a strong contingent of far right um, people versus the, the midsection. But you can't do that on the Democrat side because the diversity within the Democrat base really has some strong um, differences amongst the various constituencies. And so the Democrats can't afford to play that. And when you think about it, the Congressional Black Caucus and members of the Progressive Caucus, including the squad, should be the parallel to that right wing in the Republican caucus. If the Congressional Black Caucus was pushing a strong ideological and philosophical set of agenda items based on the needs of their unique constituencies, you would be seeing the same type of push and pull in the Democrat side that you are seeing on the Republican side. But on the Democrat side, there is a need to present a uniform front because that is the sales pitch that they're selling to their global Democrat base, which is very diverse. So they're trying to like herd cats, whereas the Republicans just have different breeds of dogs, but they're all dogs. But, you know, it's much more difficult to herd cats. And so the Democrats have to have a very strong overarching strategy and they're just not willing to risk it. And when I think it was Scotty was talking about the importance of South Carolina, I think it's very during the last Democrat primary, I think it's very important and instructive to recognize that the real issue going into Carolina was that's when Jim Clyburn and Barack Obama weighed in. And they were, because um, Biden had been doing poorly coming out of Iowa and New Hampshire and Nevada, it was important for them to get Klobuchar and Buttigieg out of the way and Warren so that as they go into South Carolina, it is clear a two-horse race. And so as you enter South Carolina, you're really beginning that Southern sweep where black Democrat votes do matter in a Democrat primary. So they wanted it clear because they knew that Joe Biden had to begin to sweep and overwhelm any lead that um, Bernie Sanders had. And the reality is Bernie Sanders, I realized from his first run, is just controlled opposition. He's a sheepdog and shield for the Democrats. And that was clear to me. But when um, Barack Obama got Klobuchar and Buttigieg, as it, as it is alleged, to drop out of that primary, it cleared the way 
for that two horse race and for them to say, oh, you know, Trump, we can't risk Trump. We can't risk. And so everybody falls in line. And unfortunately, sometimes the black Democrats are so loyal and they're so enamored of symbolism with Barack Obama and Clyburn. So they just, it's like whatever they say we do. And that's how that whole thing was engineered. But make no mistake, Bernie Sanders was a part of that process because they know they need to have uh, the, the liberal side and any left portion of the Democratic Party that's still there. They need to animate them and get them fired up about voting. And so you have to have that voice. And in the last two elections, it was Bernie Sanders to fire up that left-leaning part of the Democratic Party to get them to come out, period, or there'll be low voter turnout. But there, there, you know, early on, Joe Biden had said to the um, wealthy donors to the Democratic Party that nothing much would change under him. And I think there was... Um, one big donor who actually said, oh, if, this, if Bernie Sanders gets the nomination, we'll pull out, we'll support Trump. And so those are the type of things that we have going on in the background. But as far as breaking points um, is concerned, I see them as attempting to occupy the, the a balanced type of left-right discourse in the independent media state space that will position them to compete with the corporate media outlets. That's what they're trying to do. And so that's the way it, it resonates. Well said, Noel. Well said. Let's bring in uh, Delthea. Delthea, you just have to unmute. Yeah, it's a mess. I think we all see what's what's really happening here. But it is, I have to say, it is very much unfortunate to see that this is the way that things have gone because I was really, like I said, I was really excited for breaking points. I was like, oh, snap, they're about to be independent. They're going to be more rogue. Now they can say what they want to say. And I feel like they've actually gone backwards. What's going on, Delthea? Oh, I don't think we can hear you. I'll give it just a second because I know sometimes with the app, it can be a little finicky. Let me um, invite you as a speaker, Delthea. Sometimes that resolves the problem. Let's see if that works out. But yeah, uh, while we're waiting on that, I would just say that can like... Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. I have an I have an What in the world? Um, we can hear you just fine, Delthea. You can hear me? Yeah, we don't have an echo on our end. Oh, okay. Um, how y'all doing tonight? I'm doing why y'all mad at why why y'all mad at Crystal? Why, why y'all mad at Crystal? <laughs> uh, Roger, can you mute for a second? Sorry. It's just there's an echo with that. It's not so much like mad at Crystal. It's just that there has definitely been a change. And it just seems like this is not the same type of message we would have heard from her when she was on Rising. Even actually, the breaking point. 
even when it first started, you know, Breaking Points first started, right. I felt like it was different. Something it was. It, it was. Can you hear me? Yeah. It was different. Now, I'm going to ask you a real simple question. When she was on Rising, was she married? Um, no. I, I don't know. I she don't was really not know. married. Yeah. She is married now. Um, and she's married to Kyle Kalinsky, and Kyle likes Democrats. Well, no, wait a minute. Um, I know, I don't know. When I say I don't know, I don't know if she was separated at that point. But she, she wasn't she married was... to Kyle. Well, in America, I think they're dating. They're engaged. Yeah. yeah. She was married to some rich guy before that. But she was not with him. The point is this. She is with Kyle now. Kyle likes Democrats. So she's going to like them too. It really is that simple. But he didn't used to. Like he didn't used to. I remember, if I'm, I'm remembering correctly, and someone please correct me in the chat. I remember when Kyle Kalinske gave Barack Obama a D. Like when he was doing the uh, report card, he gave uh-huh. Barack Obama a D. And he used to heavily call out, like when Bernie was running those two campaigns, he heavily called out the Democrats and he heavily called out Joe Biden when Bernie was running against Joe Biden. Uh-huh. And he also mentioned Tara Reid's story during that time too. Then it was like, once Biden won, it was just, oh God, love Biden. He's doing such great stuff. Dark Brandon, da-da-da-da. And I'm just like, what the fuck happened? What I'm trying to tell you. Understand this. Kyle, even when he was critiquing the Democrats, when he was doing the Justice Dems with um, Jake Uger, when they were doing all of that, that was always to save the Democratic Party. And if he was talking against somebody, it was because he thought that person was harming the Democratic Party. But Kyle has never not liked the Democratic Party. He has thought that it's going too far to the right. And Barack Obama was a big reason for that in his mind. But he never stopped loving the Democratic Party. And now, after going through Trump, he's been chastised. And now that she is with Kyle, I'm telling you, she loves Dems too. Well, Crystal did run as a Dem. She, she ran did. before. Mm-hmm. But what happened to this whole, you know, progressive movement and we need to get rid of the corporate Democrats? Like, what happened to all of that? They're scared. They're scared. Trump put the fear of God into them. They're scared. They're scared that the, the, that that all these bad, bad Republicans are going to come get them, and the only thing that they have are the Democrats that are. When that's not how power works. Right now, we have three political parties. We have the Republicans, the Democrats, and we have, what is it, the Freedom Caucus. They have become a party unto themselves, whether they claim it or not. Because they're not afraid to use power. Well, I guess it's just that 
I feel like it was a waste of people's time. Yeah. And money. Yeah. We, we, we... I want my money back, Delthea. <laughs> see, I never gave her my money. I, I mm. You were smart. No, I didn't give my ex my money. Um, I'm going to tell you a little story. I know you like my stories. <laughs> my dad was reading the paper. He'd be reading the paper when we were living in D.C. And he would read where a certain person was coming to talk on the hill that day. And he'd go, huh, what was that? And I knew what he was getting ready to say. I know what that is. He said, what is it? I said, that's Ralph Nader. He's putting his right foot on the first step of the Capitol building. And Daddy would say, huh, you feel that? And I said, yep, that's him putting his left foot on the second step at the Capitol building. Because you see, when Ralph Nader walked in D.C. back in the 1970s, the whole town shook. Because it wasn't just Ralph walking. It was a million people walking with him. It doesn't matter, Democrat, Republican, whatever. It doesn't matter who sits in those chairs. What matters is the movements that walk into that building. Because if you walk in there with a million people, you can make anybody in there do what you want them to do. Media is just a mouthpiece for these people. They're a bunch of empty suits, all of them, including Crystal, who I actually kind of like, but I'm not fooled by her or Kyle. Well, Sagar, Sagar, Lord help him. Just always, don't get so upset about the people. Build the movement. Build your mutual aid. And I don't mean just taking cans down to the mission. Be able to walk on those steps and make a middle-aged man go, Hup! Did you feel that? You do yeah. that, it won't matter. And I can't understand, like, not focusing so much on the people. I totally get that. I think for mm -hmm. some of us that are listening, we're just kind of asking, like, what happened to the message we heard three years ago? And the shift and and for especially if any of you listening were on the ground and actually canvassed for some of these candidates. Mm -hmm. Like I've I've heard like I've heard a number of angry people like come my way that are very upset and are just like I quit my job to canvass for people. And this is what people don't mm -hmm. understand. Like if you've never done this before. A lot of these people that canvass like Bernie Sanders, they had to quit their jobs. All politicians, no matter how well-meaning they are, they're, in the end, they're politicians. Mm. You should always be waiting for the betrayal. It's not a question of if it's going to happen, just when. One thing um, I remember with, with Breaking Points was the, their big thing, their big central, their whole central concept was that they were going to unify left populism and right populism. And they had that book and that this was their big concept. They, oh, they yeah, were unified I, I... around populism. And so it's like, what happened to that? 
And because I, I don't think they're talking that talk really anymore. Well, it's hard to unify left and right populism because right populism is fascism. Well, well, well not necessarily, that, but... Uh, to that point, I'll say this really quick and I'll, I'll pass it to you, Eric. To that point of the whole unifying left and right populism, why is it okay for people to be on board with that? But it's not okay for people to be on board with unifying left and right people working together on direct action or marching for Medicare for all. Now that I'll that'll buy. You can't you can't meld the ideologies, but you can you can walk a picket line, you know, technically mm-hmm. speaking, if it wasn't for the fact that George Jefferson was management, uh Jefferson George Jefferson and Archie Bunker could have walked the same picket line. And my thing is, is too, is like, if you're f- focusing on labor, because I know that's one thing I will say, like, I'm not trying to give people the impression that you should not watch Breaking Points. I don't want you guys to feel like don't ever watch it. I never tell you stop watching. Oh, no. I don't think I've ever said that. No, watch people. But I do want you to understand what you're getting when you look exactly. at it. And the thing is, is that another thing they talk about a lot is labor, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sorry, but... In labor movements and in unionizing movements, guess what? Some of those people are on the right. Mm-hmm. Some of those people might agree with the people that are part of the Freedom Caucus. Some of them may be their constituents. Mm-hmm. So if you talk about we need to work with labor movements and things like that, you cannot have a labor movement by alienating people on the right. No, you can't. So that's the, that's the difference that I, I want people to really understand is like, you can't just say, well, we could, these are a fringe group or they're rebels. And for me, the rhetoric that was used, I did not like the fact that she was using some of the same rhetoric that I heard on, on mainstream media when they talk mm-hmm. about the squad. That's yeah. why that's a pause button for me. Like, wait a minute. Now you sound like them because people use that same rhetoric about the squad. And then, she, and then she started the whole thing and ended it with Trump, which was hilarious. <laughs> Can I just yeah. say this for the record? I'll pass it back to you, Dothia. Mm-hmm. Everybody, if you don't remember anything from this discussion tonight, please remember this. Donald Trump is not president right now. Thank okay, you. I pass it to you, Dothia. Thank you for saying that. Because I'm about tired of hearing about Trump. Trump is irrelevant. What I'm... Don't put your faith and God's with feet of clay. People who make their living supposedly informing the public are actually pandering to the public and they're going to do what power tells them to do. So if we as the public, be we right wing, left wing, if we, what we need to do is to grab power and make the hill shake. That's what you got to do. And it gets real easy to get caught up in things. Um, I was real caught up in Obama. I am over that. Me too. I, got, <laughs> I was real caught up in the Bernie. But Bernie doesn't want, he doesn't want to shake anything. <laughs> and I can't deal with that. So it's like, because he, he Cause you know, cause that's my friend. I, I don't. You don't need a friend. You got friends. You need to get up there and work. 
But in order to make him work and make him do, we have to scare him. We have to think about movements, not electoral politics. Because it should never it should never matter who's sitting in that seat. Because the power in that seat comes from us. And whoever sits in it should be doing what we say. That's a good point, Delthea. Lucy, um, you're up here as a speaker. What's your take on all this? Because I really, you know, for me, it's like, again, you don't have to agree with the concessions that the GOP received. But for me, uh uh-oh, I don't know that was. For me, it's the fact that they forced the vote where the squad did not. And I don't want people to get too hung up on what they asked for, which, by the way, reducing the defense budget, I 100% agree with. Having one member be able to uh, push to oust a speaker, I 100% agree with. I don't understand why those issues, those two issues were glossed over in that segment, that breaking point segment, and the focus was on, oh, they're trying to take get rid of Social Security and Medicare. We've been knowing that for like two, three years. Go ahead, Lucy. Yeah, I think, um, well, I think the reason that they don't tell you the things that they asked for, um, I mean, I think it's very simple. It would kind of break the two-party illusion. Um, Because if they just did a segment, you know, and they said, these far-right Republicans are asking for you know, yeah, they, they asked for budget cuts to Medicare and Social Security, but they also asked for a budget cut um, to the defense budget, and they asked for term limits. And those are things that a lot of people agree with. Term limits, you know, like, <laughs> that's one of the basic things that 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 you want to implement if you want to get away from career politicians. Um, so... You know, I, I think it would break the the the, the two party illusion if they actually went item by item um, and talked about what these people asked for, and ultimately, like I think Noel is on point um, when she talks about you know how they're basically trying to present the Democratic Party, um, uh, you know, kind of like defend it as a diverse party. But the Democratic Party, um, I, even even though it's not the only party that does identity politics, the Republican Party also does identity politics. Um, but they heavily depend on making Republicans into kind of a cartoon. You know what I mean? And I used I used to be a Democrat. Like I used to buy into that. You know this idea that. You know, like, you know, when Hillary Clinton said about the deplorables and, you know, it's just this general idea of 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 kind of turning these people into a far right cartoon. And um, it really blocks all progress for you to even think that you can work with people on the other side of the aisle. Of course, they can work with people with, on the other side of the aisle whenever they want. But you, when you're trying to get concessions like term limits or cuts to a budget, you can't do that. (laughs) You can't. And I think, you know, it also like they want also to maintain this illusion that the Republican Party 
is chaotic um, because it feeds into their whole January 6th um, psyop where they're trying to present um, the far right as a unique threat to America when in reality it's much more complicated than that, right? Like, <laughs> you know, you have all of these like deep state elements controlling both parties, corporations, um, you know, gun manufacturers. Um, so, I mean, basically it keeps us from working with the other side, um, you know, and uh, as far as I wanted to, um, one of one of the callers that was talking about Katie Porter, um, who just announced her run for 24, I, I wanted to say that this is actually like really bad timing for them because this whole force the vote thing is happening and the Republicans are basically showing us how to leverage their power and they're starting to announce their Democratic candidates. Like, I guess their campaign um, cycle starts now. Um, and Katie Porter already announced her um, that she's running and she started asking for donations. So you can't like, you know, start your camp, you know, <laughs> I don't know what other Democrats are going to announce, but you can't start announcing um, with the well-known fact at this point that the Republicans can wield power better than Democrats can. Um, it just doesn't work. So, um, but I, I also wanted to say that, well, Roger will talk about this later, maybe, but um, since these people are already announcing that they're running Democrat, um, they have to kind of like publish, they, they have to promote this idea <laughs> that the Democrats would do something, or at least if they're not doing anything, which they're not, they have to kind of maintain an air of presentability. And the only way they can do that is by pretending that the other side is chaotic. Um, otherwise they can't ask for donations because they're not actually doing anything. So, um, but we're like, I feel like we're not doing anything either. Like we have to think of a way to kind of push back on this idea that um, it's bad to work with the other party, that people in the other party, I'm not talking about Republicans, but just like Republican voters. Um, and um, we do kind of need a, a way to become independent from the Democratic Party. And honestly, um, like Bernie Sanders, she herded so many people into the Democratic Party, and now we have to figure out how to sheep herd them out of it, um, which I think you know, like we're going to have some kind of need to have some kind of on the ground strategy for that. I don't know what it'll be, but <laughs> um, anyway, I'll just leave that there. <laughs> yeah, no, really good points there, Lucy. One thing I was going to add is that, you know, it's just. I think the whole sheep herding thing, it's really disappointing to me because it's like the whole point of the progressive movement was to actually challenge the corruption and the establishment. And that's the whole point of running a grassroots campaign. And for me, it's just like, I don't think, look, obviously you guys know this. I'm not a Republican. I left the Democratic Party last year because of the disappointments with the squad and Bernie Sanders. And I just got tired of it. Uh -huh. So I'm a registered independent. And the thing is, is this, but I'm not independent in the sense that 
hey, I'm going to vote Democrat or Republican. No, fuck that. When I voted during the midterms, I voted for Green Party representatives and independent representatives that were in my state. And I voted for the ballot initiatives and everything else. Uh I left blank. Uh And I feel like we need more of that. Well, the the whole point, and I'm I'm going to get off after I say this. People meet on issues. So you vote on issues. What Democrats and Republicans do, um, Democrats depending a little bit more on it, I think, now than Republicans are, is they do they do being, not doing. You know, it's like um, Thomas Frank said about the, 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 the yard sign, where people, you know, love is love and water is life and you know, all these wonderful things about we should all basically sit together and sing Kumbaya. But what's not on those signs is, you know, we should have labor unions because that would mean doing something, not being something. I am a good person. Yes, but are you doing good work? Well, that doesn't matter exactly. I'm a good person. Exactly. And I think Crystal, like, I mean, even in the best of scenarios, like people are saying that she's, I, I do agree with this. I, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly what her funding comes from, but I do think that she has financial interests. But I also think mm-hmm. she's just from a milieu where, you know, she, she like wants, you know, it's, it's that kind of person, you know, she wants to think of herself as the good person, the diversity mm-hmm. party, um, so, you know, all of these, like, a lot of these, like, you know, upper echelon kind of white liberals, they kind of also feed off of this, you know, because if if you think of, of, of a white person that would want to advance, um, you know, some kind of labor movement, um, mm-hmm. really the, the place where they'd be more successful is talking to other white people and, like, rallying their mm-hmm. own tribe or, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. and people will criticize Jimmy Dore for that, you know, or for talking to conservatives. Look, you know, I, I, I don't agree with Jimmy Dore on everything, but white people do tend to be more conservative in this country, at least. And you, you need another one to talk to them, you know? But Lucy, I have to ask this question. What's the difference from Jimmy Dore talking to a conservative and Crystal Ball talking to a conservative every day that she hosts Breaking Points. What's the difference between Crystal Ball talking to Sager and Jimmy Dore talking to a conservative? And there's multiple conservatives on Breaking Points, by the way. It's not just him. Because Marshall Kozlov is also a conservative and he's also on Breaking Points. So what's the difference? Why are they given a pass but when if Jimmy Dore does it, which by the way, there's nobody that's a part of the Jimmy Dore show that is conservative. So why aren't people calling out Crystal for doing that, but they're calling out Jimmy Dore for saying, hey, we might need to work with people on the right to start some kind of like class movement across this country. Why are they criticizing him for doing that, but they don't criticize Crystal Ball for being friends with Sager and hosting the show with him? Well, let me ask you a question. When's the last time you saw Crystal Ball at a protest? Crickets. There you go. That's Can I why. respond? Because she quickly, will Sabrina, sit there and let you be good without having to do work. That's why. 
That's that's fucked up, Delthea. Like it, it's really like like excuse I my language. Say that you're green I know. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> just like for people to have that mindset and not see the forest through the trees. That is fucked up. And the fact that people can be okay, and not everybody, but some people can be okay with Sauger and Marshall uh, Kozlov on that network repeating right-wing talking points, and that includes Ryan Grimm being okay with that, but they're not okay with Jimmy Dore saying, we need to start a class move across this country, and you may have to organize some people on the right. That is this a class issue? Is that this okay. This is about Jimmy Dore critiquing the Democrats and suggesting that there has to be an alternative. When you say um, Crystal is sitting there talking to Sagra and it's okay, they are within the the duopoly. Crystal is on the liberal side for the Democrats and Sagra is on the other side for the Republicans, but they are squarely within the context of the status quo. Jimmy Dore, on the other hand, is saying, F this whole thing to a certain extent. And Jimmy Dore is attempting to awaken the masses of people saying, we need to be focused on policies. We need universal health care, this and that and blah, blah, blah. And that is that causes the duopoly to unite to destroy him. Because let's be clear, no, neither the Democrats or the Republicans are looking for an alternative voice to highlight who each of them really are. So you're not going to hear them um Sager and Crystal doing a whole lot of talk about policies because policies can clearly speak to whether you are doing a populist agenda or whether you're just trying to cater to the elite or the establishment. And we also can be clear that Crystal and Sagar are plugged into the capitalist machine and they're not really looking to see the apple cart shaken up. When we look back at Bernie Sanders' first run, Bernie Sanders came from relative nowhere in terms of a national identity. And then he was suddenly the Pied Piper because he spoke to the needs of the people and people came out of the woodworks and he was talking about real substantive policies. Trump did the same thing in a less um, uh, sagent way. He was not as salient, but he appealed to that same aching, but his appeal was really directed more to the suffering of the white working class and poor. And so they cling to him. And so until you hear someone running and talking about those populist policies, you're going to get more of the same. And the people who are trying to say the system that we have needs to be tweaked and it needs to be maybe rehabilitated, but we don't need to burn it to the ground and start from the ground up. And though that's the major difference. That's why Jimmy Dore is persona non grata, whereas Crystal is more palatable, more acceptable, and yada yada yada. And and then, yeah, and, capitalist system sorry. money issues. Well, no, I, that is look, something the Republicans else. want you to be godly, and the Democrats want you to be good. What neither wants you to be is in the street saying fuck this. 
we're going to start over. And yeah, and also that. the one thing I want to add in reference to the money, and, and I'll, I'll take it back to the, to you, Lucy. One thing I want to add in reference to the money, which I think is important that you guys, um, a number of you have brought up, is like, look, I'm not trying to hate on wealth here, okay? But somebody needs to explain to me, why is it that you can have someone like Crystal, who is very wealthy, but you can also have someone like Jimmy Dore, who's also wealthy. Why is it that Jimmy Dore is willing to say, look, no, nah, fuck this. <laughs> we need to hit the streets. But Crystal is not willing to do that. Because let's be real, like, I'm not a millionaire. I am very much far from it. Very much far from it. And the politicians, even the squad members, they make way more than I do. And I've never made as much money as they have. And I have a master's degree. So the, the point that I have is this, when we talk about wealth and we talk about income and inequality in this country, part of the problem that I've noticed, and this is why we started RBN, it seems like the main voices that were pushing the progress or the progressive movement were people who are in wealthy, they have that wealthy status. Crystal Ball, wealthy status. Kyle Kalinske, wealthy status. Gene Huger, Anna Kasparian, all these people are wealthy. This movement, should have been led by people who are from the working class. And I rarely mm -hmm. see them have working class people on their shows unless they're trying to start a union or they just won some type of strike or something like that. Other than that, I don't see them going out into the community interviewing these people and talking to these people on the street. I don't see them talking to the people that got evicted. They talk about people getting evicted, but I don't see them going into the streets, into the communities, into the hood, talking to these people. So for me, they? it's just like... How are you going to push working class issues, but you not communicating with the working class? Are you actually asking the working class people what they want and what they need? Or are you only trying to appeal to the PMC leftists who are paying for your bill? Because that's what it seems like to me. And you can see the difference. Like I told you, go look at the comments on that video. And it's not just that video, but in general, you can tell the difference between the audience members and the class segment. For example, we don't, for the most part, we don't really share viewers. There might be some here and there, but for the most part, there's a big difference between the audience that watches RBN and the audience that watches some of these PMC uh, networks like Majority Report, TYT. We really do not have much overlapping viewers with TYT at all. It was a time you did, though. There was a time we did, but I mean, but what's the difference? Why is it someone like Jimmy Dore, who is wealthy, and someone like Crystal Ball, they're both wealthy. Why is it that Jimmy Dore can say, listen, this shit ain't working. We need to hit the streets. But Crystal can't do that, and Kyle can't do that, and Sam Cedar can't do that, and Gene and Anna can't do that. Jimmy has not forgotten his raisin. Jimmy comes out of a out of a Catholic family with a whole lot of kids and a very little bit of money. And he ain't never forgot that. You've got people on the other side you're talking about. They've never been without. They have no clue. They just want to feel good. They want to be good. I, on the other hand, don't want to be broke. <laughs> yeah, and... and um, you know, the other thing, um, the reason, uh, you know, they don't they don't tell you item for item what these uh, Republicans were able to get 
because they want to be like kind of they they kind of translate their ethics onto other people and what i mean is for example um you know the republicans well um they were fighting for term limits cuts to the defense budget austerity in general right which included cuts mm-hmm. to, cuts to the defense budget medicare social security and then also term limits so if you talk to and also um funding for the border wall okay um if you actually talk to um you know working people um on immigration which is like a hugely divisive issue right people are all over the map and um even immigrants themselves would be willing to cut deals with conservatives that some of these like rich liberals do not think that they would cut if i when i talk to and i you know i'm in a very high immigration area like one of the highest in the country i talk to people around here if you were to say look trade cuts to the defense budget with border fund you know if 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 you could have cut the defense budget by 90% um in exchange for building up the wall a lot of people would take that deal <laughs> you know a lot of people uh-huh. from yemen you know from yemen uh-huh. would take that deal a lot of people would be like okay i'll go back to my country fuck this <laughs> you know um, uh-huh. and uh uh you know i like my country not everybody in in the you know that comes to this country some people do some you know it, people are different but not everybody that comes here is kind of aspiring to this myth of the melting pot that is the mentality of these rich liberals that they want to be good and they think america is a melting pot that welcomes everyone and they want to be a part of the diversity party but a lot of, you know a lot of working people they come here to work they 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 buy a a house in their country and if if um you know if there was a deal where it was like the US stops bombing my country in exchange for you to go back to your country they would take that deal <laughs> uh-huh. so it would it it would create uh it, like it would create so many conversations between the left and right for people to actually figure out what is the medium position that people agree with um and it's very different from you know what these kind of rich liberals want to push down our throats that's my opinion agreed i'm going to try to see if robin well, i'm trying to invite you as a speaker cuz i know you're a libertarian and i want to get your perspective on this so um but go ahead delthea and then i'm going to move on to lance okay. cuz i know he okay what i was just going to say was it's not really about left and right it's up and down and when you put it to people that way, people who are on the right, when you start talking about up and down and you start talking about real issues, you start talking about why is it in this country we fund health care with a little jar that's at the checkout counter at the convenience store with a picture on it saying so-and-so needs money for an operation. Okay? When you start putting it that way, when you, when you realize that we are paying for health care in this country, with what people get back from change from a five. Then people come together. Then you can have talks on individual issues. Forget the personalities. Forget the ideologies. Forget the goodness. Forget the godliness. And let's do the work. And with that, I'm going to let y'all go. Because i got to get some sleep. Thank you so much, Dalthea. 
All right, I'm gonna go ahead and bring in uh, Lance. Lance, you are on the mic, you just have to unmute. Interesting discussion here, guys. Like, I'm trying to tell you guys, like, if I'm trying to form a football team, like, I'm not looking for people to be on the bench. I'm looking for people to run the ball. I'm looking for people to get on the field and actually want to play. And I feel like what we have now with this left movement, per se, is that some of these people who were on the field during Bernie's campaigns, they've decided to sit on the bench. Go ahead, Lance. Hey, Sabby and Noel and Roger, Lucy, Eric, how y'all doing? Hey, Lance, how are you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Thanks. How's Syracuse? Actually, funny you should ask. It's good, it's good. As a matter of fact, I was going to say right up front, I got to say this, right? Got to, got to. So, Sabby, I don't know when you guys are doing your road trip. Now, is it Nick who's in Detroit? That's Rome who's in Detroit. Like, we Rome. have to, we have to fundraise to do that. Like, well, yeah. and then you're in Boston. Yeah, Nick's in Kansas City. Okay, well, I'm kind of right between, between over here in Syracuse. Now, someone you know, and, you know, it's one of those things that it's in the incubator now. This is the first and last time I'll mention it just because it's apropos. You were talking about going on the road. I don't know what your schedule is going to be because <clears throat> you got to fundraise and all that. <clears throat> I'm working with someone who happens to be an SU student. And I did stuff at this place called Jabberwocky, that was a really, really cool nightclub. I lived in New York. Lived in New York City. I know what cool nightclubs were about. I went to CBGB's, kind of latter day. It wasn't what it used to be. But anyway, I know cool club, Jabberwocky. I booked a band from Cleveland, brought them in, got them a hotel. You know, uh, they weren't fam, you know, all that. So I booked stuff at SU, just as John Schmo, uh, citizen, uh, Sky Barn, another place. I actually booked some local bands, learned a big lesson. The Ramones were being, were booked for just as cheap by the frat boys of the, uh, they used to do great fundraisers for the muscular dystrophy. Literally a hundred yards away from my gig. I left my own gig. Nobody showed up. I still paid them half their fee. And I went to the, see the Ramones for free because the student, student council guy. <laughs> anyway, it was all funny, but uh, this guy's a current student and we're, I'm, I came up with an idea. He's going to work because if you're a student, you can get anything from the carrier dome down to a conference room for free. Other than the cost, it would be several, it would be thousands of dollars for the dome. We're not going to be doing dome events, but the point is. He's a student. He's a second or third year, I think. He's going to be a law student somewhere. Someone you know, Sabby. Actually, I won't even name his name at this point. But someone you know. And uh, we're going to do a symposium on media and free speech. Oh, no, I said, let's name see. names. <laughs> John. You know John? I know a lot of Johns. What the young about? guy you did a show with. Which You were on his show. Yeah. No, which one? Seriously, like I've I've met a lot of Johns in my life. Well, you were on his show. You you guest hosted on his show about a week or two ago. I guest hosted something. Yep. This is new to me. Nope. Unless you have a clone, I, I actually met my doppelganger. A story for another day. I literally met a guy dressed exactly like me, exactly my look, like looking in a mirror. It's crazy. Anyway, but that was like five years old. No, so unless you have a doppelganger, yeah, it was you. And you were on this guy named John's show. And uh, young guy. Do you remember this? I'm sorry. You guys remember me being with some John? 
young, young. <laughs> no, wait, that's how that I could have a lot of entendres there. <laughs> no, but <laughs> um, no, but uh, yeah, yeah, young guy, conservative. Ish. When did this happen? When was that on a conservative show? A week or two ago. Oh, you're talking about the Pangburn show on Colin? Right. He's a libertarian. Libertarian, yeah. But see, I don't, for reasons I shouldn't even go that far, not because I don't care if you know, but uh, yeah. But in any case, it's it will be a, um, um, yeah, symposium on media and free speech. I said, let's think big. He said, what do you want the debate about? to be about who do you want to get? And I said, well, let's, let's, you know, let's, let's try to do something about media and free speech. Cause I said, what's going to bring people that could have a nice debate, right, left debate, like Jordan Peterson versus, Oh, who the hell knows Richard Wolf, who the hell cares? Just as an example, they could debate each other, you know, and uh, you know, on zoom or something. Why would they care? Why do people want to fly in? So I came up with the idea of media and free speech, man, right, left center. It's a big deal. People are getting screwed. And, you know, not being and being censored. And it's a big deal. And so we're going to and, and he can get any facility at SU for free. And so we're going to start with that. We're still going to need a budget. You know, we're not going to do everything for free. But. OK, I remember. Yeah, um, we actually agreed on more of the issues than I thought we would disagree on. I remember talking to him on calling. Yeah. Yeah. John. Yeah, he seemed pretty cool. Um, he's a very good faith kid guy. And I say kid because he's very young. And I was ch- telling him things that he'd say, I have to look into that. I have to look into that. But I don't like it when people say, prove it, prove it. He wasn't like that at all. And I kind of schooled him on some stuff. You know, he had a very open mind. That doesn't mean I converted him. You know, oh, he's going to be a liberal now. No, no, no. But he's very open-minded and very good faith. I just, he's very, I like the cut of his jib, as they say, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, he's a good guy, I think. Yeah. But what's your take on all of this, Lance? Like the GOP concessions that they got from. Oh, my gosh. Of course. You know, I in a nutshell, I was uh, talking on I don't know who show it was David Sirota. And he's like, yeah, great point. I'm I'm not like, wow, I made a great David Sirota agree with me. But no, anyway, but he was like, I made the point that in the 60s. From 60 to 68, you went from JFK to LBJ, Great Society program, and up until 66, it was very pretty far left for, you know, compared to like, at least almost like the New Deal, real stuff, you know, real stuff happened. All Democrats all the time, overwhelming uh, majority in the House and Senate for the most part. It was 1968 when the Democratic Convention protests happened. They didn't protest the Republican. They protested at the Democratic convention. It was anti-war protests, but it was like, it was like, that's who they protested against. They were getting everything. Nobody said, uh oh, you're going to jeopardize two years ago. We just got the great society program. Yeah. Not good enough. We want more. We want the war to end. We're not satisfied. And that's the way it was on the left. So, you know, they, they, they wanted the war ended and it was all the riots in Chicago and all that. That was Democrats, liberals fighting the Democrats who were in control and were doing lots of liberal stuff for real. And they still fought them. You know, that's how far left we were as a country. And now, right? What do you have? Not that, you know, um, uh, and, uh, oh, oh, yeah. And so now it's an argument. It's a debate. It's controversial just for one silly ass vote for something that probably won't pass just to get a vote on, on one little, one big item. But, you know, that's like, oh my God, that's like insane. It's like going for one grain of sand when we used to own the beaches. 
but that just goes to show you how much things have changed. I want to bring in Roger. What's your take on all of this? Okay. What about that? Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. No, well, I was just going to say they, they they ended up getting uh, all the protests against LBJ. They didn't really get anything from LBJ. They got it from Nixon. Um because he ended up doing the EPA and getting us out of Vietnam, not because he wanted to, but because, like you said, the the, the protests. Um, but also, but anyway, regarding um, the, the 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 subject at hand, um, remember, Sabrina, when you when Indie Media came on your show and did that whole expose on where Breaking Points gets their money. Um, if you could find that, maybe you could put that in the chat. Um, so that was, you know, like a, a reefer Berlin um, and Colin, well, mostly reefer went through the entire um, um, thing, the, the entire infrastructure. Yeah, yeah. Of their, but of those, their, but those, yeah. Were, those were donors. Well, they were big money donors, weren't they? So that, that would automatically tell us. You know, I, I thought that pretty much made it clear, you know, where, where their mindset, not to mention the fact $44 million has a way of changing your perspective. Exactly. You know, oh, if I can, if I, I'd love to chime in about. Um, oh, let me just say this real quick. I would love to ask Sagar, um, not do you want war with China, but do you think it's necessary to have war with China. Instead of all of this going around this and that and just say it straight. Do you think it's necessary? Because if you say, do you want war with China? These these fools always say, no, I don't want to have a war with anybody. But then they, but what they're not telling, saying is, uh, but it's necessary that we do. You see what I'm saying? So I, I would, I would love to ask. I mean, not to say that I'm going to see him any time or whatever the case is. Well, I would, I would ask like, him, why do you want war? Period. Why not leave these countries alone? Leave China alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. No. You're right. You're right. Um, also, you was talking about um, Rokana was saying, um, "Oh, the Democrats gave you Social Security." And, and all that different type of stuff. And, and you was trying to say, um, look, th that hasn't happened during my lifetime. I want you to say this next time, um, Sabrina. Ready? Tell them next time a Democrat politician, be it Ro Khanna or any other Democrat, who tries to talk about all the great things the Democrats have done before we were even born, Tell them this. Yeah. And the Republicans fought to abolish slavery while your party party fought to keep us in change. So do we really want to rehash the good old times of the past or you want to talk about what you guys have done since you've been in power this century, not last century or two centuries ago? OK, so that's a good point. Like, I didn't think about that at the point in time. But, yeah, it's like. What has yeah, exactly. the Democratic Party done for the American people since I've been alive? And don't tell right. me Obamacare, because Obamacare came from Romney Care. Exactly. And it's not, yeah. it doesn't help everybody. Like, don't even come at me with that. Like, some people do, and I'm just like, whatever, dude. Like, 
-hmm. I mean, like for everybody, like, listen, climate change is real. What are we going to do? Like this whole, you know, I don't know, this long game, which I'm not about playing when it comes to uh, climate change. For people saying we got to do the long game, when it comes to climate change, we can't. Now, this is something that David Sirota has admitted himself. He was like, we don't have time. Climate change is real. I'm worried about my kids. I'm worried about such and such. Okay. If you know that, then why are you still trying to work within the Democratic Party? Because <laughs> let me tell you something. This climate bill that they put forward, I told you guys this. Based on the information from NASA and based on the information from climate scientists, it doesn't go anywhere near far enough. If you continue to support the military industrial complex, so for this is why I push back at Crystal, when Sagar delivers these uh, pro-war talking points, yes, you know, we need to take down China and all that bullshit. If you say you care about environmental justice and you say you care about climate reform, then why the hell would you support war? Because the military industrial complex is the largest single most polluter of the world. So people can recycle as much as they want. You can choose to be vegan as long as you want because animal product is a part of this as well. Can choose to be vegan as long as you want. But as long as the US government is dropping bombs in Somalia, as long as the US government is dropping bombs like in brown countries abroad, because that's usually where they're dropping them, guess what? That is not helping the climate at all. This is part of the reason why I get so frustrated that she does not push back on the war rhetoric because you can't sit there and I don't care who you are. You can't sit there and tell me that you care about climate change and you will not push back on war rhetoric. No, you are feeding the war machine. You are feeding Lockheed Martin. You are feeding Raytheon. You are feeding Northrop Grunman. And that's not going to help the majority of us. But the people who are rich will be fine. They'll be able to secure themselves a spot. The rest of us will suffer and die. And that is a real legit concern. And so for people who say, well, you shouldn't criticize them because Nick really goes hard when it comes to foreign policy. I talk about it some, but Nick really goes hard at it. People who say you guys shouldn't criticize their takes on foreign policy. No, fuck that. Foreign policy is domestic policy. It affects all of us. And all of these wars that are happening across the globe, it will affect all of us. And I'm not even talking about, what are they saying? 10 years now? Seven years? Maybe seven years. The clock is winding, winding down. So we will experience it in our lifetime. So I don't want to hear this whole take of like, this is not going to affect me in my lifetime. So I don't want to be concerned about it. Bullshit. If they're giving us 10 years or seven years out, it will affect us in our lifetime. If you have kids, it's going to affect your kids. And if you have grandkids, it's going to affect your grandkids. But the people who are wealthy will be able to find a way to defeat it. People who are poor and people who are working class, they'll be the ones that will be stuck. They'll be stranded and they'll be the ones that will die. Um. Also, I just wanted to say this. Uh. I just saw Dixie Girl put in the chat that there were just as many uh, white Republicans that were lynched alongside uh, black people. Uh, no, nah, I don't. I don't think that's. I don't think that's accurate. I'm. I'm. I'm sorry. Um, there were more of us lynched 
the uh, than, than white people period because there weren't that many of of them that was that was actually that much with us um so yeah no i don't think that's i don't think that's accurate that, but that's 100 percent false and that actually has nothing to do with this conversation but go ahead Robert. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. So, um, oh, go ahead. Sorry, someone's going to say something. Oh, guess not. Uh, two. What was I going to say? Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I got to go pick up somebody. But Zach, um, contact me if if you could give him my Twitter thing because he wants to know about public banks. If he's still in in the in the chat, um. Also, there was something that was done that Frank had told me on uh, corruption control. I don't know if he's on, um, I'm, I'm not sure if he's on here, but what he was telling me is that, uh, what do you call it? Um, Colorado, well, speaking of which, Colorado, um, he said they were doing a Colorado public bank initiative and the, um, what do you call it? The court struck it down because they said it violated the single subject rule. And Frank was telling me that um, it didn't. They just lied because they was paid off by the banks. And he was telling me that um, in order for them to, to run it, they got to get OK by the judge or whatever the case is. Right. Um, there's still a way around. And he, he had agreed with me. You can do this. You can. Um, what's that word? Uh, 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 you can use a ballot initiative to amend the veto referendum that expands uh, where it doesn't just include repealing uh, laws that was that was uh, created by the by um, the legislative and what do you call it an executive branch, but you can also extend that to nullification of unpopular court decisions by the judicial branch as well. Okay. There's nothing stopping you um, from that. So that that's like an option as well. Um, but yeah, if you could give um, Zach my Twitter thing, I could tell him some stuff about like public banks or whatever. I didn't want to like, you know, uh, um, undetail it with, with that or whatever. Okay. Sounds good. You guys um, Lance, were you finished? If so, I will bring in Gator and I'll pass it to Noel. You know, to piggyback on something Roger said, it's like Democrats back in the day, and it's like, and, and Nader, it made me think of Nader. He was brilliant on Bree's show, and of course he did his stuff in the you know, late 60s and 70s. He said, look, GM did not even have a lobbyist in Washington when I fought the auto industry. He knows what the deal is. He could tell you what Hakeem... Jeffrey's had for breakfast. He didn't just know about him. He knew how he got there, what his constituents were like. He knew inside up, out, outside in. 88 year old guy. He is, he knows everything. He's so up to date. And he said 500 signatures for a, a congressman, a hundred signatures for a, a thousand signatures of very bone, bona fide people. You know, they could be like any parties, mix match, mix and match, but a thousand for a senator. Justin Amash. The libertarian who left the Congress said 400 independently, a total different, different venue, non-related said, yeah, if you get 400 people that are voters and connected, 
by just the idea that they're good government types uh, under some umbrella. It doesn't have to be a fancy group or a pack uh, that you will get a town hall. You'll get your agenda looked at and addressed, uh, you know, whatever you get out of them, uh, who knows, in the long run. But you will get their attention. You will get them to meet with you if you have 500 signatures for a congressperson. And you do that. And he, he got a pushback from her. And, and But he said, if you take three, he didn't do the math. I did 330 million. Divided by 435, it comes out to 758,000, which is what he said per district. Anyway, so that's Nader. Could I, beside Ralph, who's my new hero, he's my new old hero. Um, but I think some folks can really learn a lot from him, you know, just by look, going to his speeches and learning from him. But the breaking points, if I could, I, I just have been thinking about this for a while. From day one, when they first came on, they said, we could do new things now. And then they didn't right away. They didn't have the guests. Aramie Frimpong. Aramie Frimpong. He's really great. He's off the wall sometimes. I don't always agree with him, but very novel thinker. He disappeared. All these people, they used to have this great guest at the end. Now it's all the same people circled in and out. And they from day one, I thought maybe it's the fact that Rising was a corporation they had all the legal department like New York Times writers do. Even if they don't like you, they'll support, they'll back you with, you know, uh, legal services, all the rest of it. Now they're on their own. They don't have the corporate backing. Maybe they got skittish and scared. I don't know. But from day one, but you know, guys, like was it Tony Morrison says when people show you who they are, believe them. It's pretty out there. They've been talking about alternative media and independent media. It's like Obama with, uh, with with certain terms that he stopped using about universal health care before he even got elected. They don't talk about that. They want a, quote, unquote, new mainstream. Love to make a point in that, please. So, right, back in the day when you had really good stuff, Walter Cronkite might be reading talking points because that was his job, partly. He knew he was reading talking points from the Pentagon. Then you had Mike Wallace in his early days with the helmet on seeing real battlefield action. No matter how many body count. Hey, we're doing great, Johnson administration says. Yeah, but we saw the real deal on the other half of the broadcast. Okay, so, but even during the golden era of the wonderful, like Matt Tabby talks about, which is true, that there was good, honest journalism done. That was mainstream media, folks. A guy named Mort Saul who said it's always about the haves and the have-nots. He was blacklisted, by the way, like all these other people were because he questioned the JFK assassination, single bullet or uh, Oswald thing. Also Cy Hirsch. Also Izzy Stone. So mainstream media. Is that what you want? A new, they want a new mainstream media? No, I don't want, I don't want the old mainstream media, even in this golden era. So that's kind of a tell where, you know, we needed alternative media all the way through. We had even good mainstream media. So that's the last thing we need is a quote unquote new mainstream media. So that was a real tell. And they don't use the term independent or alternative at all anymore. It's new mainstream. That's. Exactly what we don't need, you know. Well, Could no, I just they, say one they, quick? They've said before that they they've said a couple of times that they're independent. I've heard them say that multiple oh, times. Maybe, yeah, maybe they still use that term. Oh yeah, I think they say independent. They don't really talk about alternative or you know, yeah. I, you know, Groucho, you talk about the forty-four million savvy. You have said this a hundred, if not a thousand times about. You might become besties or, you know, with somebody you happen to meet that's in your field, but you're not trying to be friends with your colleagues, let alone the people that you're covering. And Groucho Marx said, right, the famous quote, everybody knows Groucho Marx quote. And it was, it's interesting. I get to quote Groucho because in the chat we were talking about it with a guy who has a logo that looks like Groucho. He said, I don't want to belong to a club that any club that would have me as a member, but not just because, ah, because I'm such a radical weirdo and they must be a bunch of weirdos too. He meant something more than that. 
He meant I'm an individual. If I, if I join a club, then I'm, I'm attached to it, like a frat boy almost type thing in the sense that I'm a member, that I'm a member of a group. George Carlin said, I love all 7.8 billion or whatever it is people, all of them individually and one on one, they're okay. But you get three, it's maybe in a good day, but four or more, forget about it. It's a mob and you can't deal with four people at a time. You know, he's making a point being hyperbolic on purpose. If you, you got to be an individual and that's what Groucho was saying. And as soon as you take the money, you're not an individual. Like someone was talking about the billionaires class. Even if you totally believe in their cause and not just the money, you can't ever not get to the point where you're going to be a psychophant no matter what. And the billionaire will always know that eventually you're going to be a psychophant no matter how much you love them as a person. It's just the way it is. And so you can't be friends like you've said a million times. Savvy, you can't just be friends and friendly. So now what do they have? Oh, I, I, please, this is so salient. And uh, CBS, William Paley started it in the 20s or 30s. He ran it for like ha literally half a century or more. He never would allow CBS news to get in the way, uh, let, let it be profit-making. It was always a lost leader, and it was the standard bearer. Even in network, they refer to it in a fictional way, but the, the fictional character lead, Charles, uh, William Holden, he refers to Edward R. Murrow boy in the days with CBS. They were the gold standard. Then they got competition from ABC, tried to do quirky stuff. Harry Reasoner, he wound up on 60 Minutes eventually. NBC, same thing. They competed against, you know, with each other, you know, and they weren't all getting together in a room together with all the, with all the various, they were trying to outscoop each other. All the people that were doing real stuff, talking in the, uh, in the White House, you know, press rooms and all that stuff and, and Helen Thomas and all that, they weren't all getting chummy with, I mean, maybe in the yearly events, Catherine Graham and all the, you know, social events, but they weren't all chummy like breaking points to see all these people on the left, mostly white, <laughs> okay, the white saviors there, like uh, Jackson, Jackson, whatever they, uh, uh, Jordan Sheridan, forget him, you know, uh, and, and all those people on there. No, I don't want them to be too chummy with each other. I want to see them being friendly on the cause or whatever their general principles are, but I want to see them competing with each other and trying to outscoop each other and not even being too chummy with each other. Cause what are they being chummy about? There's no cause behind it. They're being a bunch of chummy capitalists, rich kids who have no idea of what class struggle is about. Mm. Well said there, Lance. I'm going to go ahead and bring in uh, Gator. Gator, you are the next caller. You just have to unmute. Hey, Sabrina. How you doing? Hello, Gator. What's going on? Um, I'm just wanted to sort of try and go back to your original room point about these um, concessions with McCarthy. I was sort of um, arguing this toss a bit with another guy on a different call-in show uh, yesterday, and I wanted to see sort of what you thought of this. Um, to me, if you look at the um, the way that McCarthy being a shoo-in for the position has been essentially theatrically held to ransom in order to give these concessions, that kind of could be argued to be a win on the surface for those for those twenty Freedom Caucus guys. But when you look at the actual concessions, I'm not sure that it's anything more than a spectacle. So. Um, Nancy Pelosi raised the um, the requirement for um, the number of uh, people voting. It took what went from one person to five in order to challenge the chair, but that would only put it back into a vote. And so for these guys to bring that back down to one person to challenge the chair now is actually a reversion to pre-existing rules. It's not, it's not a new win. It's just putting it back to the way it was pre-Pelosi, apparently. And the... Apparently, the historical issue there is that 
even when it was one person to challenge the chair, no one has ever challenged the chair because you could challenge the chair, get into a voting system, a voting setup again, and then still have to go through the same thing that you've just gone through to get a chair. But nobody's ever done that anyway. So what's the point and what's the value of that concession if it's never been used and it's actually only back to the way it was before? That, that's just one issue. Well, so let me respond to that one really yeah. quick. So there were a lot of things that weren't done before Trump won, too. Mm-hmm. But then after Trump won, those things were done. So I think that's one thing to point out. It's like just because it wasn't done before doesn't mean it wouldn't happen going forward. Because mm-hmm. one thing we've noticed from this Freedom Caucus is the fact that people like Matt Gates and Lauren Bobart, as much as I, I do not agree with the rest of their policies, one thing I will say is this. They showed courage and conviction when it came to holding their vote for Kevin McCarthy, where the squad did not. So if they're willing to do that, who knows what else they're willing to do when it comes to someone ousting the Speaker of the House? And I think the reason why this came up again with the Republican Party is in the sense that there was an issue before, if I remember correctly, there was that issue with Paul Ryan when he was Speaker of the House, where people did not like him being Mm -hmm. Speaker of the House. Doesn't mean they didn't like him as a politician, but they didn't feel like he did a good job as Speaker. So the thing is, is like, obviously they were not a fan of Kevin McCarthy. So if Kevin McCarthy screws up, then all you need is that one member to speak out. So that's, that actually, to me, that does make sense. Cause that says, wait a minute now, we're already not fond of you or your policies. So we need to make sure that we have some type of assurance to guarantee that if you fuck up, we'll be able to remove you easily. So to me, that was actually gold. Okay. So I think that- we, need to, we need to move away from just because something hasn't been done before doesn't mean it isn't going to happen in the future. Okay, so in that mechanism, though, of, of, of one person challenging the chair then being put back to a vote, if the vote goes back to saying, yeah, well, look, okay, so Kevin Kevin's getting an objection here because we're challenging him, but actually he's still the shoe-in, so we're still going to have a struggle to get back to 218 votes for anyone, so it's still going to be Kevin, and he still stays in the seat. What's the real outcome of that? I think what we have to realise is that a lot of those concessions were really posturing. What they're saying is, you're not going to rule us like Nancy Pelosi ruled her caucus. You're going, we're going to fight you. And these are the directions that we're looking. And so, yeah, we may just be turning the pages back to what it was yesterday, but yesterday it was easier to unseat. And though it may not have been done yesterday, we're demonstrating to you right now that we will do it. And when they got concessions about, you know, cutting, you know, the budget for the defense and, you know, cutting Social Security and this and that, they're signaling to the Democrats, these are the choices we're going to be looking to force you to make. You're Mm going to either have to part with the military or you're going to part with some of that social spending. And we're going we're demonstrating now that we don't mind disrupting and you know, shutting government down, this and that. But these are going to be the tough choices everybody is going to have to make. And so I think, 
you know, in this whole theater, if you want to call it that. But as they leveraged their political power, they were establishing the terms and conditions under which they plan to force their interests going forward. And another thing I want to add here, too, that we have to consider is that they were willing to take that chance. They were willing to take that chance. And like, they didn't know if Kevin McCarthy was going to agree to these concessions, but they still were willing to take the chance to find out. And again, that goes back to their constituents, because for the people who are pointing fingers at them and they're like, this is chaos. This is a rebellion, which, by the way, is a mainstream media talking point for the people pointing their fingers at them and saying those things. What I think is important to point out is the fact that they got what they wanted. Mm, OK, well, I, I take your points. I find that interesting to hear your perception of that right now with the with the uh, legislative uh, bill aspect where they're saying a bill cannot now um, be an amalgamation of multiple uh, points. So, for example, obviously, one bill might contain massive military expenditure, whilst also at the same time it contains free school dinners for poor kids. And if you want one, you have to have the other, basically. But now they're saying, essentially, we'll strip bills apart so that they can't look, be constituted in such a way. On paper, if my, my understanding of what they're trying to achieve there is right, that looks sensible to me. The question I would have is, any lawyer would basically understand that if the rules of the game change, then we just work inside those rules. So the real test of the value of that concession is simply how uh, legislation manufacture is modified in the future. And what people, what I believe is a serious failing in all citizens, in, in the totality of society, is that the one thing that citizens do not do is they do not read or pay any significant attention to the actual legislation. Citizens don't read bills. They don't know do. what, 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 you know, the majority I, I, of citizens don't, do they? No, the majority of them don't. But, but the point here, Gator, is that the politicians weren't reading the whole bills either. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So... So the idea, and, and this is where I'm sort of getting into an area of right perception, right, versus reality. If people perceive that they live inside a democracy, but they do not accept this notion that a democracy is only exists when the electorate is um, educated, then they have to start questioning whether a democracy exists. Because if they don't know what's being done in their name and, and what, what is done is embodied in legislation, then they can't say that they are an educated electorate or that they have any reign over their democracy. And I believe that that is the case. I believe that people are essentially grossly ignorant en masse. They do not read legislation. They are fed bullshit narrative information from various levels of media, and they believe that that's a valid primary source, which it never is. No, no media reporting is accurate. It's all propaganda. It's even enshrined in law that the, the, the US government can propagandize its its own people through um, the media. And George W. Bush was admitted to creating propagandized government propaganda that was wrapped up in the form of actual news reports and was delivered as if they were real news segments through various channels during the Iraq war. And when he was challenged by, by, by a journalist about that in a presser, 
he literally, the video clips up on YouTube, he literally, you can hear him muttering, oh, fuck this. And then he says, you know what, I don't care. As long as it's legal and it is legal, we'll keep doing it, is essentially what he says, right? Now, under those conditions, it's foolish for people to believe that they are actually living in a democracy and have that perception. Now, what I, what I think is important going forwards for people to consider who were in your position where you're kind of, you have a foot, a foot in the media space and you have a foot in the activism space is about how you blend information with education, with action, because what you won't get from most people who, who you know, turn on the hill, turn on whatever piece of media you like to watch, will you get um, a meaningful education on an issue that allows you to, to, to take a specific action that can render a difference? I, I don't think you do. I don't think most people do get that from their media. So, but the, and then the question is, well, which, which issue do you pick to educate somebody on this week or this month? And then what, what next month and what next month? And try to empower your readership to not just listen and empathize and sympathize and, and have this outpouring of emotion, which is ultimately meaningless. People, people complaining at each other and then sympathizing with each other's complaints is largely meaningless if it does not result in corrective action. And that's what that's I think you I, th I suspect you're striving to do that in some of the in some of the work that you do. And I hope that you that you do it. But finding um, the level to uh, and simplifying and focusing on one issue at a time to build up your your follower base to become effective political activists is what I think what I the sense of what I think you're trying to achieve. And if so, I would back that. But it's. Um, and if you manage to pull it off and, and, and you and you and you have a very focused pick one thing, have a very focused campaign on it and achieve an outcome, I think that would be the way that you would start to get stratospheric, achieve stratospheric um, uptake amongst the working and lower middle class of, of, of the US. And that is a way that you could sort of try to drag the, the concept of democracy back into being and also back down into the low levels and the low, uh, the low levels of society a little bit because you would effectively be fostering a degree of people power. And just, just to acknowledge what Lance was saying, this thing that he mentioned about Ralph Nader's, if you get 500 correct, uh, valid signatures on, you can put that in front of the governor and he will have to address it in a public forum and then you can bombard him with shit, right? If, if that's true, you know, and that's a valid mechanism, people need to use it. People just need to return to direct, ultra-focused democracy. And in doing so, focus not on what divides them and keeps them apart from their neighbour and what makes them different to their neighbour and what makes their neighbour the person that they don't really like. They need to find the common, the ultra-common features between each person and say, oh, what, you're not happy with the price of food now either? Or you're not happy with the quality of our kids' school dinners? I agree. Let's just focus on that issue and beat the system up to get one of those things out of the system, one at a time, you know? And that's that's kind of what I think you have a chance to do, but um, it, but, but be, just becoming a conventional form of media voice is not, is not gonna deliver something like that. Okay, so I wanna address the first part of your question where you talked about the media space and yeah. actually getting some type of, I guess, like action or mobilization from the media space. Um, 
So when I think back to the Bernie Sanders movement, it was actually the independent media space that got a lot of us mobilized. Like, that's the thing. Like, had it not been for these progressive outlets, I would not have known the truth about Bernie Sanders' campaign because mainstream media smeared his campaigns both times. Mm -hmm. It was actually people like the TYT and... Although for Bernie 2020, TYT split and they really messed that up because some of them went for Elizabeth Warren and some of them went for Bernie Sanders. Um, But it was the TYTs. It was a secular talk. It was, you know, the Jimmy Dore. It was the uh, rising. It was by rising. I mean, the Hills rising. It was all left independent media was on board for that campaign. So it was actually independent media that told all of us to go out and mobilize, Mm. canvas for Bernie Sanders, volunteer, vote for him, donate to him, and the same thing with the squad. So independent media actually did mobilize people when it came to electoral politics. So in reference to the activism space and the podcast space, um, it's a little bit different for me, yes, because I was an activist first. Um, so I had that experience organizing with people on the ground. So I know what it takes to get things done, but I've also learned like mistakes along the way. So it's, it's been years. Like I started volunteering when I was in high school. So a long time ago. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like it is a little bit different for me. That's all of us at RBN. We started, we were activists first. And then we said, let's bring that to a podcast platform so we can mobilize more people. Uh, For people who are not aware, Nick, my comrade from RBN, he actually co-founded 10 Demands for Justice. Mm -hmm. That came out of the George Floyd protest. So there were multiple things that all of us were involved with. Like JB's really good with educating people about the disabled community, the healthcare issue, because that is what affects him. Uh, Nick it was heavy on policing. Like he was involved in that and he canvassed for Bernie Sanders. Rome, for people who may not be aware, Rome also canvassed for Bernie Sanders twice, 2016 and 2020. And he was in a Bernie Sanders ad actually. Um, That's how he knows Nina Turner. For those of you who are not aware, that's how they know each other because he was a part of that Bernie campaign. Uh, CJ, is from LA. CJ has also, again, organized with people. He grew up with that. His mom used to do mutual aid. So that was like embedded in him. Right. So I think that's the difference. Like for me, like I focused a lot on the housing issue. Uh, Cause that was a big one, like where I come from housing. So I, I volunteered for Habitat Humanity. I volunteered for Girl Scouts of America, like all these kind of different things to help like kids and to help like housing inequities in this country. So I think the problem that we have noticed and why we decided to come into this space is that when it came to doing the work on the ground, the same people who got us involved and mobilized us, they weren't on the ground. And so when things failed and Bernie lost two times in a row, after he lost 2020, we just kind of saw things fall apart and we're like, what happened to mobilize? No, the mobilization on the ground should still be happening. People should still be organizing within their communities. People should still be volunteering. And all of those things just fell by the wayside because one guy 
suspended his campaign. And that was when we realized that we think people really did not, the message was not delivered correctly. The idea to mobilize and to organize should have not been around a campaign. The idea to mobilize and organize should have been around helping people within your community, regardless if Bernie Sanders won or not. This is something that Shama Sawant is really good at. She did that. Socialist Alternative, they organize within the community first. The candidate comes from the organization, whether they want to run or not. Shama Sawant did not pick herself to run. Like she'll tell you that she told me on my show, she said, I didn't choose to run for office. They selected me because it's a Marxist organization. So the organization decide who is best to do this. So they figured she was the best one. And I think they were right because look at what she's been able to accomplish. The problem that we had coming from the progressive movement is that the organization and the organizing was around a political campaign. There was no strategy as to what to do if Bernie Sanders was to lose again. And that's why the progressive movement just kind of died because it was all centered around a campaign. But I want to make sure, um, Deanna, I see you're a speaker. You just have to unmute. I want to make sure I bring you in uh, as well. So you just have to unmute. But yeah, that's, that's the difference there, Gator, is that you have to already have the community building and the organizing on the ground, whether there's a political campaign or not. Otherwise, the people have nothing to go back to. Go ahead, Deanna. Thank you. Thank you for bringing me in, Sabby. Um, to, to Gator, and you just answered it beautifully because it's really, uh, it was disheartening for many of us who were Bernie supporters uh, to see that there was nothing put in place to have the movement continue. I, I remember thinking this all the way back to Obama because when Donald Trump kept having uh, rallies, it made so much sense to me at the time that Obama was president that if he kept having rallies, he wouldn't have had any difficulty getting pushing things through Congress because the movement of the people would have forced Congress's hand. At the end of the day, the constituents are who they work for, and we always have the power to vote them out. And they know that. That's why 500 people, uh, 500 signatures will make them show up because they know really where their power is, but it's when people become complacent. And I think that's what mainstream media is excellent at is just, you know, turn us on, turn on MSNBC at night and just watch us complain and whine and moan and, you know, go to bed. But independent media is really sparking something. And I think um, so many people being at home during COVID uh, made people pay attention. And that's why the polls were wrong in in this midterm election and because those people aren't being polled but they knew what they wanted they knew what they wanted to do and they knew who they wanted to vote for we don't have a viable third alternative i'm an independent so i'm all over the place but i never vote for democrats unless that particular democrat has given me a reason to 
I think I spoke with you before when Stacey Abrams was running. There's no way it, she wasn't going to win. So <laughs> it didn't matter whether I voted for her or not, because I saw what was happening here on the ground in Atlanta. But um, I think there's promise in, in Warnock. I think he's really a man of the people. I think that, you know, the, the couple of times I've spoken with him, I just gave him an earful about what I think the Congressional Black Congress should be doing, uh, caucus should be doing, uh, what the progressives should be doing in, in the House. And, you know, I realize it's just him and a couple of others in terms of, of black leaders in the Senate. But, you know, he listened. He paid attention. And I don't know what kind of movement he'll do when he gets there this time. But he moves people well here in Atlanta. And the same thing with Nikema Williams, who was voting for Jeffries happily the other day. And I was furious because she does so much here for people. She's helping veterans. She's she's just her office is so active. It's just very hands on. And so I, I agree that the ground is where everything has to begin. And I think that independent media, true independent media, because I don't consider Crystal to be that at all. I think if MSNBC offered her a job tomorrow, she would dr drop all of this and run right back to mainstream media. She is phony to me. She always has been. I I only came across her because she was interviewing Andrew Yang at the time um, that he was running. And I, I was following him closely because I like UBI. Why do you um, say that, um, Deanna, just just for the the audience, because what has been explained to me and I'm trying to do better with this. What has been explained to me is that when we make statements like people are phony or people are fake or whatever, we need to give like mm -hmm. we need to give like substance. So, like, why do you feel that way? Well, because she, like Ryan Graham, refuses to take the extra step of pointedly criticizing specific actions of people who were put in place to do specific things. She just won't do it. She backs away from it. Jimmy had a uh, uh, an episode where he just showed how she was lying about the whole force the vote thing and called it, oh, they decided not to take that tactic. And, you know, just, just making it sound uh, like, other than what it was. They were afraid of that little, uh, very vintage elderly woman, and they refused to stand up to her. That's the bottom line. Well, what and happened, Deanna? Because, and I ask this because what happened, and I say this because at that uh, panel that Marianne Williamson hosted with Crystal Ball, Brianna Joy Gray, Katie Halper, mm -hmm. and I think the other woman's name was uh, Jordana, um, I remember that, that. she hosted crystal was the one that was like I don't think there is a movement and the squad has been failing how does she go from that to the way she is now she she says those things because she's she uh oh oh Deanna I think you cut out did I oh there you go okay she she's of that culture can you hear me now? Yeah. Savvy. Okay. She's of that culture of just complain. 
Don't tell them what they need to do. Don't speak it out loud so that your audience can hear it. Don't say, hey, if only they had done this, here's what we would have now, the way Brianna and, and Jimmy are doing. And I love their victory lap. I love the, I mean, I hope it continues. She won't do it and she hasn't done it really ever on breaking points that I've heard. She just says things like, um, I think I was listening uh, the other day and she's like, yeah, but of course that that's, they won't do that. You know, it, it always ends with something like that instead of what they need to be doing is this. And here's how they can leverage the, the power they have now. Maybe they can join with some of these Republicans and come up with some things that, that everyone can agree on and push McCarthy on at this point. Why didn't some of them peel off and vote with the 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 Republicans for a round or two? It, it, you know, nothing was happening anyway, instead of everyone lining up like little soldiers. These are things she could be saying if she wanted to. Sagar, I respect him more because he is a true Republican. He doesn't veer away from that. I respect uh, Robbie, even though he and Bree got into a very heated debate about the little boy that was was shot uh, allegedly trying to break into a car in DC. I don't know if you heard about that, but Bree Bree let him have it today. It was it was beautiful. But I, I respect him because he is a libertarian. He stands up for his the tiny government policies and that's what he believes in. And that's something that you can respect. But with Crystal, she's not a true progressive or leftist. She is a Democrat. That's why she always ends up hurting everyone into the, the Democratic Party when it's time to vote. And I'm telling you, if they would welcome her, she would drop everything and run and be right there with the squad pretending. I think well, we should then, vote. Then my whole thing is, is like, look, just uh, this is how I, I feel. Like, just say what you are. Just mm -hmm. say what you stand by. Don't run charades. Like, I don't like charades. Like, if, if you don't, well, well, here's the thing. So I've taken a lot of heat over the past week or so, because I was on Jimmy's show recently. Mm -hmm. Jimmy wasn't even hosting. Aaron Mate was hosting. Mm -hmm. I saw that. That was great. And our segment wasn't even about Force the Vote. It was right. about different news stories. Mm -hmm. Next thing you know, I get all this heat from people. Oh my God, Simi, Hasabi, uh, you need to stop propping up Jimmy Dore and da 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 and all this kind of stuff. By the way, Jimmy Dore will be on my show Thursday. Yay. You stop propping him up and da da da. And I'm just like, uh. They hate you guys, Jimmy. You guys talk about Jimmy more than I do. What the fuck is wrong with you people? Like, the seriously. Issue is he says it, he gives it to them hard, he gives it to them straight, he does not back away from the truth and he does not care what they think he's not looking for access that is the problem and you all were right about that ryan grimm the whole that whole counterpoints oh my god it ugh, i can't they ryan grimm is even brie called him out and she's the nicest leo i ever met <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a Leo. <laughs> can, I, can, I, can I just jump in for a second and just put, pose, ask you to consider a concept, right? Sure. So, basically, if, if people want to engage with their political environment, then they basically need to have some kind of ability to watch 
the people who are making who are their political representatives what they do and then ultimately how legislation manifests right mm -hmm. but, but but people have now spend an inordinate amount of time talking about the media personalities that they sympathize with so let's talk about you know jimmy Dore or brianna or anyone right but that that if you think about what's going on there right people are actually trapped inside a sub layer a media concentric personality sub layer which has no real political outcome whatsoever because it doesn't matter what jimmy Dore wants to show you it doesn't matter what jimmy Dore thinks is funny or thinks is objectionable jimmy Dore doesn't actually have any political power at all so if you are happy and i don't mean you personally i mean if one is happy okay to have their political dissatisfaction sated by turning on various channels that you like hearing somebody bitch and moan in the way that rings true to you and then you turn it off and then you go back to living your dissatisfied life right until the next episode you're actually the perfect kind of immobilized person that means that the ruling political class get away with all of the things that they're getting away with, right? Well, now, why is it that people talk about Jimmy Dore, the individual, but they never talk about what Jimmy Dore was talking about? Oh, I do. I do. I, I'm, I'm not that person. Uh, for me, during COVID, I was talking about, I was sharing his uh, videos. I was talking to people. I have gatherings at my home. I'm an artist, so I'm constantly surrounded by people. And we talk and we mobilize here in the city I live in. So I'm not that person. Jimmy is a true citizen journalist. And so he gives news stories that are based in fact. If I have any other questions, I do the additional research. And then I go tell everyone I know. And people who don't know, because everybody, some people work nine to fives. I, I do not. Some people don't have time to know or, or watch the things I have time to watch. So I spread it far and wide. I'm a part of several communities. There's an online community called Narrative that is just all about Black people sharing Black things. And a lot of those people have never been exposed to Jimmy Dore or even Savvy. So I expose them. To that it's a subscription only service and it is full of videos and podcasts and and and, and educational things and there are thousands of people that, there so i am active I've, I've always been active my mom was active um you know i know sanford bishop and some of our other legislators because i grew up around those people but for me the what needs to happen is we need to kick the whole bunch out because they've all been co-opted and they're all whores. Now, I'm a Leo and I do tell the truth. They are taking money that turns them into whores. So they all need to go. Or we as Americans need an organization, our own PAC called Lobbyists for the People. And we hire our own lobbyists mm -hmm. to go in and pay the whores to get our agenda done. Mm -hmm. To me, that's all that can really happen at this point. Either vote them all out, mobilize on the ground with a general strike that shuts the entire country down, or pay the whores to do the work. That's it. So for me, I'm looking at all three of those angles every single day and okay. figuring out how I, I mean, can participate in making one or all of them happen. 
that, that's 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 really interesting perspective. I, I really appreciate you sharing that because w- one of the things that I've found personally, and this will make me sound cynical, but I, to be honest, I consider myself to be more of a realist, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that it's important to sort of say express how much of a cynic I might sound in order for people to just either consider it or reject it. And if if I'm too cynical, I'll, at least I'm, I'll find out. But in my experience, particularly over COVID, what I have ultimately found is this. You can go around telling people, right, inalienable truths about the nature of the pandemic and all of the issues that you want. And people will either reject them for various psychological and belief reasons and whatever else or evidence reasons, or they won't. But almost 95% of the people who accept the information still do not act. They just know. So this is where the awake versus action thing comes in. People run around going, oh, yeah, but we're waking people up. And you can wake people up about politics or COVID or anything. Right? Let's not get into the specifics of a topic. But you run around waking people up. And then somebody goes, oh, yeah, I'm awake now. Great. And they start to identify that way, but they don't do anything. And I've asked the question several times of several people. What's the value in waking up people who do not act? Because if the end goal or the thing that's going to happen to you all still happens, would you have rather have gone there quietly into the abattoir unknowing until you get the one bad day at the farm and you end up as sausages? Or do you want to go kicking and screaming for a year being dragged to the abattoir? That's what happens to awake people, right? Who don't do anything. They get dragged well, to the abattoir unhappily. Docile people go there happily, right? I mean, I, and most have, people don't act. I have watched my state turn from very, very red to purple. So I, I, I'm watching in real time this state elect people who would not have been elected when I was a child yeah. or, who, or, or even 10 years ago. So I'm watching in real time things happen and change. So I, I firmly believe in change. I think when people know better, they do better. When they are awake, they, they take action. They don't they can't ignore the truth if it's right there in their face. Some people can, but most people can. I think 95 percent is a very high number of people who look at the truth and then look the other way. But okay. I, think the, I think the problem is like um, Gator, what you were just saying about. Not turning those um, ideas into action again, when we look back at the progressive movement, that actually was not the case it did turn the ideas into action. Bernie, like, if it wasn't for independent media, Bernie Sanders' campaigns would have never been as popular as they were. I have to make that very clear. Okay, but wait, Bernie Sanders is a trap, right? That led to zero. but, but, But at the time, we didn't know that. At the time, we didn't know that. So that's two election cycles in a row. So at the time independent media really did mobilize the Bernie Sanders base for his 2016 run and his 2020 run. So had it not been for independent media, a lot of us would have just looked at Bernie Sanders as like, if we weren't clear about the issues, we'd have just looked at him as like, oh my God, this guy's freaking crazy because mainstream media constantly smeared him. What did they say in 2020? He wants to take our healthcare away. You know how many times I had to explain to people what he really was trying to do because they were only watching in mainstream media. So that's the piece is like 
independent media really did at that point in time mobilize large amounts of people through a political campaign. The problem is it did not mobilize people when it came to direct action for other issues. It didn't mobilize people to protest against George Floyd. The protests had already started and then independent media started to talk about it. It did not mobilize people in reference to reparations. Marianne Williamson brought reparations to the forefront on the debate stage in 2020. And to be honest with you, most of the left uh, independent media commentators said they were against reparations. And you know who else said they were against it? Bernie Sanders said he was against reparations. But Bernie Sanders agreed with reparations for his people. In fact, he signed off mm-hmm. on legislation for his people. Mm-hmm. So this is the thing, and this is why those of us at RBN, this is why we got into this space, because we noticed these things too. We understood even at that point, Bernie Sanders was a compromise. Bernie right. Sanders still was not the golden ticket. The problem that we noticed is that a lot of our white uh, PMC, DSA, Jacobin counterparts did not see that distinction. And mm-hmm. they saw Bernie Sanders as like this hero savior that was going to come and save everybody and not realizing that Bernie Sanders issues were not focusing on the plight of black Americans in this country. That's right. So even for He us, was against UBI. Like, exactly. Mm-hmm. But OK, so but are we not in a position now where you have enough evidence, right, as a voting populace to know that the following is true, that you live not in a country, but inside a business, and that you are essentially an employee of that business, not a citizen in all real, real terms, outcomes. And that also every single figurehead that is put up in front of you as a quote unquote savior via the presidential primary process is one, a manufactured um, choice, two, disconnected from your vote because of the electoral college versus the popular vote and three has absolutely no net bearing on the trajectory of anything to do with the country because if if you can put obama the black man who said yes we can hope for change in and life got worse for black people and the only things that that yes we can meant was yes we the ruling elite can continue to take the piss out of the citizenry and hope for change but you won't get it is kind of what he really meant. And then you can get Bernie Sanders being a shilling for the DNC left vote and then dumping those left votes. And then and then for that kind of corruption to only be exposed by one man, Julian Assange, through the DNC, uh, Podesta and Clinton email leaks. uh, Yet, despite that guy being the one single journalist on the planet who epitomizes everything that a journalist really should be. He's being killed through the US judicial process helped by the UK and Sweden. And, and the citizens cannot recognize that of all the single individual people to support who've ever done anything for citizens benefit, net benefit, is Julian Assange and they do not support the free Julian Assange campaign. That tells you how blind, deaf, dumb, and I would even go as far as to say utterly stupid most citizens are about certain political realities. That's, that's call me cynical, but am I, how wrong am I to say that? Well, I, I want to, um, I'm going to answer your question, Gator, and I want to bring in CR because I know sure, he's thanks. Been- 
Um, I don't know if I would go as far as calling people dumb. Uh, again, the majority of Americans only watch mainstream media and the majority of Americans don't vote at all, don't participate in electoral politics. Mm -hmm. So what you have to understand is that most people that I have spoken to don't even know who Julian Assange is. Like I had to educate people about it every time. Anytime I go to a Julian Assange rally or event, I have to educate people. Anytime I go to an anti-war event, I have to educate people about why we should not be sending more billions to Ukraine. Most people, at least in this country, are propagandized to believe that we should be sending billions and billions of dollars to Ukraine, not realizing that the more money that we send them and the more weapons we send them, we're just killing more Ukrainians. They think in their mind that we're killing more Russians. Ukrainians are dying too. So that's the problem. Mainstream media is a big problem, at least in this country. And unfortunately, even though their ratings are down, most people only watch mainstream media because YouTube has actually suppressed independent media. So the days where you would search for the name Bernie Sanders in YouTube media and you would see like independent media pop up, that does not happen anymore. Now, when you search for Bernie Sanders, it's mainstream media because they're on YouTube too because their ratings are so bad. Mm -hmm. So... The propaganda is very strong when it comes to mainstream media here, and that's a big part of the problem. It truly is. And I, I, I still feel, though, that people are looking for the truth. And that's why the polls all say that people don't approve of the mainstream media. They don't trust it anymore. Democrats are watching Fox now so that they can try to find some balance in, in the coverage. Uh, Rumble is going to thrive because they don't censor. And, you know, so I, I, I really, I'm not, I can't be hopeless because this is my country and I want to see it thrive. And I want to see the ills that have plagued this country for hundreds of years corrected. And so I'm going to keep fighting that good fight. Barack Obama was never in business to help the black community we all put him there because there were black people who came out of the woodwork to vote for him twice and he did absolutely nothing so now those people are a bit disheartened but to me it's not one candidate it's the awakening of all the people to realize that they are the ones with the power and whatever they decide they want to do, they can do. If everyone decided not to go to work tomorrow, the entire country would shut down. Mm -hmm. Period. Period. One day. And and they would be at the table saying, okay, what, what, what do we need to do to get this economy going? CNBC is the real news. If you want to know what's going on in America, CNBC is the news. Mainstream media, Fox, all of them, they're all just riding the coattails of CNBC. So once you understand that and understand that really it's the billionaires who run this country, that there's one surefire way to shut it down. And that's by withholding the money or withholding right. the labor, which makes the money. It's very simple. That's right. And as we saw tonight, um, the Fed is even trying to like jump in right now and disrupt the labor, uh, mm -hmm. labor movements. 
So let me go ahead and bring in, thank you so much, Gator. I'm going to bring in CR. Cheers, okay, CR, you are the next caller. What's going on? Hey, Sabi, hey, John. Can you hear me okay? So good. I think your volume is really low. Oh, boy. Can you hear me okay now? Yeah. All righty. Um, yeah, I, I, most of everything that I could obviously go go after right now has <laughs> been treaded over over the last three hours. Um, but I won't say, I guess I shouldn't direct that at, at an individual, but of the last people that spoke, a lot of that kind of started to uh, edge on the level of CIA tactics of like, let's rehash things over and over again that are already settled. You know, and actually, you know, you know I, actually, I shouldn't be flippant. No, yeah, I, I kind of felt like Gator was doing a lot of that kind of shit. Like, I, I, I personally, it was like, I, 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 normally, like, a lot of what he was saying would make sense. But to think about who you're talking to, you're talking about, you're talking to, you know, the, the, the RBN crew and the kind of people that follow this kind of stuff. And he, he kept going on and on about how, like, yeah, you guys are preaching all this stuff. But you don't conserve it. You don't turn it into action. Are, 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 do you think that we're so stupid of activists that we're not aware of how little of a, you know what I mean? You get a thousand people to show up to an event and you're lucky to maybe get 10 people to actually sign up for some actual on the street. Yeah, totally. Yes, you could get people to show up to things, to come to uh, live events to come to Zoom meetings, but how many of them do you actually get to then show up to actually volunteer and to do work, you know, uh, for free and stuff like that? Yes, we already know this shit. So to kind of like just kind of beat that dead horse over and over again, I don't know. Just wanted to get that off my chest right off the top there. Like, I felt like we were, it's a little unnecessary. It's like, okay, yes, we get it, Gator. It's hard to get people, once you beat the truth into them, to then get them off the couch. Wouldn't you agree, Savvy, that those of us in the activist community already know it's hard to not only convince the person, but then also to get them to act? Yeah, it's really hard. That's the most difficult part is getting people to show up. <laughs> to be honest, exactly. That's yeah, right. You'll get you'll get you'll get a hundred RSVP or whatever. You know, people will send it, and then maybe twenty people actually show up to the thing. You know, and, 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 and my, my partner of 14 years, you know, was, I have to credit her all, all of that, like, was the one that started dragging me to these events. Like, you know, for her birthday, instead of having a birthday party, she would dupe everybody into going to, like, cleaning up the beach or, you know, picking up trash along the highway or whatever. You know, that was her, you know, her, her thing. So I, I went to a lot of these things like that. And, yeah, you always invite 50 people. And maybe 15, if you're super lucky, actually show up. So I, I think a lot of people that have actually been on the ground doing this stuff for a long time understand that. And it's not it's not worthwhile to sit here and lecture each other about that shit. You know what I mean? So to me, it kind of felt like a, a, a repetitive and unnecessary. When we, we, we can obviously be talking about what we're actually doing. Instead of just chastising everybody here in chat, going like, oh, well, you guys talk a good game, but you don't do anything. It's like, okay, well, do you have something that we can do or sign up? Do you want to post a link to something? Do you want to tell us some dates 
that something's going on for some type of action that you're doing, then, then we'll sign up. Otherwise, we're kind of just turning up the reverb on the echo chamber. I did find his commentary a tad condescending and pejorative, but I thought it might have been. I was specifically talking about the British guy that was being very condescending to everybody. Right. Well, one, right. Thing to, how, one thing to keep in how, mind how, is that um, Gator does not live here. So just keep that in mind. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm saying how like people like you, Noel, people like Savvy, people like Roger, everybody else in here that I've, I've talked to before in the past, we understand that it's difficult to get people's asses off the couch. You could get them to agree and nod with you in person and say, yeah, oh, I feel you. I get what you're saying. But then when you say, okay, will you come with me Sunday to this food bank, to this thing here where we're, we're handing out, you know, raincoats, we're handing out water, we're handing out coats, you know, whatever. Then they're like, oh, I'm busy, I'm busy. That was the only point that I was making. And to have somebody else sit there and kind of keep telling us that, like, you guys are all talk, but you don't turn that talk into action. And I'm saying, like, it's not that, like, we don't appreciate that that's already a giant obstacle. So I didn't mean it to sound condescending. I just meant that, like, I felt that this chat of people that are mostly activists were being condescended to. No, so if so I came off condescending. So that I am clear, I was not, that was not a critique of you, CR. I was saying, oh. as I listened to Gator, my read of it was similar to yours. It oh, was as if bad. he was lecturing us as if we don't know the step process is to awaken, organize, and mobilize. We understand those three steps. But I think what he does not grasp or does not appreciate um, to the extent we do, we do because we live it, is that there is nothing in the American programming, and I mean from childhood to adulthood, that actually invites you into the political forum. We come into these spaces by way of personal experiences, um, by way of activism and being awakened at different times in our lives. And then as you find yourself in that space, you're trying to reach out and awaken other people, but you're trying to do this awakening, organize, mobilize against an entire project that is dedicated and committed towards the capitalist, you know, ideology. When you look at the women's movement, the civil rights movement, the movement for people with disabilities, it took tremendous organization by people who was really, that was their full-time job and everything to create those movements. But you have to have someone out there and you have to organize that movement first. And it's just not, you know, and, and I wasn't deeply offended um, when he said that he found the American people and people in general to be dumb because what I heard, what I interpreted that as, people really do have a base level of ignorance. And I mean ignorance, that in the purest sense. Totally, yes. I mean that in the purest sense, people really do not understand the propaganda and what's going on around them. And even in this independent space, we find ourselves trying to reason out where people really stand in this space. So I get it. And, and, but to your point, I found it 
a tad um, uneasy and a tad condescending. Okay, so my I, my apologize then. <laughs> I didn't realize we're 100% in agreement then. I agree with everything you were saying there. Um, yeah, and, and I, Sabrina, I would say, I, I think one thing we should all take into consideration is that um, he's coming from a country where people do have rights that we just don't have here. Like, or not rights, they have benefits that we don't have here. And I think that's something to, and I, I say this, like, the same thing, if I talk to friends of mine overseas, like, they, it's the same concept as to, like, I don't understand why your country operates this way. And, like, this is why I said earlier tonight that, like, sometimes I really do look back on it and I wish maybe I did not move back to the United States because I lived in a country where everybody had health care, where vacation was not even, like, it wasn't frowned upon. If you needed to take time off, that wasn't frowned upon. If you needed to take vacation, that was just expected. There was no such thing as you get two weeks vacation a year. No, you take off a whole month. Like that was just the standard. That was the norm. It didn't matter what your job was or what company you worked for. The problem in the United States is that in order to get certain benefits, you have to be a part of a certain company or you have to be a part of a certain part of the economic ladder. And if you're not a part of that ladder, you're not a part of that PMC group, then you don't get those benefits. And that's part of the problem that I have with this country in particular. So I think that's just something to keep in mind. I get what you guys are saying, but something for us to think about when we are talking to people that are abroad and like we do have an international community. So just something to take into consideration. Go ahead. Totally, totally. I agree with that 100%. And, and I will definitely say that, like, I'm not taking it, like, as in a personal affront or attack or anything like that, whatever. What I, the, I guess when I say that, it bothered me. I mean, it bothered me in the sense that, like, it seems incongruous to, to, to like, understanding, like, the audience here. That was all, I guess. Maybe maybe that's a little snarky kind of asshole kind of thing, which, uh, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm I know I can't help myself, <laughs> but it, 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 you know, a little bit, it's like, come on, know, know the room that you're in. Like, I get the point you're saying, you know, but come on, dude, these people here know that kind of shit. You know, we, we know that kind of stuff. Like, it, it, and, and like, like Noel was saying, it's just like, it does come off a little, little condescending, but uh, we, we can, we can, we, we can move beyond that. Like I said, it, it's no, no animus is savvy's hundred percent. Right. I, I've never been over there. You know, I, I don't, understand that kind of stuff at all and i will never profess to understand any of that kind of stuff whatsoever you know i'm a i'm a west coast kid you know that's yeah definitely so so yeah so there's no there's no point but the point that i guess the 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 real my original point of all of this stuff was look let's not litigate that let's get past that if we want to be kind of like you know quote unquote activists let's kind of get to the what we can do you know what I mean, kind of thing, and 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 we know that it's always going to be difficult difficult to kind of turn the people uh, from rhetoric into action. But um, even though if that's ten percent, five percent, one percent, then we know it's a numbers game, just like the capitalists do. We got to play the numbers game, keep kind of pushing that. Uh, um, but I, one thing though, like I think the original topic that we were kind of getting at it was uh, um, the 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 concessions, right? And I think that was kind of the, I thought if I can kind of steer this back there. Um, 
would you would you say that it's unreasonable to not care whether or not the quote unquote freedom caucus was flippant or 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 careerist or whatever whatever label you want to put on them to still support what they did in spite of the fact that we might know that they were, you know, doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. That's kind of a thing that I've been kind of struggling with because I personally feel that way. I feel that Matt Gates and all these people, they were doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. And, 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 and so as we try to kind of go, we gotcha. See, look, this is what forced the vote should have been. I still also kind of feel like, yeah, but these are climbers. They're not doing it because they're principled. And so I just want to, I'm curious, honestly, Savvy, like, do, do, do you feel like, is there a distinction to be made there? Or should we just be militant about it and just like, we're, mm. we're out to, we're out to get what we can, what we can get. How are they climbers though? Because the majority of the Republicans in the house actually supported Kevin McCarthy. So that's what no, I'm no, really no, 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 I mean, I mean, the Matt, the, the, the Matt Gates is the Matt Gates types. Was, but how was no, Matt, but how were the, I, I guess what I'm saying is like, how was he a climber when the majority of his uh, house uh, comrades were in support of Kevin McCarthy and were actually not too happy with him for not voting for Kevin McCarthy? If anything, in, in Congress, like you got to have the people on your side, not the not your constituents, but more so if you want to move up, you got to have your comrades in the House on your side. So Matt Gates does not have that. Neither does Lauren Bobart. So that's the thing. That's something yeah, that, that the squad like realized early on. That's why they chose to go along exactly. with the Democratic Party. Exactly. That's so. So you're you're it's kind of funny. You're playing right into kind of my snark. Again, it was a little bit of a snarky question. Like, think about it. That's what we were asking the squad to do. Be in defiance of leadership, right? And we wanted them to do it as a means of like the Justice Democrats to be an infiltrative force that would allow them to slowly gain power and then overtake the Democratic Party, correct? This is what we were saying. So that's what I'm saying. That's the funny part about it. As we actually see the inverse and we praise it and we go, haha, this validates what we were saying back in force the vote in 2020. We also have to be, have some humility about the fact, like exactly what you just said, the pushback that you immediately gave me was like, but wait a minute, this is in defiance of the leadership and they have such an uphill battle. Right. And, and, and where have we seen this before fell the tea party. Right. And, but they did. They did chase out a uh, 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 Boehner, right? And I didn't agree with what they were asking for either, but I do want to remind people who are listening that Pete Buttigieg actually agreed with the Tea Party. If you Ooh. go back and you look on YouTube, Ooh. there's video footage. I'm not kidding. Uh. And in fact, I saw this on independent media uh. because they were making fun of Pete Buttigieg when he announced he was running. I think it might have been Secular Talk who showed this video. They were making fun of Pete Buttigieg and they were like, this guy like was against Obama and supported the Tea Party because he wanted people like Obama out. He thought that that uh, Barack Obama was too far to the left to the point that he wanted Barack Obama out. There's video. So, I'm going to find it and I'm going I'm to show it for you guys. Self-hating gays are, are, are a trip, man. That's all I can say. 
And I, I just, uh, that, as, his, as, his, as his boyfriend in the documentary showed us. Sorry, go ahead. Who is more of a climber than our uh, AOC with with her dress at the Met? And to- course, totally. Course, and how is it? How is it different than Matt Gates? How is it different than Matt Gates? Well, my, the point is, they're climbers who did nothing for the people, or even to enhance themselves because they did not end up on committees that were substantive. They actually lost power in the house that they were elected to go into and represent people. So they, they're climbers purely and solely for themselves, having done nothing for the people, at least the constituents of these people who stood up against the, against McCarthy can say, well, he, they they are fighting for this and they are, they're fighting for term limits and they're fighting for things that that I agree with. We uh, progressives don't have that. After being the reason that they are there and AOC started on the Jimmy Dore show. Is that correct, Savvy? That is correct. Yeah. She did two interviews on left independent media. The first one was Jimmy Dore. The second was Glenn Greenwald. And the Glenn Greenwald uh, interview is even more revealing because that's the interview where he does ask her about whether or not Nancy Pelosi should re- um, or should be speaker. And that's the interview where she said, well, no, like we need younger leadership. Wow. And it's the interview that's been circulating around on Twitter because yeah. Glenn Greenwald was like, just a reminder. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. <laughs> this, I need this, to find this, that. I haven't seen that. I have to go find no, that. it. It, 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 she's 100% right. I, I mean, that's the kind of the thing that, that has kind of got me uh, uh, in ire because I'm, I'm in Oakland, right here in San Francisco Bay Area. You know, they, they, they love them some lib, shit lib bullshit here in this area, <laughs> you know, and it, 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 it's it's rough, you know. And, and, and when I say something like, you know, AOC's a sellout, you know, she's a fake. I get immediate dirty looks from everybody in the room, you know, wow. and um, I, have to, I have to spend the rest of, I have to spend the rest of my night defending myself. And to me, I always think it's kind of funny because I generally kind of open with like the soft kind of, well, what exactly is it that you can point to that she's done that's positive, right? As a politician, because at the end of the day, no party affiliation aside, we, we we all care about policy. If we're if we're really serious people about politics, yes, everybody everybody has to agree that policy is the thing. And, and, and I got I got into this with Michael Tracy a co- like two or three times now on his call and things. This guy actually he can't in the middle of my conversation the last time with Michael Tracy. He's like I have to go, and he closed down his whole call in show while me and him are in the middle of debate. And I was talking about this because he keeps saying the left, the left, the left. And I said, motherfucker, you're talking about like Hakeem Jeffries and Kamala Harris. They're not on the left. <laughs> and I kept trying to constantly pin him down and say like, dude, you, and he goes, oh, well, and I'm saying, he's like, AOC says she's on the left. And I'm like, I don't care if AOC says she's on the left, her voting record, voting for the Iron Dome, voting for the, you know, funding the Capitol Police et cetera, et cetera. I don't need to tell you guys. You guys all know this kind of stuff. You know, I don't care about what they self-declaim. And he kept saying like, well, oh, if they say they're the left, they're the left. 
And so anyway, so I've, I've, I've been into arguments with people like these, these dudes like that over and over again on this kind of, kind of shit. But if I think I it's say important. I'm a turkey, that, that, am I a turkey? Like, I'm, I'm sorry, <laughs> right? just, you can say whatever you want about yourself, but what do your actions show? Like, what sound like we're going into Matt Walsh territory, right? <laughs> it's just like, it's like Democrats are communists. Oh, these what? these communist socialists are taking over Joe Biden in the socialist left, and you're like, dude, I wish Joe Biden was fucking socialist. You, but fucking let me tell you, Cr, Cr, and I gotta say something to Go you too, Roger. Cr, let me tell you, I remember when I was younger, but I remember when they called Bill Clinton a socialist, and Bill Clinton was definitely not left at all. Like, oh Clinton, no, remember Bill Clinton was Blue the dog. one that said. Gay people can be in the military as long as uh, we have don't ask, don't tell. Don't ask, yeah, don't ask, don't tell. Remember so. that? But yes. Roger, like, yeah, this is mm-hmm. crazy. It's like Matt Walsh, what is a turkey? Like, I, I don't know. Like, it's <laughs> well, just, he was saying, what is a woman, actually? I was just saying. Yeah, so know. I'm like, what is a turkey? If I say I'm a turkey. I'm... <laughs> exactly. It, it, it's, it's 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 unfortunate because it, it, it again we're playing into their kind of system right we were demeaning the conversation and that was kind of to, to again i know I, I sound petty by tying it back to one particular chatter i don't mean to take take it out on gator at all but just the generality of that kind of thing where we're, we're sitting here attacking the kind of like the strategy we'll worry too much about like oh well you're not doing it the right way it kind of reminds me of like like oh your asks weren't right during force the vote it's like okay well then come up with some fucking other ask and do something because in the last two fucking years nobody fucking did anything all those people that said oh jimmy Dore, Brianna joy gray though they're all stupid force the vote's gonna fail the matt benders the sam cedars the fucking humans all those people they fucking said that ad nauseum but then what the fuck did they push afterwards? And I apologize for yelling, but what the fuck did they push afterwards? What did they <laughs> meaningfully put out there that we all could say, oh, okay, shit. Did you guys see like Sam Cedar and, and, and all those guys in TYT, they dunked on Jimmy Dore because Jimmy Dore just had this one ask and they got these five other great asks that are totally going to kick ass and have a chance to pass. Where the fuck was that? Nothing. And since then, where's the pressure to any of the people that they prop up, the, the 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 squad type of people, and so on and so forth, where the fuck is the pressure? Where's the pressure to get these people to come out, come back on their show? When was the last time fucking AOC was on TYT or Sam Cedar or any of these places that are still friendly to them, saying we still support Medicare for all, and here's how we're going to do it, and maybe force the vote was the wrong thing, but here's our other plan that was more genius and stealth that we had in our back pocket. And fuck you, we're geniuses, and you guys just didn't know. All right, we had magician. Haha, you thought the ace was over here. The ace is over here. The rabbit's not in this hat; it's in that hat. Where the fuck is yeah. that? I, I hate to yell and get mad, but I'm serious. Like we're not holding them to account. They get to just shit on everything. They just get come in. Ah, ah! They come in. They shit on fucking what we're trying to do, and then they swoop off, and then they never get to be held account for where is your fucking idea. Well, when I spoke with Ryan Grimm, he said he is trying to get something in the works to bring at least one of them on to left independent media. I don't know who that will be. Um, And he said not on his show, 
he said, hopefully with uh, Brianna Joy Gray. And I think that's best because I'm not nice. Um, hey, Brianna's <laughs> got the patience of a monk. She definitely does. Like, You're I, the nicest I one have, on I have, I have patience, but I was not nice to Rokana. And I don't think Rokana will probably ever come back on. Like, he might. If he does, I would be surprised. But um, I was definitely pretty pretty uh, sharp with him. But you know what, Sabrina, you're the nicest one on RBN. That's the funny thing. But it's RBN, so you got to compare us to uh, Majority Report and TYT and Breaking Points. You got to compare us to that. Like we're not on the same level in terms right. of how nice we are to people. <laughs> right. I'm just saying, out of you know, but um, you know what you could do. You know, like what I was. You know, I, I know I said it before. Whatever the case is, but you got to break these parties. You know, because the thing is, um, if like, well, you know, I, I said it before, but I think what a valid strategy would be is in in those uh, ballot initiative states that allow you to amend your state constitution, run an initiative to amend your constitution to abolish political parties at every level of government. And then in the other 33 states, I just say register independent in mass. Okay. You take a, like I said before, take over, take over. Um, when, once you start registering independent in mass, you end up taking over the entire election apparatus of your state, um, getting into the redistricting commissions getting into the uh, Board of Elections, the sec state secretary of state's offices, and eventually end up running your own candidates and turfing both of these and all of these parties out. So I hear, I hear that, Roger, and I, I totally understand where you're coming from. The problem is some people live in closed primary states. So if that's, they are registered as an independent, they can't vote for like... So okay. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I got it. I got to chime in. I got to bring up Delthea. If you're focusing on who's in the seat, you're missing what's going on in the fucking streets. Mm. Yeah. That's my own paraphrasing what Delthea was saying earlier. But like she was saying, like, y'all motherfuckers get too caught up in this fucking electoral shit. And you forget that that where our focus really should be because that game is rigged to a motherfucker. Well, let me um. We'll see. Our let me bring in because Ashura has been waiting for a while. So let me bring in Ashura. But thanks so much, uh, Cr. Thank you very much. Have a good night. Poor Ashura is probably like, bitch. I've been waiting two hours, Mo. <laughs> What's up, Ashura? Can you unmute? I tried to invite you as a speaker. I hope Ashura didn't fall asleep. Ashura's in Canada, so I don't know what the time thing is. Fuck. I think we lost Ashura. I think so. All right, Ashura. Um, While we're waiting, back, can I say a, a little please. thing? Go ahead. Um, You know, as we get prepared to head into this 2024 cycle, Expect these people to come back out because they're going to need somebody to whip up those liberal votes and herd them into the Democratic tent. So I wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing them taking more interviews in safe spaces 
because they're going to, and like you say, they're going to push the Donald Trump thing and because they're going to have to scare the bejesus out of people to get them to get ready to come back and vote. And so look for that apparatus to get back in gear and it's going to be the same thing. You know, the um, I expect that the squad people will start talking about the things that they think, you know, we want to hear, but they're going to deliver nothing and they want to resurrect Trump, you know, because they want to have that fear thing to get you afraid to come out. Oh, we got to go and vote because, you know, Trump is so scary and this and that and blah, blah, blah. So get ready for it. Um, well, yeah, well, go ahead, I, Roger. So I, w- I wanted to answer your question about um, not having open primaries because I, I don't live in an open primary state either. Um, think about this for a second. Yeah, you can't vote in the primaries. Okay. However, think, think about this. Most of the time, most of the moderates are have been traditionally um, independent, right? So most of the people who are independent are usually moderates. So what happens is they hold the keys to the to the uh, to the general election. So what what the independents tell them is, hey, look, I don't care how much you tacked to the left in your Democratic primary, and I don't care how much you tacked to the right in your um, Republican primary. You're going to start tacking to the middle because we hold the cards. Now, imagine if you had, you know, people on the left or socialists or Marxists, however you want to call it, started piling into the, well, independence, not a party, but started registering independent in mass and staying independent and outnumbering the, um, the, you know, the moderates that are independent, then, and especially if black people started to do that as well. We can push that past the 50% threshold in the country because right now the Indies are in, stay in the 40s, bouncing between 40 and 48, while the other two parties are stay in the, like the mid to late 20s. If we were to get past that 50% threshold by, by you know, people on the left or whatever and black people all piling into being registered independents, then it won't matter who wins their their primaries, okay? We, the, the ones who are on the left will have the cards to their election. So it's just like, well, you got to start tacking to the left and you got to start talking about, you know, uh, things like reparations or this or that or whatever the case is, okay, if you want to win that election. You know what I mean? Because that's, that's what, when I was telling you before about my man was saying, uh, oh, uh, register... Democrats, so you can vote for Jamani Williams. Jamani Williams is he's the uh, public advocate for New York City. That's the guy that replaces the mayor in case something happens to him or whatever. He was running for governor last year in the primary, and I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. You know what I'm saying? I'll, I'll just, you know, I'll just stay where I am, and so on and so forth. And and what I ended up seeing today was Kathy Hochul gave her state of the state address. Okay, and. She was talking about, she was like, blah, 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 blah. And then she said that she is looking to peg the minimum wage to inflation and cost of living, whatever she said. Now, she did not say, um, she didn't say whether or not 
she was going to match the minimum wage with the cost of living. Pegging it can be kind of, you know, it leaves it leaves room for loopholes. Okay. So you, you see what I'm saying? So it's like um Savvy what do doesn't what do like it? loops or holes. <laughs> that came out bad. That came out bad. <laughs> I'm so bad at this. Damn. Oh, you do that all the time. Not kind of anti-lesbian. Oh my God. You do that all the time. You just you just let me just create a loophole for a joke. Um but yeah, but see this this is this is what I'm saying. If we all is is left on the left or whatever, socialist monster, whatever the case is, just started piling especially black people registering independent in mass and say no i'm not gonna come and register democrat to help your guy win whoever wins i'm gonna make them tap to 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 you know to what i want because i hold all the cards in the election i think that's similar to what joe firestone was talking about um at the new year's eve um stream was like to create a movement with just independence uh, but he wanted us to replace over 400 people in Congress. Oh, in yeah, two yeah. Years. <laughs> two and years. I was like, like, honestly, Roger, I was holding back. Eric knows. I was holding back. I wanted to just be like, motherfucker, what are you, you fucking yeah. crazy? Yeah. We're going to replace in 400 two people years. in two years. <laughs> and we struggled to replace five of the mofos. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Lucy. I think. I think um I think Roger has a point and I, I already talked to <laughs> I've been messaging him about this. Um but I think he has a good point with this um strategy of registering people independent, not necessarily because you care about electoralism, but if you think about it um, we've been complaining for a while now that Bernie sheep herded people into the Democratic Party, right? Um and at this point, we have to kind of demonstrate again that we're independent because we've shown that we're not, if that makes sense. So um, I think it's and and during the midterms, they also got a lot of those young voters, you know, with this abortion kind of fear mongering. So I think it could work. And also the thing about like tabling or something like that, it could work with mutual aid too. Like it doesn't have to be tabling the way people did in 2019 or whatever for the Bernie Sanders campaign. It could be tabling for some other mutual aid. Like for example, um, you could buy out street vendors or you could go support the nurses strike in New York City. And then you could bring some forms and register people independent or, you know, bring some coffee, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, um, so I, I think there's something to that. And the nice thing about tabling is, like, I notice with longer events, it ends up being really complicated to organize people. Lots of infighting. If you just go somewhere for one day, one hour, that's not as much of an issue. And it's very repeatable in different places and you don't run the risk of like, you know, trying to organize some huge movement. Um, that's why electoralism is so appealing in some ways. Cause you could just go somewhere for an hour and then that's it. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. It's so, more or less using yeah. leverage. 
it's, yeah. it's using using leverage you know exactly. let's make sure uh brady gets in brady you just have to uh unmute and then i'll go to oh, you eric. eric what's good authentic real squad <laughs> that's what you guys are y'all the real squad um <laughs> as far as comments on breaking points is that I've always felt like Sagar was Crystal's lapdog and was kind of a feckless representation of the right and especially the alt-right you know I'd like to see kind of like a scary military dude in that seat and some dude that's like a real kind of you know representative of what we're really facing and just see that guy just eviscerated in debate every single night by a legitimate uh, lefty um, would be something good to see. So I kind of fell out of love with the first show they had. And then, you know, breaking points happen. And I was really proud of them for that. I said, okay, I was really excited again for about three months. And I realized it's the same show. And I think uh, Kyle's synthetic energy had already seeped into Crystal at that moment in time. So, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I just want to say that, uh, yeah, I had a crush on Crystal first, so uh, it's not over, Kyle. Um, and I have a lot of solutions for <laughs> the issue. <laughs> yeah, I had a crush. I had a crush on Crystal a long time. I got a I got a Ninja Turtle complex, and Crystal <laughs> was my like, April O'Neil. Why you say that? Uh, oh, it's just you know, it's just reality. I'm just reporting the facts, you know. <laughs> why do you say it's why not you say over? It's not- oh, you know, because I mean, the has the wedding happened? Brady. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. I'm joshing. I'm joshing. I'm fantasizing. I have a little public fantasy right now. That's all, you know. Uh, But uh, I have some solutions to these uh, problems we're facing under the imaginary political party I I like to experiment with in my head called the People Party. One of them is democratic debate. Uh, I'll I'll go straight to the... Well, we've got to start with democratic debate, which is... Uh, where we democratically elect the debate topic, the debate moderators, uh, the debaters, uh, and elect questions from both sides of the debate to be asked first. And then we have a monk debate style ranking system where we uh, vote at the beginning and end of the debate where everyone stands, whether they're on one side or the other or undecided. And use that as a, a measure, a metric for who won the debate. And I think that we should demand that happen before we ever spend a single dollar on war or anything, any kind of intervention like that. There needs to be a democratic debate first before any money is spent on war or any kind of conflict. Uh, another concept that uh, I have is put together recently is the political barbecue where once a month, every single month, it could be any day of the month the politician can choose, but they have to subject themselves to at least one hour, one to three hours, whatever they're willing to contribute, you know, to a uh, political grilling uh, where we democratically elect uh, some an investigator or a journalist to ask them a series of questions that we uh, democratically uh, vote on and then um, really hold them to the fire and hold them accountable to what their actions have been in the last month and what their plans are for the future and just demand uh, public accountability in that way. And then uh, I would just like to recommend that uh, people party candidates that I'd like to look over are the Ralph Nader 
Jill Stein, Ajamu Baraka, who was Jill Stein's vice president, and Ron Paul. If you can get in contact with any of those people. Your, your Ralph Nader show was great, by the way. That was fantastic. I enjoyed that a lot. And I think that was brave what you said about that conservative dude. What's his name? Who's uh, Gavin Newsom? Is that it? Mm-mm. But um, uh, also. <laughs> Are you thinking about Larry Sharp? Uh, Joe- I, I don't know. Let's get that part for now. Let's get, the, let's get to the important part. Let, let's well, not minute, dwell. Brandon. Was it a white dude or a black dude? That'll help me. It was, a, it was the white dude. The white Republican dude from Congress who's pushing the force the vote in Congress on the Republican side. What's his name? Matt Gates. He has the rat face. Matt Gates. Matt Gates. <laughs> you, you kind of, what you said about Matt, Matt Gates was pretty brave. I thought that, that, was, that was brave of you, you know, uh, but it, you were so right. You were so right, you know? I don't even like uh, that dude. I don't even like uh, yeah. Matt Gates, but he was right that's on that what's issue. important. We have to work with people we don't like, you know what I mean? Um, and that was the real point there that I thought was actually pretty brilliant. You called and, him rat um, face. <laughs> I did, you know, yeah, I'd get busted. Yeah, guilty. Uh, but uh, I think um, instead of focusing at all on breaking points anymore, b- before we ever speak another word about breaking points, everybody get your notebooks out and write down James Corbett's name, James Corbett of the Corbett Report. And we're going to have to shift our attention away from YouTube and onto platforms like BitChute and Odyssey, Rumble. Uh, whatever else, you know, and as a matter of fact, we need to build a new social media platform that is uh, co-op and open source and uh, backed uh, security blocked by, uh, how do you say, blockchain technology, where we can use blockchain voting within the app to have secure voting apparatus built into the app, where we can experiment with direct democracy in a digital platform that is run by the people uh, in a democratic way. Yes. And this can be done overnight. We, we could slap one of these things together literally in like a month now using chat GPT, a, a team of like 10 of us that know a little bit about computers can literally slap a whole dang old social media platform together. The, 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 how do you say the, I think we can do it faster than we can imagine right now. You really um, can. Um, I just want to say really quick, Brady, um, for people who are not aware, I am on Odyssey and rumble and Rockfin, all of those platforms. So just letting you know, like, Unfortunately, um, people tend to divert back to YouTube. Like I, there are some people that are diehard rock finners, like Roger Meadows and a couple other people, and some people who are diehard Rumble. Unfortunately, I don't live stream on Rumble because of the fact that they charge. But I just found out recently that now, if you have a certain amount, uh, a certain amount of subs on Rumble, you can live stream there for free. So I think I'm in that threshold. So if that's the case, then I can figure that out. And hopefully by next week, I can get that going too, um, to live stream over there as well. Sabrina, so what Brady just said, that was going to be the next thing I was going to mention. My thoughts are a worker cooperative competitor to both where, where we are even, where even though uh, Rockfin is work a cooperative, you know, because I, I I posed this question to um, Fiorella and Pasta, and I said to them, you know, like, uh, and, you know, and what I'm about to say, I, I um, asked the question to them, and what what she was telling me is that, okay, 
Rockfin is 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 buggy, and they are very scrutinous on who they then they do an interview process and who can go on their platform. She also said Rockfin is more free speech, but not as free speech as it could be because they show a little bit more deference toward right wing ideology and thought what? than left. Yeah. That's Roger, what Roger Phil knows what's said. up. Roger knows exactly what's up. Are you up. serious? When did this happen? Talk yeah, to about me. Israel, everything. Talk yep. to, tell that. Wait a minute. Let, she asked me a question. Let me let me let me answer Sabrina's question. I'm telling you what Fiorella said to me Ooh. when I posted a um thing to her. If you want, I will send that. I will send it to you. I will send you. You know, because this is what she was saying. Okay, but it gave me the idea, which is what Brady was saying which was um so my thoughts are a worker cooperative competitor to both we, we are even we are even though the rock is a worker cooperative but they're kind of buggy and not as seamless and they make applicants go through a scrutinous process this new one i'm speaking of the, like creating a new um platform can fill that gap and where rumble is corporate and shows deference to right-wing stuff this new thing that I'm speaking of can fill that gap as being a worker cooperative and allow everyone an ad-free experience. So think about it like this, because this is what I was proposing to them. Let it be included in a bundle package with cell phone, cell phone plans where we don't necessarily have to log into when received, when like if I send you a link, just like if I would send you a link for uh, YouTube, right? where the receiver, of course, hits the link and it activates the worker cooperative competitor of YouTube. This will allow us to exercise freedom of the press via First Amendment rights without having to worry about advertisers pulling out, um, bringing old school ACLU lawyer into the cooperative as well to make sure we're, we're not violating anyone's uh, free speech press freedom. You see what I'm saying? So you have it as part of like a bundle cell phone package where you don't have to be like, you know, like if I send some, some, uh, a link to Rockfin, you know, automatically they're going to go, this thing's a paywall. I'm not going to like log in and pay some money just to watch it or whatever. But if this thing that I'm speaking of, um, was included in the cell phone bundle plan, then it would just be automatic. It would be seamless. That's it. Brilliant. Good idea. Uh, did, did everyone get their pens and paper out to write James Corbett's name down? Did everyone have James Corbett's name? Isn't that the in guy from England? Japan. No, someone else mentioned that um, earlier today to me, too. I'm sorry, you guys. Like, people mention uh, other people's names to me so often, like, throughout the week. Yeah. Like, sometimes I forget. I'm not going to lie. It's understandable. That's why I said, get your pin out, get your, get get get, get your, uh, how do you say, bit shoot, go to bit shoot or uh, Odyssey. I recommend Odyssey and either one of those and type in James Corbett's name into either one of those sources immediately. And then you'll have it in your phone, ready to rock whenever you got some free time. His name is so important and it's so uh, rarely spoken as well as Whitney Webb. She doesn't get enough credit either. And I know you're already trying to get a hold of her, so that's awesome. And I wanted to reach out to Eric. I know Eric has like a list of like 10 demands that he's working on that and I'm like, dude, that sounds very similar to what I'm working on. 
Um, I certainly have uh, many demands that I can add to that list. I have an inf a small infinity of demands I can add to that list. And we can refine this list. Brady, this list needs to be updated and annotated. I'm sorry. I have to say it's 11 demands. And I have to say that because there's 10 demands for justice. So Eric intentionally made his 11 demands. So I just have to say that so people don't get I thought, Yeah, I thought I thought I kind of picked that up today during the show. I was like, is this related to the, the 10 demands? And he mm -mm. just added one. What was, what was the one that he added? <laughs> no, 10 demands for justice is about policing and abolition. Eric's okay. demands, uh, 11 demands are about a bunch of different things. Eric, you're here. You can unmute um, and explain it. But Eric can also put the link in the chat as well. But it's 11 demands. Just wanted to make that. Yeah, just, just go to 11demands.org. Hey, did you include it? If you want to know about it, just go there and read what's there for status. I, I read what you have, and most of what you have in your demands is already integrated into the People Party kind of list of demands. And like I was saying, man, if you want to work together, like help me refine my demands, um, I can certainly no add parties. to the list of demands that you have. What's up? I said no more parties. <laughs> no, I think we actually do need more parties. I would argue that we do need many more parties. Um, if anyone has a better party idea than me, mm. please do it. The um, yes, uh, I think the problem is, Brady, with the People Party, is there's a lot of shit going on with that particular organization. Uh, and not just that, but the fact that. Yo, can I interrupt you for just one second to discern myself from the People's Party? Like, my idea of the People Party is like killer people party it's an idea i came up with back in 2016 been like building a platform trying okay. to look for candidates and so trying to get about a list something of totally together. different totally different totally different you should probably it's say that to people because when you say the people's party people are talking about mpp i know and it's, it's that's like a nothing it's a movement to nowhere you know um right. and i'm about getting action done so there's four things that i need right now that are not money and that is good. I've written it like a thousand times in the chat. I apologize. I'm just trying to hammer this point in that I need good ideas. I need good candidates and I need good questions to ask those candidates or just good questions to investigate in general, whether this is a journalistic question or anything. And then also we need action. We just need action, good actions. It's, and it doesn't cost a dime, guys. You know, you can take a Moringa seed, you could plant it in the ground somewhere that grows into a tree that produces more seeds. You could take those seeds, start sharing them with your neighbors. We can end hunger in America if we all just start planting Moringa trees. That's one thing we can do. One action we can all take that costs almost nothing. I, if y'all don't have Moringa seeds, you can let me know. I will send a packet of Moringa seeds to your town to disperse in your area. That'll be a project I'm running all this next season. Um, and it's something we could do to end hunger in America. That's just one example of one action we can all take. Another one is carpooling, whether it be carpooling, and then just say, you know, this is an action that we're taking. But uh, the idea of the People Party in, at its core is to create a proxy government that is so effective that people will actively donate um, to the party instead, at, like they're paying taxes. But also like they're investing in the stock market at the same time. Like the idea is to be such an effective form of governance that 
um, people actively invest in it because it's so mutually beneficial, not to everyone, that it just makes sense for us to take our, our spare pocket change and, and like Bernie Sanders, you know what I mean? It's like, but it, instead of some freaking old man again, like, you know, doing this thing, um, uh, like, uh, yeah, you know, it's us doing things in the streets, like making things happen, mutual aid projects that we democratically um, elect and we, we democratically vote on. And we can experiment with democracy on this. There's a bunch of different ways that I think we need to experiment with democracy. Like blockchain voting, for example, ranked choice voting. All these things need to be experimented with. Well said, Brady. Um, I want to bring in Brent because I know Brent has been waiting so patiently. Uh, Brent, you're the next caller. And then we're going to pivot to bad cookies. Go ahead, Brent. Hi, Savvy. So, yeah, I'm, I'm in the subway station right now, so you might not be able to hear me very well. Um, so I don't know if you heard, can hear but you. Was, you can hear me? Okay, good. Um so I don't know if you watched Rising, but there was um, a case where um, there was like a 13-year-old boy who uh, tr I think he was robbing cars, and then um, like some guy in his home uh, st just shot him and killed him. And about, um, yeah, did you hear about that? I heard about the story. Yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to ask: um, Do you believe that people have the right to? Uh, kill people if um, they are um, intruding on their private property. Oh, hells no. Hells no. Um, here, here's the thing. Um, we have to be careful because there are certain states that have this law where if someone comes onto your property, just comes onto the property, uh, the homeowners can shoot you. And we have to be very careful about being okay with that. And different states have different like rules around it. And I think that like, for me, it's like, obviously, were they in the right? Was that kid in the right to be on the property? No, obviously. Does that mean they deserve to die? No. And I think that's the question we need to ask ourselves. Do they deserve to die? I'm not one for the death penalty and I fucking hate cops. <laughs> if you haven't been able to tell, I'm not cop friendly. I'm not law enforcement friendly. So for me, it's like, no, you don't kill someone because they're on the property because this can be a slippery slope because what could happen is you could have someone on your property that you think may be trying to do something malicious maybe trying to burglarize your home and they could just be selling like candy bars for band. They could just be selling candy bars for the Girl Scouts or something. They could be selling candy bars for any other thing, you guys, any other thing. And the point that I'm trying to drive home is this, is that you don't know unless they're in like the Girl Scouts uniform or their school ROTC uniform you don't fucking know and that's why you got to be careful and these kind of stories make me very scared because i remember being in school and like i knocked on doors for jump rope for heart girl scouts multiple things banned 
cheerleading, all those things. Can you buy these candy bars that are really not that good by America's Best Chocolate? <laughs> Some of you understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> those America's Best Chocolate candy bars. You have to sell them like so you guys can get like gains for your organization at school. That was something we had to do. I today would be hesitant to knock on someone's door and sell something because Americans now have become so reactive and impulsive, like immediately, okay, someone's in my yard, let me just shoot them. No, we gotta be very careful with that. Go ahead, um, Deanna, I saw you unmute. I wanted to get your take on this. So I think you just, oh, I think you muted yourself again. Go ahead. Yes, I, I live in one of those stand your ground states. And it is very uh, scary because I also live in a gentrifying neighborhood. So I had to go door to door for this charity I was working with. They wanted to get the whole community together. And so people were just terrified. And I really don't look like a criminal. I mean, I'm 5'3", so most people can just beat me up because I'm short. But they were so afraid that any one of them could have at any point just decided that I was a threat. And I look at my neighborhood watch thing, which is hilarious because people have moved into uh, the hood and gotten these great deals on these houses and they are terrified to be here. And so it's, um, it is scary. It's scary for children. I would never let my child go door to door to door the way I did when I was a child at this point. Because it's just there, it's the wild, wild west. It really is. And property is never more important than people, ever. I think stand your ground should be a situation where someone is literally about to harm you with a weapon or with, you know, their own brute force. Or they refuse to leave your property and you tell them to get off my property. Those are the only times in my worldview that that force or, or violent force should be used. Go ahead, um, Roger. I think you're next. Brent, I'm going to mute you just for a second. Go ahead, uh, Roger. Uh-oh, I kicked him out. Go ahead, Roger. Roger. Up, oh, I think we lost Roger. Hey, what about here? What about um, now? What about now? Okay, I got you. Go ahead. Okay, my bad. I thought I thought I was unmuted or whatever the case is. Um, so, dang, what was I gonna say? I was gonna be. Oh yeah, uh, Deanna, we're doing your state on Thursday. Just to let you know, um, that's one. <laughs> You're doing um, my state? What do you mean? Do you watch Sabrina's show? Of course. I don't know if you watch it when she does the ballot initiative uh, things. That was a oh, sexual innuendo, oh, uh, Roger. Oh, you said you well, were doing I, her state. <laughs> I'm, I've been, I've been way over been, my I've been off. <laughs> Nether region. It's late at night, Roger. <laughs> Sabrina, you're rubbing off on me. Um... <laughs> Also, um, a part two that I forgot to mention when I was talking about um, the governor is is 
uh, looking to raise the minimum wage and peg it to inflation. I think what happened was she caught heat for signing the uh, bill into law where the uh, veto-proof majority, the Democrats, gave themselves a pay raise um, to go from $110,000 a year to $142,000 a year. And I think everybody all over the state got pissed at them, pissed at her, because in four years, in four years, they went from 79500 okay, to 110000 in 2018 to uh, uh, starting in 2025, 142,000. So I think that, I think she must have got caught a lot of heat from that. And that's why she was talking about like the minimum wage, raising it and so on and so forth. Um, so that's, so that's one thing. Um, the other thing I was going to mention was, um, uh, 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 I know, what was it? Larry, Larry Sharp had on his program today or the other day or whatever the case is when they was talking about people. Oh yeah. Because, and also we're still number one in income inequality for like, I don't know, the 10th year in a row or something like that. Um, so that's probably what, what, you know, what she ended up catching heat for, uh, whatever the case is. But, um, you know, he was talking about taxes on his show and, you know, him being a libertarian, he, he wants, he doesn't want any tax and so on and so forth. But I want, I want people to think about this for a second, right? Um, Sabrina, who do you think is worse? The, the Jeff Bezos, with, you know, Jeff Bezos and the Elon Musk and all those guys, or the, the billionaires on Wall Street? Who do you think is worse, in your opinion? Mm, neither. I'd say the banks. I'd well, say yeah, the okay, J.P. Morgans. You yeah, know where yeah, I'm going yeah, with yeah. this, Roger. What was that? You know where I'm going with this. The banks are worse. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. That's what I was saying, the Wall Streeters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, why do you say that? I mean, I agree, but why do you say that? Because of what I just told you guys tonight and other things I've told you guys, like the fact that mm-hmm. J.P. Morgan, one banker, was mm-hmm. to give the government money to mm-hmm. keep afloat and then was able to tell other bank other banks in New York, by the way, I'm buying you out too. As a result, yeah. that's bullshit. Like you guys, like we really have to be very conscious of the fact that when you look back to the 08 housing crisis, the fact that uh, JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, uh, Goldman Sachs, these banks were able to get away with what they got away with and people lost their homes that tells you just how powerful the bankers are. So when people say, oh, focus on the millionaires, da, 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 you know, Bernie Sanders, when he was running in 2016, he used to call it the banks. When he yes. ran in 2020, he stopped doing that. He yep. was just calling out Amazon and Walmart. Well, yeah, Amazon and Walmart have a great amount of wealth, but when it really boils down to it, who's above them? And who's above the billionaires? Who are the trillionaires? Uh-huh. See, there's trillionaires. You'll never really hear about them. People always talking about the millionaires and the billionaires. What about the trillionaires, boo? What about the people who owe more than that? So this is, so this is my reason for as egregious as the Bezos and Elon Musk and the person who owns Uber is so on and so forth. I will at least say this. They are at least 
contributing something to society, something that people can feel and touch, whether it's a Tesla, whether it's a service, you know, whether it's, you know, delivery services, Amazon, if you talk to regular people who are just regular people, like we know all the bad stuff about Amazon and Jeff Bezos or whatever, but you talk to regular people, they love Amazon. You can't say anything bad about Amazon, but you never hear anybody say, oh, I love the Wall Streeters. You know why? Because they contribute nothing to society. Okay, they're not job creators. They, you know what I mean? I was say at least, you know, Amazon and those guys, they at least at least create jobs, bad jobs. But at least what does what does the Wall Streeters do? They they do absolutely nothing. They they're just they they just black holes that just leech off of society. Okay, so I'm thinking about what Dr. Kaboom said, where he said uh, you tax to regulate, you tax them you know, like one way of regulating is to tax the crap out of them so they can stop with the speculation. Um, so they could stop. You tax, you tax speculation high because what this is what I was saying to Larry Sharp. He was talking about, you know, it sounds like someone's sleeping, but this is what I was saying to Larry Sharp, right? Because he was talking about, oh, he doesn't want to tax anybody. He wants to do flat taxes and blah, blah, blah. At least he wants a public bank. Okay. But what was happening was I said to him, why not, instead of having a flat tax, which hurts mostly poor people or whatever the case is, you can you can just tax activity that takes place on Wall Street. Because even if the millionaires and billionaires leave, Wall Street still, that's the one thing that we have that no other state has, which is Wall Street. Wall Street's not going anywhere. They've been there since, what, the 1600s? Okay, so we can tax the crap out of speculation, derivatives, high-frequency trading, um, 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 stock buyback, stock transfer tax. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about not just, oh, we're going to do a little 0.1%. No, I'm talking about like tax 50%. If you want to see, if you want to see, uh, all these boom and bust cycles stop, tax the crap out of it. Because even if they move to another state, the activity takes place right here in New York state. Okay. So if New York, if, if these, so-called progressives that gave themselves these big raises, you know, $62,000 pay increase in four years, it's a 78% increase, okay? If they really want to affect everyone, uh, you know, if, if they really want to go to war with them, they can be like, yeah, you know, millionaires, billionaires, you can leave, but we still, Wall Street stays right here. We're going to tax the crap out of all of that. And then you will start seeing the, the speculation going down that's causing all these boom and bust cycles and all that craziness, high frequency trading, capital gains. That's the one I was that, that I couldn't think of. All of that. You, you see what I'm saying? If, you know, if the federal government won't do it, you know, and by doing that, we could probably affect the rest of the country. The rest of the country probably won't have to go through the nonsense of private equity and all that stuff because we're, we're stopping them at the gate here. So, you know, very well said, Roger. Um, Eric, go ahead. I know you've been waiting for a long time and then we'll go to Lucy. Hey, what's up, Savvy? How you guys doing? Hey, what's up? Hey, nice to hear your voice. I know I've been waiting for a little bit here. This is everybody's good ideas. Uh, I, I like Roger's idea. Uh, I can't remember the, the very first one that he kind of started to kind of go from. Uh, and I can't quite remember because he threw so many ideas, uh, Roger did. 
there, there was one before he kind of went off into kind of a rabbit hole of ideas uh, that, that he was speaking about. Come here, uh, guys. Was that? Oh, nothing. Sorry. Oh, yeah. So, but anyhow, I mean, you know, I always like to think of leveraging what's already out there and um, not trying to reinvent the wheel and using the apparatuses that are already out, that, that are currently out there to market one idea. The idea that, he, that Roger was talking about was voting for none of the above, in a sense, you know, in the, being independent. And one of the things that America has, because we are so indoctrinated into being individuals, we are actually big followers of whoever's leading. Whatever the trend is, we will follow. And, and part of it has to do with the way that we consume media, you know, from the day that we're born till the day we die. So, you know, one that idea, I think, is a good one to try to essentially rock the boat, because what it would take is a little bit of marketing and strategic marketing to initiate, hey, we're not going to vote for either party. We're actually going to be signing to be independent. And if that idea took off, even in one state or one city, and it caught wind behind it, meaning the mainstream media caught wind of that, that would propagate to other cities, it would take off. We need ideas like that that are simple and that would turn the paradigm or the things, the way that things are today, you know, rather than try to invent all these other ideas, albeit I think they had a lot of the, 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 your speakers or the guys that were joining on the call here had really good ideas. But, but if, if you can focus on three or, or two good ideas and, and really put a lot of thought behind them and sort of equity, uh, sweat equity into them, you can do a lot with them. You know, and that, I think that was a really good idea that Roger was talking about. Uh, to your subject matter of today's topic, um, you know, clearly breaking points is, is nothing more than a mainstream media wannabe. Uh, and they, they've done nothing to, to, to prove otherwise. If anything, they've just been cementing over the last few months that they are not part of the left ecosystem, not progressive really at all, but more the same. Uh, and, and even the last few days with, you know, the redemption of, of, of Jimmy Dore and others who were behind, uh, you know, forced the vote, uh, they have not come through. And it, it, in, in essence, they've been sort of uh, just making up lies about what happened over a year ago or a year and a half ago, whenever Force of War came about. And, and RBN has done a really good job, and so has Jimmy and other shows, showing what a lie they've done and how effective uh, Force of War would have been. And then to uh, Matt Gates, who I don't personally like, um, I thought the guy has big balls because he stood up to his party and he's not being liked because he's doing what he's doing, mm -hmm. and yet he stood up for it. And, and, and whether you, lo you love or don't like somebody, that's, to me, as a man, as a person, is respectable. In some way, I could say, wow, at least this guy stood up for that when nobody else was backing him. Whether, you know, I, I don't, you know, whatever, whatever he, the reason behind it is, they are changing how things are perceived. Matt Gates and his group of Republicans and the whole media uh, for the past four or five days has focused on this and has proven the force of vote would have been very effective because it would have changed everybody's eyeballs into Medicare for all and whatever else we wanted to levy, you know, leverage on that. 
And these guys are proving that right now that they stood up, that they were willing to fight. And a lot of people, Savvy, including minorities and what have you, they're going to look to these guys. And believe it or not, I guarantee you that there's going to be people that may have been leaning one way or the other who are going to look at the Matt Gates of the world and say, well, at least these guys are standing up for something. And people are willing to follow something like that. I'm not saying I'm going to do that, but that's something to be, you know, in some ways admire that you're willing to stand up for something. And, and, and the Democrats, the AOCs, the squad have done none of that. Even though we've been pushing them to try to do this, they've had none of it. And here comes Matt Gates and these people that a lot of people on the left despise, but you got to give them, you know, their, their respect too. So. And I don't even like Matt Gates, and that's the thing. Like, I made that very clear in another video before where I said Matt Gates, who was also <laughs> that video, that clip actually um, got a lot of views on Twitter. Um, but I made it very clear that, like, I don't like, like, Matt Gates is also corporate and corrupt. And yet, that video got over 2,000 likes. And not just from people on the left, because they understand that, like, listen, someone was still able, they were still able to say, let's force the vote. And the clip I showed tonight, or even mainstream media was like, hey, these uh, Freedom Caucus members, they studied the squad. They studied, Eric. Yep. And they studied what they were supposed to do, and they decided, hey, what can, can we use that to our advantage? And they used it, and the squad did not. And that is what is so frustrating to me. So I want to make it very clear. Like, this segment tonight is not so much about crystal ball or breaking points. I know people have brought up their concerns with her and et cetera. It's more about the fact that you had an outlet like breaking points. And this isn't the first one. There was another segment done on RBN where Crystal wouldn't even say the words force the vote. She was just like, they got concessions. You know, they were able to use a strategy to get concessions. It's like, dude, just say fucking force the vote. She <laughs> wouldn't say it. Because right. if you say that today, it ties you to Jimmy Dore. Yeah, it, it and some people have already, they realized that. They're like, oh, I'm not going to say that because that'll tie me to Jimmy Dore and that might hurt me in my career. Well, it's not just hurting them, but it's actually giving giving credence to Jimmy Dore and, and those of us who believed and forced the vote. It basically, it validates uh, the concept that Jimmy and others were uh, pushing forward at the time. And but, unfortunately Jimmy Dore, but Jimmy Dore is above all those platforms. Let me make something very, very, very clear here, okay? For people who have like this, I guess Nick calls it door derangement syndrome, okay? Sure. So Jimmy Dore has over a million subs. That's yep. more than what Breaking Points has. Yep. Which they're new. I wouldn't expect them to have that off the bat. But that's more than what Secular Talk has. And secular talk has been around for years. Yeah. And, J and Jimmy's okay. picking up numbers every every day. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Because people are tired of the bullshit, Eric. Yeah. And so for all the people, you know, smearing Jimmy Dore, what kills me is the people who come after me and will smear me and be like, 
Sabby Sabs is is a, a Nick Braun apologist because <laughs> she promoted Jimmy Dore. Motherfuckers, first of all, <laughs> let me make something very clear for all the people listening, okay? I'm a grown-ass woman. I can talk to whoever the fuck I want. <laughs> Nobody is going to tell me who I can and cannot talk to. And second of all, I've been very vocal about how I feel about Nick Brana. Not only on call-in, but on my fucking show when I interviewed him. I was right. very clear about that. Right. So there's fucking receipts. People can say whatever they want about me, but I always have motherfucking receipts. So for people to say, oh my God, she's an MPP apologist and she defends Jimmy Dore. You know what was very funny to me, Eric? The <laughs> yeah. number of people had Nick Brana on their show this past week. I'm not going to name names, but a, a number lot. of people have to yeah. promote um, the rally, the anti-war rally in D.C. Yeah. And a number of people had Jimmy Dore on their show. You know what I noticed, Eric, on Twitter? The people who came after me, none of those people came after those other outlets that mm. had either Nick Brana or Jimmy Dore on. So what is it really fucking about? Let me tell you something. When I see an op and I smell an op, I know that motherfucker from a mile away. So even if you have criticism about Nick Brauner or Jimmy Dore, which may or may not be true. Your op-like behavior is very telling to me because you single out certain people who bring them on, but you don't bring, uh, bring about the other people who bring them on. That lets me know right there, you just trying to take certain people down. Yeah. And I don't give a damn. I don't care if I had them on my show or not. I don't care if they thought we were friends. Fuck that. I have very few friends in my life or people that I consider to be my friends per se. <laughs> and most of my friends are guys. They are not females for this same fucking reason. Wow. Because I'm not trying to do that vindictive bullshit. And most of the time, Women get screwed over by other fucking women, yeah. not men. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so but I'm keeping it. So I'm keeping it real. I'm keeping it real tonight. We going all in. I'm doing that shit. So I'm going to let you know. Jimmy Dore made it very clear, not last uh, episode, because that was Aaron, but the one before. We even said it on stream. We don't agree on every issue. And we don't. No, we we don't. definitely don't agree on MPP. No, no, we don't. And there's other things we don't agree on. The difference is we can actually talk about that shit. Yeah. And we don't have to smear each other. Whereas other people, other boys and children, whose names I'm not going to mention, but you know who I'm talking about, other children, they can actually make up lies about us because of the fact that they're not growing but they're losing subscribers yes, yes. because their audience is getting fucking tired of them constantly smearing Jimmy Dore, even if they don't fucking like Jimmy Dore. And my thing is this. Let me tell you something. When people say, don't you consider yourself to be more um, of an outlier or an ally with someone like 
Crystal and Sauger and Kyle than Jimmy Dore? No. I say, fuck no. no. Because Jimmy Dore grew up working class. Yeah. Jimmy Dore knows what it's like to not have money to pay for fucking medical expenses. We've talked about this shit. Yeah, he, he's got his own uh, story about how he came to really support uh, Medicare for All, his own personal story. But you can go back he was, several he was, years. He was even a bricklayer. He yeah. knows what it's like to do manual labor. I know what it's like to be working class. I know what it's like to be poor. People look at me now like, oh, Sabi has a ring and Sabi has a house. I didn't always <laughs> have that. Yeah, but you know what? I mean, that in and of itself does not make a person rich per se. And it also took you how many years to get to what you have within the capitalist system. So exactly. Yeah, you can't diminish a person's, uh, you know, standing, you know, how how long did it take you or, or, you know, your family or anyone for that matter to get what they have? It's what we're trying to do today as we become aware of what's going on, because it takes so much to break through the matrix that we live in, it can take us, you know, know, basically almost all our life to figure out how bad things are. So you can't blame anybody. That's one thing that I've realized. You can't blame somebody if they realize that we're coming to be aware of the capitalist system, however long it took you to get there, give those people, give that person an opportunity to do what's right at that time. Don't diminish them for whatever it is that they've accumulated to the point where they are today, if they're trying to do what's right, uh, you know, we should be allowed that. That's what I think. And let me tell you guys something about op-like behavior, okay? Because those of us in the activism community, we're familiar with it. And we're, fam- we're like familiar with infiltrators, right? There's always one. There's always that one that comes in and they say, well, guys, we can't do this because this, this, and this might happen. Maybe we should do all these other things before you try to initiate that, which they know those other things are not going to happen. Those are op, infiltrator behavior. I've dealt with it multiple times on the activism side. So when I came into this space and I heard the same rhetoric, I was like, these motherfuckers are ops. They're <laughs> <laughs> like, not even, that doesn't mean that they work for the alphabet later alphabet um agencies sure but it does mean that they have op like behavior and nick has gone over this multiple times cia tactics always uh drive up dilute yes 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 always bring up some type of reason as to why you can't move forward so that you don't move can i give you an example Go ahead, Roger. So Monday, I think it was. Oh, I forgot. A couple of days ago, Thursday. What's today? Thursday, right? Thursday, last week, Thursday. So I was on a um, thing with um, Arizona for Medicare for All Coalition. Okay. So I bought Terrence Cudney over there, whatever, right? And, you know, they was, you know, so I'm like, listen, you guys are a ballot initiative state, okay? You can pass laws, and you can and you can do um, amendments. I I would suggest you do it that way. And this woman was taught this this other this other woman was like, oh well, you know the thing is, she was bringing up some article 
about um, Vermont tried it and it didn't work. And, you know, the state's not having uh, funding because they're not currency issuers like Congress is and you need to go the national route, so on and so forth. I brought up public banks. She may believe that she didn't hear me. Um, and then, uh, uh, and, and, and as she's saying this, I was just like, yeah, I'm gonna have to write a letter, send an email to, uh, to the guy who heads this. Cause he wasn't sure he, he says he has to talk to healthcare for justice, figure out what, which way he's going to go, so on and so forth or whatever. Right. But here's the thing. I want you to think about this for a second. Right now it's January. Okay. Whichever one of you in the sound of my voice who lives in a ballot initiative state, Time is a ticking. We got to get this done. Okay. The, 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 the debating is over. Okay. We don't need no more debates. We know what we want. We know what we need. Okay. But I was making the point of this. This woman wanted to go through, uh, like, do at the national level. Okay. So if you do at the national level, understand you're not going to get it in two years. Okay. You actually think that, con first of all, Joe Biden said if it comes to his desk, he's going to veto it. Number two, uh, Congress is oh, the lower chamber of Congress is now controlled by Republicans. You think they're going to pass that shit? OK, so that pathway is dead while you're fucking around trying to. Oh, we got to do the national route or whatever the case is. Those two years will be wasted because this time next uh, this time, two years from now, I'm like, you can Arizona or the other ballot issue states. You can have single payer. OK. And on top of that, this time, two years, you don't know who would have won the election in um, 2024. You don't know if, 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 you know, I'm not saying even first of all, the Democrats are not going to do it. And, and, you know, none of these politicians are going to do it. But let's say if, if you're if you're doing like a vote blue, no matter who national strategy. OK. You don't know if Chuck Schumer is still going to be the, uh, the the leader in the Senate by by two years from yeah. now. But you, you, so everything is up in the air. So you want to do a? You, you understand if you're doing that national route, that means you just got to fucking wait and yeah. see what happens in 2024. While you could be using that time, okay? Whether you you know whether you live in in any of these ballot any of the any of the uh, I will say, okay, 23 ballot initiative states, but 17 allow you to do it through the amendment. You could be doing it that way, okay? Sabrina, I don't know if you if you read it yet, but I sent you and JB a thing about Missouri. Okay, Can Missouri. Anybody sent me anything in the past yeah, okay. days? I, I haven't seen it. <laughs> oh, okay, I, I, so let me just tell you this. Okay, Missouri is going to war with its citizens. They said we are making it our first priority to stop. Um, um, to, to, to hold up on these ballot initiatives because they what, what was so funny is right, I even did a um, I even did like a a, a, a screenshot, right? So, uh, this is what one of this is what um, one of the guys said Missourians have sent veto proof majorities of Republicans to the House and the Senate for more than a decade now, but they have also implemented a number of policies through the initiative process championed and cheered by those on the political left. Senate President Pro Tempro Khaled Rowden, Republican of Columbia, said during a speech on the 2023 legislative session. He's like, how the hell are they voting us in, veto-proof majority, 
but they keep passing his left shit. You know what I'm saying? Which goes back to what I said. When people vote, they don't vote based on policy. They vote based on the alphabet letter next to the name. They vote based on emotion and they vote based on familiarity. They probably just hate the Democrats, but they want this policy. So the dude was pissed and he couldn't figure out, oh, it must be these these big money people coming in from 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 outside the state, corrupting our poor voters who want all of this, all of these things that only the, the, the left is supposed to want. You know what I'm saying? And and one of the guys and um, there's there's this attorney who's working, who's been an ally of 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 initiatives um he said missourians began focusing on constitutional amendments in the initiative petition process because that was the only way to prevent the state legislature from overturning the outcome said chuck hatfield hmm, i wonder if he's related to the hatfields and mccoys a longtime jefferson city attorney lawmakers can change a state law but have to return to the ballot to change a constitutional amendment. The reason lawyers, including me, advise um, advise clients to go for constitutional amendments is the fear the legislature will undo the work that, that voters did, Hatfield tweeted this week. Um, he suggests that instead of making it harder to change the constitution, the legislature should establish a cooling off period after a statutory meaning law if they were to do it by law because because the, the republicans were playing oh all these things shouldn't be amendments they should be in the law books right but they won't pass it as law yeah because you're going to repeal them that's why so hatfield suggests that instead of making it harder to change the constitution um the legislature should establish a cooling off period after a statutory change enacted by initiative petition when lawmakers would be prohibited from altering the law. Prevent that, Hatfield said, and folks would actually do go the statutory initiative route, which would be altered after a sufficient time. I would say, eh, I would probably say, if you want to repeal my amendment or my law that we pass as voters, then you got to ask us first. But, you know, that that's that's you know but pretty much going by when you was talking about the op thing mm-hmm. yeah this person in in the in the thing was saying oh we need to go the national round i was like okay so then you're gonna just gonna be twiddling your thumbs for two years because the republicans no, 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 are not we gonna can do pass both. it we can go the national then, route um, we can go the local me, route all at the same sorry Brady. um bad cookies has been waiting for a while sorry bad cookies just have to unmute what's up hello good evening everyone Good evening, Bad Cookies. Hey, Sabby. I have one quick, uh, easy, but a very important question. I have a uh, question for you. Yes, ma'am. Go for it. That profile picture you had on YouTube, that scared the crap out of me, Bad Cookies. Which one? The the Pelosi AOC mashup? What was that? <laughs> I, actually, I got that off of the RBN show from last week, Thursday. Uh, Rome had it up, and I was like, Rome, I need that. And he posted it up on on the profile for me, and I clipped it and used it. <laughs> so yeah, I got that from Rome. That scared the shit out of me. I was like, <laughs> I was like "Hello, good cookie." I was like, "Oh my god, what is that?" <laughs> yeah, it, it freaked ahead, out sorry. quite a few people. <laughs> All right, um, uh, my my question is um, uh, is actually because you left me hanging at the end of the show. You you gave us a suspenseful end. 
and then just left it on a cliffhanger. Who is your special guest for Thursday? Oh, damn, I did do that. I'm sorry, I'm going to pull Steve Urkel. Did I do that? <laughs> oh, wait, some of you might be uh, not old enough to know who Steve Urkel was. So, like, Steve Urkel was... Steve like, Urkel's my childhood hero. A character in a TV show oh, called Family, Family Matters. Matters. You already revealed who's coming on on Thursday. I thought I did. No. Yeah, you said Jimmy Dore. Yeah, Jimmy Dore. Yeah, I wasn't gonna say, but uh, I was gonna suggest. Oh, you know, we were mentioning like using lawyers, ago. utilizing lawyers to see what we can maybe get away with in, in the constitutional law kind of aspect and all this kind of thing. And I highly recommend that everyone who is able spend some time or anyone who needs a lawyer um, to consult chat GPT chat GPT makes a really great makeshift free lawyer, especially anyone who's trying to start a co-op, especially one of the biggest hurdles to starting a co-op is the lawyer, the lawyer issue, paying for the lawyers is in, in the legal aspects. It's not easy if you're not a lawyer. If you don't have the sneaky know-how, you know, and so if you guys utilize chat GPT to start up co-ops, that really streamlines the process and we can be uh, utilizing that for all kinds of sneaky ways to get things done. And uh, I, now keep in mind, they're, tr they're nerfing it more every day. So chat GPT becomes less and less um, utilitarian every day. It becomes less useful. So we really need to make, it's kind of like the internet. It's the wild, wild west of AI right now. So we really need to be making the most of it while, while the, while the iron is hot, so to say. Um, <clears throat> and then that said, um, I mean, that there's been some criticism of like the people party idea, but like, um, we need something like, I don't care what we call it. Like, Personally, the way that they came up with the People's Party idea is they all democratically voted on it and the people all democratically voted on the People's Party. So, I mean, when I was in 2016, I just thought it sounded like a cool name for a political party. So I was like, does anybody have the People Party? I looked on YouTube and like, yeah, you know, Brady, Googled it and stuff. And there was that no people name party. was actually taken before MPP. That name has been taken uh, for a long time ago because when MPP took right. that name, other people, there were other groups that were like, we are the originals people party. Like it, it we had one of those groups on RBN, like almost two years ago. Okay. So like, yeah, it's, it's not just a, yeah, you might want to do something different there. Start with, huh? Yeah, but because we say people's party, people just think Nick Rana. Yes, and I realize that, but you know what? I I really want to just hijack his idea, whether it means kicking Nick Rana out of his organization for being the creep that he is, and the control freak that he is, the the megalomaniac that he is. Um, beyond the sex abuse scandal, he's a total megalomaniac. And he has no business in any leadership position. And leadership should be flexible at all times. We should be able to have new leadership by the day if necessary. So, you know, I would just um, say this. I'm so tired of hearing about MPP. I'm done. I'm tired of hearing about it. I'm, you I'm with done MPP? with hearing about it. Hell no, not me. 
Yeah, like there was a song called OPP, and the song was like, you down with OPP? Yeah, you know me. You down with OPP? Yeah, you know me. OPP, how can I explain it? I don't what about TPP? What about TPP? The People Party. But, oh, but I mean, other, maybe what about what about in the P is for the P is for what? Always for other and the P is for. How about this, guys? How about like if, if the people party's already taken, how about enough of us get together? We start a, a group and we, we approach these people and say, hey, let's work together. Right. What do you think about that? That works, that works Brady. I want to bring in um, Lucy. Lucy's here. Lucy, what's up? I'm I'm just so dumb with the MVP. I'm tired of hearing about MVP. And I'm like, you guys like totally took parties. the OPP song and fame and theme away from it. I agree. I'm I'm tired of hearing about it too. I just um uh I wanna say the very quickly, like the one thing um that the well the leader of the MPP is a guy that actually has like pretty deep roots in Democratic Party campaigning. Um, and I feel like we need to break from all of that. Um, so it's not just about this whole drama. Um, but anyway, uh, I, I want to move on. Um, I'm tired of hearing about it. And I, I do feel like, um, like I have experienced this behavior too from I wouldn't say they're ops, but just people that get very zoom in on an issue and kind of lose sight of the bigger picture. Um, <laughs> I, I guess I you could say that. Um, and I, I I'm I'm on board with what Roger's saying. I feel like we should be, um, you know, like raising money for little events because the thing with a lot of these ops or whatever too is that if you try to organize a party or something they're gonna like, so, like take over the party so uh i i feel better about like hello yeah well i have a solution for that yeah i have a, sol I have a solution for that and Brady, um Brady, the idea you have an echo you have an echo sorry go ahead um, yeah, so if you try to organize a party, like, I feel like the, the first thing that happens is that wh whatever op is out there is going to, like, come and, like, volunteer and, like, take down your organization. <laughs> so, um, like, by, like, you know, spreading rumors or I, I don't know. Um, they're very good at this. Like, <laughs> so I, I feel like the thing to do to is try it to with me. They're free to try to mess with me all they want. There's a court of public opinion. There's uh, the record as well. Can all we things might, are being recorded these days at all times. Finished saying what she was saying first. I'm sorry. I have like a really big pet peeve about men like cutting across women when they're talking. Like, go ahead. Um. Yeah. Uh, I like the idea of of staying independent, registering independent, registering people independent, doing little drives to help people as we do that. Like maybe we could do it at the strikes, you know, whenever there's a strike. And I also feel like we could be starting with demands right away. Like we always think about government, um, you know, the ballot initiatives like Roger is talking about, that's very practical. But I also feel like we should be tabling at the universities and have demands for the universities because a lot of these liberal you know so-called liberal whatever um universities 
you know, like Columbia University is the biggest landlord in New York City. Harvard University has one of the biggest endowments and they benefited from slavery and everything. There are experts that can like actually give you the numbers, you know, what they owe um, in reparations. And then University of Pennsylvania, same thing. Notre Dame, you know, over where Pete Buttigieg is, even state universities. So I feel like tabling at some of these universities and then having demands um, for the universities, like direct demands for the universities, um, then you could accomplish two two goals at once. One, one is like sheep herding people back away from the Democratic Party, and two having specific demands that really embarrass the universities because like the government at this point doesn't really give a shit about us, but universities still kind of care a little bit. They don't care about us, but they care about recruiting and enrollment. Um, And I feel like it would be easier to shame them into certain things. 100% agree. Um, Okay. Brady. And then uh, going back to Brent. So Brady, you just have to unmute. Um, my bad. My, my workaround for that issue is I think the idea of asking for money is kind of gross anyway. Like I don't even like the idea of what we call, first of all, what we call money is fiat currency issued by the Federal Reserve in the first place, which is not even a good store of value. We could barely call it money as it is. And I don't even want it. I'm not even interested in it. You know, what I want is just... um like, and maybe in, like, you know, we need, we talked about the need for education earlier uh, after Gator's little naysaying rant, we were like, okay, yes, Gator, people are stupid. So we need to educate them, you know, and we have to take into account the fact that people are so busy working so hard every day just to get a few extra minutes with their family or their friends or their video games or their pets, whatever, at the end of the day, you know, they don't have time to save the world. You know, that, that, falls on the shoulders of the privileged and that's us you know and our generation and it's uh the able the able people and um so what are we doing and uh i think beyond asking for any money at all off the bat we need to be building a platform and then democratically um refining that platform while experimenting with democracy at the same time using voting apps which we could open source and uh, collectively create using chat GPT in the, over the course of a week, if necessary, if one of the ones that exist already aren't working for whatever reason, which there's lots of really good free apps that we could use to vote with. Uh, Twitter has a really bad um, polling option. It's not very flexible. There's no option for ranked choice voting or anything like that. There's no option for people to add options, you know, um, But there's a lot of different things we could be doing to experiment with democracy in the meantime to enact mutual aid without spending a dollar. All it would take is some time, some organizing and boots on the ground doing things. And one thing I I recommend to educate people is maybe instead of a protest, do more of a party. Be like, go to the park and like organize a Facebook group, a Facebook event, get your community involved and say, hey, we're going to be doing you know, a free karaoke party with, uh, we're going to be uh, sharing like a potluck and um, free face painting, whatever you do, whatever you can offer 
and do that and then just educate the public about either the people party or whatever kind of project we have going on whatever you want to call it whatever that's mutual actually, aid program i was just gonna say Sorry. like that's actually what rome does when rome travels across the country and does mutual aid that's actually what he does he's like let's have a barbecue and I get let's the throw parties every, every, such, every such. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. Then when they get there, he's like, let me tell you about socialism. That's what Rome does. And that's what we do here. Like when he came here for Boston for tour for the poor here, like that's exactly what we did. So I think that's the key is like, if you organize an event and you say, Hey, socialism, da, da, da. <laughs> most people are not going to come they're just going to be turned off by the word socialism or communism but if you just organize an event where you're trying to help the people people are going to show up and then you talk to them about the ideology yes. and i think and what's important is like for example um jay who's been on my show like multiple times um he's coming back on again recently he's running again for city council in boston he's one of those people where like he's running through the democratic party but again he's on the local level he's another one he came to the medicare for all march he spoke at the march he is very much uh, a champion of medicare for all see it's different on the local level when you compare it to dc on the local level like they can get shit done that's why we've been able to pass more progressive policies here in Massachusetts, because on the local level, the politicians actually do what they say they're going to do. If they don't do it, we're like, oh, fuck you. Let's put forth someone else. <laughs> it's so much easier to do that on the local level. On the national well, level, Well, you know, I throw parties so for a living. I'm a professional party thrower. You know, I'm a musician. I, I'm going to be hosting a game night this Sunday at a bar. You know, I host all kinds of events all over town, but they're all kind of, I'm basically just selling alcohol right now. You know, I feel dirty doing it. You know, Where I would are you, love. Brady? He's in Texas. I'm in Texas. I'm, in Texas. I'm Texas? ready to paint this place blue. I'm ready to paint Where? this place purple. Where in Texas? I'm centrally located right between Austin and San Antonio. The fuck? You should be yep. trying to organize with Joe Rogan. I am. I am. I'm, I'm about to, believe it or not, Sabby, there's a show called Kill Tony in Austin. And I'm about to roast the hell out of Tony if I can get on that show. <laughs> and if I can get on, to if I can get on Kill Tony, I can, I can, I, I'm pretty sure that I can, I can get Joe Rogan's ear. See, that's Because I'm funny like, as hell. So I, I've got a, I've got a whole list of burns for that Tony guy. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to yeah. roast him up. <laughs> so many people email me and they're like, you need to go on Joe Rogan. You guys need to go on Joe Rogan. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> I have an they think, they think we have contact to people. We have, like, connections to people. Well, Savvy, you have Jimmy Dore, right? You have Jimmy Dore. Jimmy Dore can get a hold of Joe Rogan, right? Asking. Oh, okay. ask Jimmy Dore. It's okay. No, it's okay. okay. It's okay. So, ask. Let me, okay. Let me explain this part. Something about me, uh, and this is my fault. Um, I have a lot of pride in the sense that I don't like asking people for help. And that's probably not a good thing, but I've been that way my whole life. 
and I don't like asking people for assistance or can you help me get this person or whatever. And it's gotten to the point where even now, like in independent media, I will only ask like one or two people like, hey, I saw you had this person. Do you know how to reach them? But even with that, I don't like doing it. Like I shake when I do it. I, I don't like asking people for help. And, and I don't like doing it because I feel like when you ask people for help, you owe them something in return. And that may, not be the case. that may not be the case for everybody, but I just don't like doing it. And my dad, like, you know, my dad, you guys have heard me talk about my dad before on, on YouTube at least, but my dad has always been like, you need to swallow that pride. You can't be so prideful. Everybody got somewhere by some type of help. You know, my dad always comes in like Morpheus from like the Matrix or something. And he's like, well, there's a blue pill or red pill. You got to make a decision. You got to do something. Like, that's my dad. We're not, like, you know, but again, he's We're not going to get anywhere if we don't help each other. If we don't help each other, we're not going to get anywhere. I and, know, I, um, get it. I get it, Brady. I totally get it. You sound just like him. And you, like you he's, have he's to ask for it. Like, you got to let the universe know you need help. I you got to ask for it. I get yeah. it, but I have <laughs> that pride. It's okay. It and hey, you know what? Even even if I don't I get do on Kill Tony, that. I have so many different ways of getting a hold of Joe Rogan, guys. I'm telling you. I'm telling you guys. Y'all don't even know yet. I'm inventing a new sport. I invented a brand new sport. It's like so cool. It's like laser tag. It's like um it's like larp oh, brady, it's like LARP brady tag mixed together brady let me let me ask you a question and it's it's an honest question it's not trying to clown you or anything like that hey you can but try to clown me as hard any... as you can no bro bro just, just i'm not just asking you a question what does that got to do with trying to get these policies that that we're trying to get you, you know what i'm saying like so the thing is, is the one thing of the first is the reason about, why about these things done. one second the reason why there's the push for Joe Rogan is because the message about Julian Assange, that has been a big one where people were like, Sabrina, you went to the Assange rally in DC. You spoke there. Why don't you go on Joe Rogan? Like, I'm, I'm not kidding. The moment like there was video footage and people were like, oh, Savvy was there and da, da, da. Contact Joe Rogan as if I just know Joe Rogan. Like, I don't. But the thing is, is like, if that message got out on Joe Rogan's podcast, that would be fucking huge. And uh, that's why people were like, Sabby, can you just tell Joe Rogan about this? No, I can't. Don't know the dude. Never met the dude. You know dude. what you can do, Sabby? You know what you can do, Sabby? You can interview James Corbett. We're having a Joe Rogan moment right now with James Corbett. You're going you're gonna to look up James Corbett. and We're going to get James Corbett on the show. That ball, I'm telling you, Sabby, that get, getting a hold of James Corbett is going to get our ball moving faster up this hill than anything in the last week, at least. All right. I don't think when I look at the people on Joe Rogan's show, I don't yeah. think I'm Joe Rogan material. Like, that's the thing. Like, I don't think no. in terms of politics. No, I don't see politics. him bringing people on who want to start like a revolution per se. You're funny, Abby. Cool. You're funny. No, you're entertaining. You're great. Honestly, um, I'm picky about what.
what I watch and pay attention to with my time. And um, I love your show on YouTube. I'm going to be honest with you. Now, now that you have a call-in show, I, I barely even mess with YouTube anymore um, since Colin came out. Um, but, uh, I still watched your show with, uh, just the other day with Nader. That was really, that was one of my favorite shows recently. And, um, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. I was totally deserving. No, you, I mean, you, you, you do, you do the hard work, Sabby. You're one of the hardest working people that I see in the political sphere right now. And no one deserves to be on Joe Rogan more than you. And yes, well, I mean, so it's not much pride to swallow. Go for it. I mean, you can handle that and don't hesitate to reach out to anyone to get your voice out there because you have a very important voice. You are our voice. So don't hesitate to use it on our behalf. Not If not for your behalf, do it for us. I don't think I'm pretty I'm enough to be on Joe Rogan. No, you're Just being beautiful. honest. No, that's you don't think you're what enough? We, we can, can make, make it happen, happen for you. The Joe Rogan responds to people tweet at him and say, "Hey, check out this person. I'm doing it right now. He doesn't know me from a can of paint, but I'm Joe Rogan appreciates him hard work. He loves Joe. he loves independent media. He's always bragging about Crystal and Sager and independent media, independent media. I listen to him all the time. He would have you on. So if those of us who listen to you tweet at Joe." He will have you on. It will happen. I've seen it happen before. Just saying. I'm tweeting right now. Keep talking. Sorry, y'all. I'm good. Um, uh, Sabrina, so I was just going to say real quick, because I know you got to bring uh, Brent on. I was just going to say what you were saying that, that Rome does, right? So you use the mutual aid to establish, you know, so mutual aid, because I've been learning more about the mutual aid really through you guys i wasn't really too familiar with it until you guys like came along i heard the words mutual aid but i didn't know what it meant but mutual aid is just more than just i'm helping you but we we are establishing a long-term relationship you see what i'm saying when that bond is made then a then a then a trust is made also so that's how rome is that you was telling us is able to step in and say let me tell you about socialism or communism right now imagine doing that and saying let me tell you about this ballot initiative we're trying to push because now that trust has already been established and even after that ballot initiative is passed or whatever you still can go back to them i remember that thing we did let's now we're trying to do this you know what i'm saying so the, I would say the mutual lake is a precursor to a ballot initiative. You know what I'm saying? And 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 then go from there. But yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Oh. Well, that's oh. a good point, Hello? Roger. Holy crap! Okay. Yeah. Um. All right, I'm gonna wrap up here. I think I got everybody. Um. Let's pivot back to Noel. Noel, any final words, and then we'll close out. I just wanted to say it has been, you know, this is such an interesting and wonderful space. I encourage everyone to stay in the fight. Um, I appreciate you so much and what you do. And I think you would be perfect on Rogan or anybody. And in that note, I want to say good morning, everybody. 
morning. Oh. Past my bedtime, that's for sure. Thank you so much, Noel. Roger. I don't think, think Brent talked. Who? Brent already spoke. But Brent, oh, you did? Oh, my bad. Brent, any final words <laughs> before we head out? Um, let me think. So we were talking about the um, the the guy killing the carjacker, right? And um, it just seemed very. Uh, I just was very concerned about how Robbie, the co-host for Rising, was defending um, the shooter because he felt that. Um, when the 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 carjacker was um he called him the aggressor trying to steal the the car the things from the car and um he, uh Robbie felt that um if you steal uh pro property like um cars which people depend on to work and live then you're affecting someone's life you're putting um that person's life in danger because they can't make money. And um, I'm on Bree's side. I don't think uh, you should be able to kill someone just because they steal your property. But I'm open to hear um, people who are who would be on Robbie's side defending um, the shooter uh, killing the carjacker. I'm just wondering why they feel that would be an appropriate thing to do. All right. So, Brent, I'll have to check out... Um that radar um i am familiar with the story so i have my own opinion opinion about that and like i said like i don't think he should have been shot like that's my take on that um i think it's a loose cannon and i, I really hate it reminds me of that whole stand your ground law and it brings me back to trayvon martin and it really like disturbs me um but i know before uh, when Olimi Aloran was on Rising, uh, her and Robbie did not get along when it came to policing issues. Um, so maybe I'll bring um, Olami back on to talk about that as well, because she's come on before, but maybe I'll bring her back on to talk about that, like how she feels about, about uh, that particular issue. And I'll go ahead and end with uh, Deanna. Go ahead. I just want to thank you for creating this wonderful space. It's really, um, it's it's a community, and it, it feels great to be able to exchange ideas and and really expand and grow. And as much as people don't want to um, admit that talking can get things done, every single thing that's ever been done started with first a thought and then a shared idea. So you are doing beautiful work here, and I think it's amazing. And we're going to get you on Joe Rogan. That's going to happen. We just have to <laughs> manifest that.